Wait. Here we go. Let's see if this works. Hooray. Here we go. Oh, beep. We've got very low volume. All my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love I'm falling in love I'm falling in love With you Hello everybody, it is the seventh year of 2018, and here's my buddy, my pal, the one who <laughs> stuck, stuck with me thick and thin through multiple refrigerators. Let's see. <laughs> Mine's good. <laughs> here she is, Patricia. Hello, Hello. Patricia. Hello, Alden. Hello, everybody. It is Saturday night already. Boy, this week just ripped right through. Shoot. Oh, oh. It was a busy, it was a busy, we had Marion Ross was our special guest, and she kicked it off with a fine style. What can I say? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Did she ever? <laughs> she, she was a down-to-earth lady and earthy in a couple of spots. She was, she was so much fun. Oh. Really a sweet lady. She's 89 years old. So, so is that an excuse to be earthy? Oh, no. Oh, okay. I think that was her all along. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just who she is and who she always was. Uh, but, 
and probably not when she first got into show business. It sounded like she was a very shy person, which is quite remarkable, making a success of yourself in show business, <laughs> in the entertainment industry in general, and, and have um, an accommodating and shy personality. But she handled herself very well, she according did. to some of the experiences she put in her book. This is Marion Ross, Mrs. Cunningham, mom of Happy Days, Fonzie's. Um, I guess he adopted her as his mother. They were so sweet together. What a what a great relationship, personally and on the show. So I, I anyway, thought, that's my story. Yeah, I thought it was so fun because it was interesting earlier this year. Patricia mentioned Marion Ross to me off air, and here a couple weeks later, I got. Uh, her PR people contacted us, so I thought, oh, this will make Patricia happy to. Talk to Mrs. Cunningham, so we we did this good. Made Patricia, yeah, made Patricia very happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a well-written book. I'm 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 surprised when personalities come up with a well-written book, but she had a good writer who was working with her and helped her put this together. So uh, and and it showed. It really is a delightful book to stick your nose into. Well, do my you know. It was interesting. We we were having leftovers tonight for dinner, and Mom wanted to know what what you have planned. I said, "Well, Patricia will have her stuff figured out, so we'll find out how the show's gonna go." So, Patricia, yes, Walden, what are we doing tonight? I haven't a clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, 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 well. How about people, real or fiction? Known by one name only. That's excluding presidents. Like we, uh, if, uh-huh. if somebody said Jimmy, we would know it was Jimmy Carter or or Teddy. Everybody would know who Teddy was. But, uh, for example, Cher, the entertainer and singer, and Madonna, yeah. Yeah. the singer. Einstein, we know who Einstein is. We know who Fibber is. So come up with some names of people we know right away who have only one name as a clue for but us. But Patricia doesn't count because she goes by Patricia from Florida, so that's more than one name, right? <laughs> that's one name. Yes, you've got one. Good for you. <laughs> I, I didn't even consider that. Oh, gosh. You're funny. You're funny. You're Hello funny. there. You're on with Patricia. Oh, no kidding. You <laughs> are, Paul. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. No kidding. I haven't talked to you guys since... So, the wedding or before the wedding. That's right before the wedding so did the wedding happen it did all right it went beautiful you have a wedding story uh, the only one is is how bad my brother treated me <laughs> okay. oh i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. we don't need that especially on that kind of a day oh dear exactly. oh dear exactly. it comes to mind uh you know, when I think about it, I just, oh, man, I still haven't responded to it. But Sometimes that's better. Yeah. You know, that yeah when, when you have someone who's, who's really a challenge to love and a challenge to be with, sometimes the best thing is not to do anything at all. You can't change them. Uh, you can't change them, and, and you make yourself even more crazy. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I wrote... That's my dear Abby for tonight. Two, I wrote two different long things where I vented, you know, and then I'd like, okay, no, I got to hold back and, and uh, removed them from yeah. my text and put them in an email and they're just sitting there and I'll not use them 
I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, you can go read them every once in a while, and each time you read them, it'll get a little bit less difficult. It'll never all go away when you have that kind of a relationship. It's so difficult, and it really hurts. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I wish I didn't go over to to sit down with him to, to say, yeah. oh, I mean, he goes, you got five minutes. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's what he told me. You got five minutes. Wow. And half of it complaining about how long my texts are to him. <laughs> <laughs> well. If that's the major thing in life, he's doing pretty well. <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, my word. You're smart about the emails, though. The one thing I, I suggest to people all the time, when you're angry or upset, write it in an email, but don't put the person's name and address. Don't put the address in. So you're not tempted to hit send, and if you do, it's mm-hmm. not going to go anywhere. Or accidentally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that can happen. You know, you, before you close out, the automatic thing to do is just reach up and click, and you're in the soup because you can't undo it. So you put it in an email, get everything out, and then set it aside for a couple of days. And you did a smart thing, so I'm proud of you. No, I, I appreciate that. Show me, let me just throw a topic on the table. Does anybody have a funny or unusual wedding story to tell. Just not the one that you attended, maybe one of the friends I can think of, too, my family. Mm. My mom and dad are celebrating their 55th wedding anniversary this August. All right. So, All right. So, they did something. Uh, I guess you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, what they did, of course, they, they, had, they had the wedding and they had the reception and they, they took off. For the uh, off the honeymoon, mm-hmm. and they forgot one thing. Does anybody want to guess they what they forgot? They first they forgot their suitcases. Yes, they forgot their suitcases. So my uncle, oh. my uncle Walden had to go meet him somewhere to deliver the suitcases to them. <laughs> so much for a peaceful <laughs> private honeymoon. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. And then the that's other one cute. I would give my cousin who lives in Oakland that she's been married for twenty seven years on the wedding anniversary. Um, well, they were, they decided to get married by a judge. Her husband couldn't remember the judge's name. Because it was, <laughs> it was at a, it was, he, he knew this judge at a gym. And he wanted the judge to marry him. And he couldn't remember the judge's name because he said he's always known as the judge. So the, the gym, the fitness place, went through the roster of judges and they three of them. So naturally he chose the one that didn't know him. So during the wedding ceremony, the poor judge always called the uh, the bride by the wrong name throughout the oh whole wedding, <laughs> wedding ceremony. Oh, did, the, did it still take? Even though we didn't use <laughs> yeah, the right name, yeah, that's right. Take? Yeah, don't take. It was still. Did they interrupted me, Simon? No, no, they just went ahead. My my cousin Kim. Kimberly was was known as Beverly throughout the whole ceremony, right? And Kimberly, you know. Oh gosh! Well, you got the Lee part of it at the end correct. Oh, boy. Maybe that was enough to to let it stick. I guess. <laughs> oh my goodness! How embarrassing! How embarrassing! Probably embarrassing for yeah, more embarrassing is. for the judge when he, if he indeed he did find out. Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. Um, one, one of my friends. Um, 
I was in his wedding, and and I think I think it was another groomsman that that thought of it, or my friend actually wanted us to do it. But uh, on the bottom of his shoes, so that it would be upright when he was kneeling, as as that a Catholic church was going to be kneeling at one point. Um, you put on the, help on one shoe and me on the other. Oh, <laughs> oh how cruel! <laughs> oh. oh, 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 woe is me! <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's you funny. Know, well, well, Paul, I'm so happy that you had a good wedding, and we'll just cross off the problem person from the list and appreciate that the wedding went well and the kids are happy it did and i i i i liked how i gave her gave her away and you know made mm-hmm. sure that, that, that he knew that it's now in his hands and you know you gotta do your best to take care of her mm-hmm. as best as you possibly can and, and then i placed her hand in his hand, and you know, with me clasping both of them together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, I gave her a kiss and a hug, <clears throat> and I I didn't cry. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, we were all sick for like a month before the wedding. Oh dear! Wow. And then, like one day before, for the rehearsal, you know, I I, I did pretty good and then on the wedding the next day i did i did real good but i i knew it was still there so and then um and i got a ride home <clears throat> excuse me and after i took my suit all up and hung it all up and everything and i i was going to put my blue jeans on and go out into the living room i thought and and relax for a little bit and i just brought him over to my to my bed and i and i just lay down for what i thought was going to be a minute face down and the next thing i remember is my my wife because she had stayed later for cleanup and everything um her you know taking the blue jeans in her hands and saying come on get in bed you know Aww. i just fell right you really were pooped was, yeah, yeah. I was so tired, my back was so sore because I yeah. stood up most most of the time there, you know. And yeah. I mm-hmm. Really, do, really do much, but but it, there. When I first walked to the door of the reception hall, and mm-hmm. I, and I looked in and I saw all of these candles lit on all these nicely tablecloth tables and everything, and I just went. Wow. Okay, you know that explains yeah. all the candles that I saw all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> so candles are to be lit. You're right. Places. You're right. Wow. And it was beautiful, and it took me it about half like... hours to make my way in the door and across one length of the hall because of wow. coming up and talking to me. You know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm so glad it went well, Paul. That it's really nice to hear. And um, you know, we're we're going to go through a couple of more phone calls tonight. Then, well, at least we hope we can and um, talk to some sure. extra people. So, I'm just so glad you got through. Thank you, Paul. Yes. Well, is there is 
Am I supposed to answer a question about the fridge? Sure, she got a shot. What do you want to guess? What, Patricia went to the store. What do you think she has? Patricia, you do eat meat. Say that again? Do, do you eat, eat meat? meat? Do you eat meat? Yes, I eat meat, but there's no meat in the refrigerator. Oh, <laughs> that was a good guess, though. I have to tell you, I looked at salami, and when I saw the price of it, I said, I can do without salami. <laughs> so you were almost right. But can we give you half credit for that? Yes, he was almost there. Yeah, you yeah. get half credit. Uh, um, I was going to say, um, before I guessed uh, a pre-made salad mix, you said no at the time, but I'm going to guess it again because maybe that's changed. Ah. Yes, it did change, and you did guess it a second time, and you got credit for that one. So you're one up on almost everybody. <laughs> oh, wow. Congratulations. Actually, one and a half. You're the only one who's gotten one and a half. All right, Paul. Wow. Okay. You're ahead of the game. Cool. Thank okay. you. Cool. I'm glad I got through, and I love you guys very much. Congratulations, Paul. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you made it home from the wedding, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, and my daughter and my son-in-law are in the other room, and I'll be seeing them shortly. Perfect. Take care, Good. Paul. Good. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Paul. All right. 714 I've got stuff. What's when stuff? When you finish your stuff, I've got stuff. I... Here, Patricia, what's the stuff? <laughs> well, my stuff. Yeah. I sent a note to you this week about a Norman Rockwell yes, painting. Yes, yes, yes. It is of Benjamin Franklin. It celebrated the 150th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, as every Norman Rockwell was. It is a spectacular one, and it's oversized. I can't recall what the dimensions are, mm-hmm. but from my head, it probably in the range of 31 by 42, which wow. is quite sizable. And it's from the collection of Debbie Reynolds, and it's up for auction. And the opening bid, the minimum bid to open, is $400,000. So, I went back and I said, 40000 maybe? <laughs> no, it says, says 400000 So I checked on Thursday night, and no one had put in the minimum bid yet. So are you gonna bother? I, are you gonna bother put it put it in? Why not? Why not? Hey, yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. But that one just blew me away. I'm, I'm going to have to start tracking some of the prices. There was nothing any more staggering than four hundred thousand dollars for a Norman Rockwell, but it was a special in the sense that it was commemorative and it made it to the cover of two magazines. So. It it was quite a I, quite I think, a piece of work. I think it'd be fun to talk to somebody from the Norman Rockwell collection because uh, years ago I went to an exhibit down in San Diego. They had a lot of his paintings, especially for the covers of the Saturday Evening Post on display. I mm-hmm. think it was like one of these tours that you know was a collection of, of paintings from the Rockwell. So I think it'd be fun, yeah, to talk to somebody like that. We can do that, you know, um, and. Yeah, I have a couple of others I I'm, I'm have to continue to chase from previous conversations, and they're somewhere on the yellow pages that I flipped over <laughs> for my <laughs> yellow pad. And, but I know they're there. I, and by putting them on a pad, I know they're there. Oh. They're not going anywhere. Uh, so. 
888-0071. We are live. We love to talk to people. Patricia will be here until about, you know, midnight or so, Eastern time. So <laughs> this is your window. This is, the, this is the number. You can talk to Patricia. The rest of the time. Catch me when you can. It's yeah. via email. And uh, so we're looking forward. Uh, next week, uh, Jim Taylor's all excited because we'll be talking about the book review that he and Patricia are working on together, slash separately, a little bit, if that still go. And then, uh, no, it's the 21st. Next, next week, the 14th. 21st. Yeah, right. 21st. Don't scare me. <laughs> <laughs> you do that all the time. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yes, on the 21st, we will co review. Uh, this is going to be interesting yeah. because Jim picks up things that I just miss altogether and I pick up some things that he finds interesting. Mm-hmm. So this should be a goodie. We should probably schedule six hours for this one, huh? Why not? And then on <laughs> then on, on Saturday, May the 5th, we're going to be talking about No Wolf. So this, that will be a fun evening with an expert of the uh, No Wolf series. So we're, we're looking forward to uh, letting Patricia get into one of her favorite authors and yeah. and having a good time with that. Yeah. You know. So and stuff like that there. Stuff like that there. Anyway, Patricia did go shopping. She does have items in the refrigerator, so that's always part of the fun of figuring mm-hmm. out what Patricia has. And, and I got an email from one of our listeners this week. I got one a week and a half ago. And she took a guess on what's in the refrigerator, and it wasn't there. So Carrie and Jeff tried again. And this week I got an email that said, carrots and carrots are refrigerator items. That was in one of the originals that I put in the refrigerator. So Carrie and Jeff, you get gold stars. All right. All right. For anyone who tuned in after the fact... Bill and Kim Bragg, founder of the station and the people who take care of us, sent me for Christmas an apartment-sized, you know, little refrigerator. And I have been just so delighted with that, and I make such good use out of it. Um, And, and, I mean, really, I, I was just so surprised with that. But that's the talk of the refrigerator. So when I went shopping the first time, I came back and said, okay, what's in the refrigerator? And we have had guesses everywhere from peanut butter. You're the first person I ever heard have refrigerated <laughs> their peanut butter. And now we find, what, two more? I know Dan said he does. I know. I think there was one more. I know. Which just blew me away. I, I don't, I, I mean, I grew, Cracker up, Jack. I grew up with peanut butter in the refrigerator. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It must be like peanut brittle. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. You're on there? with Patricia. Yeah, this is John in Maryland. Hi, John. Hi, John. Walden, I liked your show last night. You did enjoy the Johnny Dollar expert? Yeah. Yeah, we had John Abbott. I remember Patricia interviewed him when the yes. book came out about six years ago. And so John is doing an up a revised edition. Wow. And so he's making all the... And it was in three parts. It, it, he yes. He did such research, and the show had such a history that he had three major, I mean, these are, these are not little booklets. These are books. Three. So they're going to try part and... Part one, part two, and part three. They're yeah. going to expand it, Go but ahead. they're going to put, uh, the new edition is going to be two volumes. So how in the world are you going to be walking around town with two big old volumes, one for each hand, I guess. Yeah. 
I, I want to tell you. They, they're going to be like dictionaries. <laughs> really. So what did you learn on the show last night with John? Oh, not much. I just enjoyed listening to it. Yeah. He's he's really good. He was just a delight to talk with. I can't believe it was six years, Walden. Yeah. You know, we, 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 I think it was, you know. Tomorrow, oh. tomorrow, John, we're going to interview the new biography out on Herbert Marshall. And so we'll be interviewing the author who just got a new book out on Herbert Marshall. So that will be the topic for, for tomorrow's show. He was a World War One hero. That's true. He was. He was a. He he was an amputee. And uh, from World War, he was injured. I did in, not know that. Yeah, he was in. He was injured. In World War, lost a leg. And I don't think it always fit him well. And I think that was probably very common for the World War One. Survivors, mm-hmm. you know, the MCT just did not always fit well. And no, uh, oh gosh, the the prosthetics that were issued were so uncomfortable um, and sometimes downright painful. That's why we saw so many people who did not use them and decided to stay with crutches. It's really awful. Yeah. So we're we're, we're going to be talking about Herbert about Herbert oh, Marshall tomorrow. A lot of more. CBS Mystery Theater. He was he was so good on that. Yes. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I said a lot of those prosthetics were, were uh, made of leather in, in those days. They didn't have plastics and light vinyls like they have now. And that made uh, uh, amputees very uncomfortable when they walked. And I mm-hmm. always looked for that when I saw him in the movie. I'd always look for him, you know the way he walked and presented himself. But, uh, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, he was in the yeah. with, uh, with uh, Sherlock Holmes and everybody else, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he in, in, he was, and then uh, in the war, he he, he he had two, three fellow Englishmen were fellow actors, Ronald Coleman and others were in the same troop together. So, yeah, yeah. In the it, same troop. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It, it was... Uh, his, his, you know, he was married, I think, six times or something. Oh, gee. And oh, gee. one of his wives was Edna Bess, who was an English actress, who did something very, was something in radio. So my tri- my trivia question, what did Edna Bess do besides acting on radio? She did another, she had another, another occupation in radio. What was it? Voice, uh, um. Not, not. It was behind the scene. It wasn't on. It wasn't a on. Director. The, she, she was she a director. Was, so what? She was what, what, yeah, what, 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 what famous show she directed? Sherlock Holmes. Very good. Oh, I've, oh, Walden, you test my memory. You told us that so long ago, and I remembered yeah, it. That's oh, right. Yay. She was. She was the director for Rathbone and Bruce during the for uh-huh. part of the run of radio. Oh, you know. You were going to have somebody over, Mr. Rogers? Yes. I'm, next next Wednesday, I'm going to be interviewing um, Hoagie Carmichael Jr. Yeah. Of course, oh, wow. he is the son of the famous songwriter Hoagie Carmichael, who's from Indiana, of course. He was a lawyer after besides that being last, a songwriter. You mentioned that last night. I noticed. And, and so, so we're going to talk about his dad's music career. But one thing that he, the junior did, he's now 80, he was Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers' TV producer. Oh, boy. 
And so, besides talk, besides talking about his dad, we're going to talk about Mr. Ross. And then also, um, he's a well-known fish 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 rod builder. He he love he loves fishing, and he's custom built fishing rods for people. And he write, he, he's, wow. written, he's written books on it. He has a book that have sold almost 25,000 copies about fishing rods. I'll be doing So he's a very yeah. interesting guy. We'll be talk, uh, I'll interview him Wednesday, and so I'm looking forward to that. You know, Mr. Roger was a, another World War II hero. I did not know that. I, I know he was a minister, yeah. and I know he was... Uh, the, the, the show was... Done in, in Pittsburgh. Whoever thought, you know. Pittsburgh. Wow. He, he was a, I did know not what, know that. But else, it, he he kept secret. You know, he was on the children's show. Right. Mm-hmm. And he oft, often kept secret uh, his tattoos. Is that why he wore the sweater? Yeah, he had a lot of tattoos. He was a World War II at that time. You know, you don't know whether you're coming yeah. back or not. I don't know. I thought I thought maybe he was like a beach master or something. Get off the beach or something like that. Wow. I know he was a World War II hero. Him and uh, uh, oh, that one that played uh, with uh, Ava Gabor on Green Acres. Oh, oh, oh. Um, uh, Eddie, Eddie, Albert. Eddie Albert. Eddie Albert. Eddie Albert. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was Eddie Albert was a LSD driver in Tarawa. At Slaughter. Wow. He was an LSD operator. And another one was a get-off-the-beast type person. I can't remember who it was. Well, I think, I think even, I think Yogi Bear uh, was part of the Normandy invasion. I think he, he was there on D-Day or the day, the day, D-Day plus one. Uh-huh. There was a lot of those guys who, who served our country so well, you know? I can remember that. Uh, I don't can remember. I, I read it somewhere where mm-hmm. he was a World War Two hero, and he he kept his tattoos hidden from the children. You know, our, our friend Jimmy Weldon, by the way, Jimmy turning ninety five in September. Uh, he was there the first day they opened up. They opened up Buchenwald, the concentration camp, and I got yeah. thinking, wow, there, there's somebody who sort of saw. Yeah, you know, and, and let's face it, Jimmy's such an upbeat person, but to see the the cruelty of man like that, but still have maintained such a positive attitude about life, is it, it, pretty pretty incredible to think about well, what he saw. In wars, they have no regard for life. No, that's what's, what's terrible about wars: men, women, and children slaughtered. You know. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Well, I could never stomach with the little children. That really bothered me. Seeing their tattoos that they have. With yeah. Yes. Yes. That really bothered me. And I think some of them kept it to the day they died, you know? Um, yeah. yeah that was... Most of them had little choice, yeah. Mm. It's a difficult process to remove a tattoo, and it hadn't been available for decades after the um, the freeing of the of the um, what's the word I'm trying to find the release of all of the prisoners in yeah. the prison in the uh, camp in the camps 
Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. Well, John, how are you feeling? How was Easter last weekend? Did you spend some time with the family? And are you going to, well, still going to well, Texas? You know, I live here with my daughter and son-in-law, but they were in mm-hmm. Florida. They went to and Florida. My, 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 they, uh, over at Cocoa Beach. My son-in-law's daughter lives there, right where the Cape Canaveral, you look across the bay to Cape Canaveral, mm-hmm. and you watch all the moon shots and everything, all the Wow. Rocks. Oh, how cool uh, is that? Woo! And, uh, they, they were down there. They come home tomorrow. Okay. I leave this coming Friday for Texas to visit my son. Wow. Our son. And, uh, I'm still going to try to get a get a hold of you when I'm down there. Well, we're, we're looking forward to talking to you when you do, you know? Yes. You know, it's, I get an hour earlier, you know. I know. You get, you get to hear, are you going to be able to listen to two hours of the show or two and a half hours before you... Do the midnight. Stay up. I'll be able to stay up to one of them. <laughs> oh, you're, you're going to conk out at 11 o'clock. I just know it in my bones. Your body is going to say, no way, just because the clock says something different. You're toast. <laughs> well, that was uh, too was, funny. I was going to call you last night, but I, I, I didn't. And I, something you said reminded me of something. I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to remind you again. <laughs> this this is this. terrible. You forgot it twice. <laughs> I put my phone on the oh, gosh. and I would have had to get up walking get by the time, you know. Yeah, well, well, it must have been something we talked about. Well, we talked about, we were talking about, can anybody imagine Jill Moore as Johnny Dollar? I mean, we all agree when when, no. G, when Jill Moore did the audition of Johnny Dollar, that's not... That's not Johnny Dollar. That's Philip Marlowe. You know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. He he could not do it. He could do so much. Mm-hmm. He had such a remarkable ability to play different characters, but not Johnny Dollar. Just didn't make it. Anyway, we John updated his. So what, I remember what it was. Okay. Okay. He said about your guest said something about uh, he mentioned other. Uh, Radio programs and never once mentioned uh, uh, Johnny Dollar. Mm-hmm. I can remember they saying it in the movies. Oh. And the, the person who said it was uh, Evelyn Keyes. Yes. And it the, in the in the movie was called The Seven Year Itch. Okay. And Tom Jewell was having a, one of his hallucinations, where he imagined. People breaking in, catching him with Marilyn Monroe, right? And uh, and Evelyn Keys is thinking it was Johnny Dollar. <laughs> I'll be and I remember that. I had. And, uh, I thought that was so funny, but yeah, she mentioned the Johnny Dollar. We had Evelyn Keys on the radio about fifteen years ago. You know. Yeah. Oh my gosh! What else did I let John know? One thing I would, you know, John would say he update the price list. You know, he, he always he did the um, payroll or the expense account, and he put it in today's dollars. So my question to him. Well, you know, I mean, he was talking about the expense account when he went to Paris. Right. John Dollar went to Paris. And so my question to him, okay, so you know, we don't know his last name is based upon the last, you know, the silver dollar. So I want to know what. It, Today, would, it, would Johnny be known as Johnny Bitcoin? He didn't. 
He didn't think too much of it. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> there are a couple of extra places taking bitcoins, but I don't think Johnny Dollar would have gone for it. That's cute. You, you get a point for that one, Walden. Oh. But I enjoyed. I didn't enjoy just listening. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. So that's good. That's and good. Then, well, John, thank you. I'm. I'm so glad you got. She was. I missed that. Seven year itch. Seven year. What we'll to let him know? I'm going to have to. We'll have to let John know. So. Yeah. All right, John. Well, I hope yeah. I hope Friday's a safe day of traveling for you and your wife down to Texas. You know, my my wife, my wife, my daughter always check with the airlines if I get accommodations for handicapped. Okay, good. Excellent. Good. I have I have to take my walker with me. So does that mean you get mm-hmm. to fly the plane? You get to fly the plane for him, or or? <laughs> <laughs> you get a, a really front row seat. <laughs> I can remember when I first started flying. You can look up the aisle into the pilot's cockpit. Oh, those days are long gone, aren't they now? Yeah. Yeah. All right, John. We'll talk to you from Texas when you when you give us a call. Yeah, I got you programmed into my iPhone. So Perfect. I'll, I'll get a hold of you. Sound good, John. All right. Take care. Right. Bye bye. You know. Bye bye. There, John. John is so far ahead. I mean, John has a smartphone while Patricia and I both have dumb phones. What can I say? We have dumb. I don't even have a dumb phone anymore. <laughs> well, uh, well, what can I say? You still, you still got the landline when you can use it. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. What's in Patricia's refrigerator? People want yes. to know. All what right. is it? And and name somebody. Whose name you know, just with a single name. First name. Hello there. You're like on. Cher and Madonna. You're That's on right. with Patricia. How about Bubbles? Mm-hmm. Bubbles? Would Bubbles count? No, Bubbles. <laughs> oh, that's a thought. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Yes, that that probably would work very well. I'll let her know. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dan in Indiana. How are you, Dan? And your snow. You're getting snow. What did you wind up with, finally? We had our sixth largest snow in April in Louisville on uh, this morning. We ended wow. up with one inch. You know, that's that's pretty unnerving. Mm-mm. Well, well, at least you're unique, Dan. Patricia and I did not have snow. No, we didn't have snow. You're very, you're very special, Dan. You had snow. We didn't, we didn't have it. Wait, wait, three to five business days. You may get a package in the mail. Leak, leak proof. I hope. <laughs> oh. oh, why not? Hey, I want to correct uh, some fake news out there. Okay. Okay. M- Mr. Rogers was not. In the military, and he did not have tattoos. Ah, okay. So Dan just broke a new uh, upcoming news story. Everybody, did, 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 any other information you give out? Nope. Just nope. To Get that one. That. I, I, yeah, yeah. It was a rumor that started in like 1994, and then after his death, it came back around 
But uh, oh well, nope. I love Snopes. Uh, the the Snopes dot com checks out so much of that stuff. If it feels unusual, go check it out. Thank you for straightening that sure. out, poor Mister Rogers. That's right. That's right. There's he there's never struck me as the a, kind of person uh, who would have a tattoo. There's been a documentary that's been uh, on our Kate, on our uh, public television station here, and it was uh, narrated or uh, hosted by Michael Keaton. And Michael Keaton was an, an assistant to Mr. Rogers. Ah. I remember I reading about that, I'd like, it, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. When is it airing? Or did it, did it already air, or is it coming? It aired... Uh, on our Kate, it, uh, here in Kentucky, it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know it's on Kentucky Educational Television KT. Yeah. Um, but um, it was like last month, and uh, it had his widow and several of the people from the show um, over the years. Uh, was uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. The music director, he was on there. Of course, they're all getting up into their, you know, their 70 years mm-hmm. plus at this point. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it was uh, like a 90-minute uh, show, and it, they played it here three times. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may be able to find it on, like, uh, pbs.org, or you could also try yeah. KET. Dot org too. I don't know if you could pull it up there, but that, yeah. at least you could find about it. I'm really impressed that they played it more than once. It's so hard to find something that replays out of consideration for people who don't have time schedules that meet the first time through. So that's really cool that people were able to grab it. They played it on a Saturday evening and then on a Wednesday morning, and I think... Uh, on a on a Friday afternoon. Boy, that would catch a bunch. <laughs> My gosh. And that extra nice that they played it on at different times. That is really cool. You give them a high five for me, please. Exactly, yes. They do a good job with uh, public TV here. They've got also a multi, uh, several channels. Uh, you know, they've got like four uh, PBS channels here. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah. They they uh, they've done very well. So forever. Do, uh, Wal- Walden, did you have a earthquake out in your area? I didn't know about it until I looked on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I you weren't shaken I, up. No, no, I, we didn't feel anything. It, I saw Michael Bill posted with five point three. I mean, you couldn't tell by me. I didn't know about it, so I, you know, uh-huh. you, know it, you know, but that's which prompts that prompts a question for me. Yeah. Are you more sensitive? to the, the feeling the effects of an earthquake more so than your parents? No, I think we're about the same. I think I think w- we have a break here in Costa Mesa because we're, mm-hmm. we're on a rock bed, actually. And, yeah. And so our, our lands, our lands uh, I think if you, if you were close, if you were on a bed of sand, you would feel those things more apt than than being yes. on a rock bed. Yes. Um, I was wondering because um, they they would have an extra sense, uh, in, in terms of sensory perception, that their visual perceptions might accentuate 
the sensations, but because you don't have send, uh, sight to complement the feelings that you might have been feeling it more acutely. Did I explain that correctly? Yeah, you did. But, you know, they say animals are aware of earthquake before human beings. Um, and sometimes before they happen, yeah. Yeah, and so, so it, it, so it might be some ground or something that you know the, the wolf. Yeah, yeah. The, in Japan, they have like an alert system that sort of tells them what thing, like seven seconds before the earthquake happens. Um, and I think they're trying they're also, to. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. They're also. They're also susceptible, or uh, they, they know when a tsunami is coming, too. And uh, yes. so they're working on something in California, and I think they're trying to get it to 15 or 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. And so people have debated here in California, is that really worth it? Is that, it, it, having that kind of preparation time, really, would people be kind to that? If you if you knew if you knew if you had ten seconds before a disaster hit, would you want to know? Yeah, I would. You would, uh huh. How about you, Dan? Oh, I guess I would. Huh. I, I guess so. Uh huh. If I could get out of the way in time, yes. Would ten seconds be enough? Well, that's a good yes. question. You can do uh, an awful lot in no. ten seconds. Yeah. Are you going to run outside before the uh, ceiling caves in? Or, uh? Well, you know, they say mm-hmm. here the best thing to do is get, get, uh, get underneath a deck and try and protect huh? and protect your neck yes. kind of thing. Yes, yeah. or in a doorway because right. that's where your support beams are. And mostly, mostly uh. the strongest beams in a house are where the bathrooms are. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so well, you've you got pipes in there. That's one of the things that I learned about hurricanes. They always said hide in the bathroom. And the it took it was only a couple of years ago I learned that the extra support comes from the pipes in the bathroom. You've got pipes in the wall. Mm. You know. So yeah, go stay in the bathroom. Go to your room. <laughs> Patricia, are you going to stay in Florida if another hurricane comes along? Or are you going to skedaddle? Oh, I'll stay. I'll stay. I mean, where am I going to go? She's a fool. She's there, a f- there are people who have standing reservations as soon as a hurricane warning happens, and you know, and, and this is not um, an alert, but an absolute warning when the hurricane is coming. People have standing reservations in motels inland, and it automatically goes into effect as soon wow. as they know they'll start paying, even though they're not there. But it, they're guaranteed a room, which I think is pretty cool. Wow. Not everybody can afford it, of course, but it's pretty creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I don't, I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting pretty close to hurricane season. I mean, don't definitely, definitely start in June. <laughs> June <know>. 1st, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Walter. Can we get over the snowstorms before He's got snow and you're telling me about hurricanes. <laughs> Terrible. I'm going to crawl into well, the and, and let's face it. I mean, Patricia felt a couple whoppers this year in terms of hurricanes, didn't you, my dear? Oof. Boy, did we ever. Yes. Yes. And Puerto Rico, they're still, you know, the United know. States has not 
these are these are Americans there. I know. And and they have just been left out in the cold. It is atrocious, absolutely shameful. Would, would you believe uh, linemen from Louisville and Kentucky went down there for a two-month uh, period and worked on the, uh, <laughs> on the electrical grid? They just got I back. believe it, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There, there were linemen who came in from all over the or went in from all over the country. Mm-hmm. It was a marvelous thing to do. I just can't imagine where Puerto Rico would be. Even, even though I, I think the last count was twenty five percent of the island still didn't have electricity. Um, and without the people who volunteered to go they, in there, it would they, be so much worse. I don't know what they did, but they said that it was. To the point where they just need to start over. Yes. Yes. So I don't know if they did that or not, but uh, they they uh, took their trucks down and put them on cargo ships. Like I think two weeks before they actually flew down. Oh my goodness! I had no idea. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a slap upside the head, of course. Everybody can show up, but if they don't have the equipment, what are they going to right, do? Right, that's a good point. Exactly. Wow. They took their, their bucket trucks and their, all their equipment mm-hmm. down there. And, but, yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know if uh, there there must there has to be some agreement here uh, in the southeast with different electric companies, you know, that they have a reciprocal agreement that, you know, if a mm-hmm. disaster happens, say in Georgia, that you know trucks from Kentucky will go down, and, and vice versa. Well, I think it might be very common. I mean, like here in California, it seems like when we are in a fire area, a firefighter from other counties and other states will come and work together. It might be some emergency disaster game plan when you need electricity grids or power meet people or medical or, or security, uh, there must be a power shift or, or, or personnel reallocation or something to make it I, all work. I don't know. A lot of it, I'm, I'm confident, a lot of it is at the moment volunteering. We've had people from Florida Power and Light travel halfway across the country. They were out helping in Texas, for example, and I can't ever recall any of our people going that far west, but they do. Well, you think you think about some of the disasters when we have like um, in third world country. It seems like a lot of time our guys will go overseas to help them to help them out. Mm-hmm. So yes. Well, I would think I was trying to think of the story you were telling when you were running the hospital, Patricia. Sometimes hands all hands on hands on. What the right way I want to say, hands on deck or whatever. You had all hands on deck. Yes, whoever was in the hospital stayed in the hospital. So the day shift we would have run for twelve. We were on eight-hour shifts at the time, and we would have the day shift do a twelve-hour shift, put them to bed in the hospital. We had a wing that was that had been taken out of service, and we put them to bed in that wing, and the evening staff stayed until you know, for for 12 hours, and we kept sh- changing them off. Pretty, so evening shift yeah. stayed for night shift, and uh, or most of night shift, and they went to bed, and the day shift got up for another 12-hour <laughs> shift. 
it was um, it was pretty cool. It was the quietest emergency room we ever had. Didn't you say you were up for a crazy amount of time one time during an emergency? That was yes, yes, yes. Oh, it was awful. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. I mean, indeed. I must I must confess that I I verbally abused our. (laughs) We had kind of a oddball pharmacist who was very good but his mother protected him he was like joe friday joe friday was very good at his job but his mother wanted to make sure he had a sandwich when Uh he came over from work that kind of stuff and we're here this is now 30 hours (laughs) we're we're filling drugs in the pharmacy i said this is terrible we've got roads starting to open i called the pharmacy's home and his mother answered the phone and she said well bobby is sleeping i said well we're not get him out of bed (laughs) (laughs) i was was just so irritated. oh my gosh can you imagine and he got in he was there in about 20 minutes what did he do for food if you if you feed you might the kitchen must have been working full time to feed everybody right they we did have some fortunately some kitchen staff left in there and we were raiding the kitchen too and making yeah. sure that things like sandwiches and whatever we could put together that was cold because the, the tower was out everybody was on generator power um so, but we managed. Like, you know, people pulled like together. What kind of and, emergency and was it? Was it storms or was it a blizzard? Yeah, it was what? a snow. This this particular time was a snowstorm that dumped something like 36 inches in in, in as many hours. It was it was wow. really a humdinger. Yeah, I bet it was. Mm-hmm. I thought I I was just calling to see if this there was a radio station. I thought it might have been turned into a taco stand after, uh, you know, the the blue comments. Oh gee. <laughs> 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 they, they were just sort of sky blue, you know. <laughs> and it was only two. I just, you know, after I asked her that question, I remembered what she had written in the book, and I thought, nah, she's not going to say. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, oh, Dave, Dave Kane couldn't. Dave Kane couldn't get over it. He called the next yeah. day on Easter Sunday. I mean, I think people were. I think people were a little surprised. I guess. Yeah, Dave Kane, our on-air personality from Rhode Island, who calls in periodically, yeah. and he, yeah, he said, I'm him. still laughing. He yeah. called in and said, "I can't believe this. I'm still laughing." <laughs> Well, I sent oh. you a link to uh, some of the bloopers that uh, from Happy Days where uh, she was making out with Fonzie and spraying them with she talk- cream. And- yeah. yeah. She talked so, about that one, too. And then that was great fun. Downstairs from the Fonzie's pad. And she's quite mm-hmm. a little, uh, she's quite frisky. Let's put it that way, I guess. Yeah, apparently, yeah. She She liked to have fun. And that's one of the reasons she liked the Happy Days set so much, because almost everyone got along so beautifully and they could have fun with each other. Not only fun because they were doing a show that they enjoyed, but fun with each other. It really was a family atmosphere. Except for for Tom Bosley not liking her, huh? That was interesting. Tom Bosley apparently didn't like anybody (laughs) at at that time. And then... Um, he said he was not fun to work with. Oh, and um, I, I, I think he was a professional amongst uh, you know, uh, you know, people who just uh, yes, probably yes. Goofed he, off a she said he was he was playing Shakespeare on Broadway when he was still in his twenties, uh, 
and had a very professional background. But she cut him an awful lot of slack in a couple of years after they started the show because she didn't know, and apparently no one knew, that his wife was dying of cancer. Uh, So he had little patience for... Yeah, for for extra stuff, but she said she was so insulted one time because the staff would sit around in between and tell stories. And she told a story one time, and he said, Marion, nobody gives an ass. <laughs> uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't exactly a warm, fuzzy deal. No. So, oh, you know, well. uh, so. he sounds like, he sounds like uh, Francis Bavier with... Uh, Andy Griffith. Oh, uh, oh yeah, there was, was quite a strain between them. Yes, but you know and a, she was. And a credit to yeah, credit to Andy Griffith that it did not, and I guess to her as well, it was not evident at all in the performance or the show that there was such acrimony mm-hmm. between her and Andy. Well, she was one who did not want to hear any uh, uh, cussing or anything, and uh, I, I heard once she. Uh, uh, hit George Lindsay over the head with an umbrella when he cut loose oh. a rather foul uh, word. And uh, oh, you know, oh, oh my goodness! Sounds like sounds like Tom Bosley and Francis Francis were both professionals and didn't want to yeah. uh, cut up or yeah. you know goof off or whatever. Well, apparently he apparently he didn't mind the words; he minded people. Yes. Which is really hard when you're working so closely together on the show. So. Well, Dan, I am so glad that you got through and we got to talk to you tonight, and I'm sorry you're dealing with snow again. You well, we're going to have more on uh, Sunday night into Monday. We're going to have flurries at least, if not more. Well, so we'll just watch Will the snow, will the snow sh- showers in April bring the Mayflowers then? We lost him. I heard the clicking. Yeah. And he, he's gone. So. Okay. Okay, Dan. Well, I'm glad you got through. We will talk with you next week, and please stay above the snow. Don't let it get to your nose. 714-545-2071. You got about a half hour before Patricia... Ducks out and get ready for another day. Yeah. For refrigerator time. What does Patricia have in the refrigerator? So we know Jeff and Jeff and Carrie. She got the carrot. So yeah, Patricia has mm-hmm. carrots. Yes. And, you have another guest. And Patricia doesn't keep peanut butter in the refrigerator. We found that no, out. She doesn't. <laughs> and she got some interesting, some additional things today. <laughs> so we've got even more items to choose from because I bought something on the first day that I did not buy today. So, and I have interesting stuff. So now, how, <laughs> how, how's, your, how's your capacity in the refrigerator? You still got some more room in there for stuff? Or are you, uh-huh. are you in the recyclable stuff? You know, you have to eat eat what you bought before you buy put oh, stuff no, everything back fits. Okay. Mm-mm, everything fits. And I, I'm going to tell you one thing that I bought today that nobody would guess. Okay. Maybe you would. Yeah. I bought some whipped cream. Uh, Can you imagine? They had they had little sugar-free containers uh-huh. of chocolate pudding for on sale. Yes. 
So I bought some of them and whipped cream to go on top. Oh, perfect. I cannot perfect. wait to get downstairs. Oh, okay, oh, I'm so going my, to do that tonight. Okay, so my question is, do we have spoons, or are you going to are you going to raid raid the kitchen to get some spoons? Oh no, I always <laughs> I always sneak an, a utensil <laughs> off my dinner tray, so I've always got one of each down there. So we do we do you recycle them once you're done with them? Do you give them back to the kitchen? Oh, sure, then, oh. I'm, then I trade them out. <laughs> so in the morning, <laughs> uh, tonight I'll have a used spoon. So tomorrow morning, I'll put my used spoon on my breakfast tray and take the clean one. <laughs> You're a smart. You are a smart bunny rabbit. So what about what about? I know it. What about? I know it. What about paper supplies? You keep extra napkins around. How do you handle that part of the? Uh, I have some. I have some paper plates. You know, paper bowls. Oh, yeah. And a couple of plastic refrigerator uh, containers. I haven't used them yet. Okay. And um, that's about all I need. So, do you have more than one salad dressing, or just the, just the just the one? The uh... very good Walden. Today I have more than one. Ah. I have Italian and on oh, Greek. I got the last time. I have Italian and Asian ginger type. Oh, you like you like that Asian ginger? Yeah, that's that's a favorite yeah. of yours. Yeah. And I didn't even think of that the last time, but I thought of it today. So I have something to make you smile here. Yes. In 1979, our spacecraft Skylab crashed through the Earth's atmosphere. 77 tons, kaboom, and it hit Australia. Wow. And they find the United States for her. Dollars for littering. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was just the cutest thing I ever heard. It was it, it was close to Perth, which is a very sizable city in Australia. So we were very fortunate. Nobody. So did they send the bill? To, did they send the bills? Did they send the bills to the White House? I don't know how they did that. They must have. How do you how, how do you send a bill? It would have gone to Congress, I guess. Yeah, okay, the ways and means. Maybe the Treasury Department. I don't know. That's interesting. Wait a minute. How do you place a phone call? You call Washington and say, get me to the right <laughs> department. I don't know. I, I think we should, do, should we should we send a bill to the White House just to see if they will, you know, recommend and pay our, you know, our requests? What do you think? It depends on the request, I guess. Um, nervous wreck. I, how much is a nervous wreck <laughs> worth? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And there was something else I was going to tell you, and I didn't. Oh, I'll think of it. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. And it's get it's getting into uh, April. So if you have some ideas of topics, let Patricia know. If you were always we're looking for first names like Patricia from Florida and Bubbles, so those have been nominated. Mm-hmm. And, and we would we would have things like Sherlock mm-hmm. on our list. So people we recognize by one name only. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think who was who was the famous opera singer. From the 20s. Uh, Caruso. Caruso probably would be one of the first ones yes. to be known that yes. way. 
and and then the film star Valentino would be another one. You would recognize that right away, uh, sure. Yeah. And Keep going, you're doing well. I, you know, how many film stars were known besides Basil? I mean, I think everybody would know Basil, even though they call Rathbone. You know, they the uh, maybe, but you're right. They would recognize just Rathbone mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Rathbone was the actor. They would recognize that. Mm. And Karloff. Karloff, very yeah. good. Yeah, very good. How about Orson? We lost Bozo the Clown. Hmm? How about Orson? Pardon? Orson. Orson, yes. Yeah. Indeed. Very good. You say we lost Bozo? Many people in the <laughs> entertainment. We lost Bozo the Clown. There was more than one. Yeah. Bozo. Apparently, this one was uh, the one who was with us the longest as Bozo the Clown. Uh, Average. A V R U C H. He's a Jewish entertainer, and the biggest item on his list was Bozo the Clown, and he was 89 years old. Wow. So we lost Bozo. Isn't it a shame that we know these people or about these people when they're still with us? Yeah, we can. How nice then for people to know they're still alive Mm -hmm. and could drop a note and say, gosh, you really were great fun when I was a child. Thank you. And now we can't do that. Gosh, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm just trying to think what would be a nice way to do that. I guess if you had a message or a bulletin board or. Could send an email to a website mm-hmm. and they could keep them for somebody. I don't know. That, yeah. How? And then that's how we got Johnny West or Western. I, yeah. I, Johnny West. Yes. Johnny Western. The person who mm-hmm. sang the television paladin song, Have Gun Will Travel, Read the Card. That one. Yep. And I did that because I had come across the ballad. And I thought, well, I'm going to go see if he's still with us, and if so, I will send an email. And yes, indeed, he is still with us. And I sent an email and said, thanks, it was just a great song. And he came up on the show with us. He was a great guest. About, uh, I think he was with us on 2011. About seven years ago. goes my life. Oh, my goodness. You, oh and my you goodness. can hear that on Patricia's podcast. Patricia does have a podcast. And if you have the... He was great fun to talk with, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you have Alexa or Amazon Echo, we're known at the Saturday Night Show. And so if you did that, then you can hear we have over 650 of them up there right now. You can search under the Golden Days of Radio if you're on iTunes or TuneIn. And there's Patricia's lovely voice. There's so much content of Patricia. Look, you know, we can definitely run I a whole really network. I really am the mouth of the South. You are. You are. I mean, you know, hours upon hours upon hours. <laughs> of talking and yeah, talking and we, talking. We probably, oh we, we probably have to over 3,000 hours up there of audio content. Wow. Wowzers. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. We talk a lot. Considering just the interviews, the interviews took a lot of words. Considering, mm-hmm. let's see, considering 168 hours a week, and if we got over 3,000 hours, then we 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 have accumulated a few a few hours over 
a lifetime. We have a few hours mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you are a chess player, mm-hmm. and, and I have a statistic for you. Okay. After a couple, this, this just blew me away. After each side, each opponent has made three moves. There are nine million different possibilities for the next move. Oh, wow. Nine million. After four moves, it's 288 billion <laughs> with a B. After, you make, after both parties, after the opponents have made four moves each, the number of choices they could make for their next moves, 288 billion possible positions. And, I mean, that's not a single move, but having manipulated all of the pieces on the board, it comes out to 288 billion choices. The number of distinct 40-move games, so if each person had 40 moves, Mm -hmm. the number of possibilities is greater than the number of electrons in the observable universe. I had no idea. I had no idea. Well, then, based on that, I don't know how to play chess. I know where the pieces can move to. Well, you, 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 I don't know how to play chess. You, you and I could probably play chess via email. We probably could. Yeah. People used to do it by, by post, by mail. Right, right. Letters with stamps on. Right. It's just kind of cute. The only way and, I, what were we talking about in terms? Hmm? The only way I could do that if I had a board and I, a mock-up board that way, so I keep track when you were moving your pieces. I guess you know. Yes, yes. You know, and it would be king to eight, seven. Yeah, I think they. I think they all have codes. Uh, position uh-huh. has a number on under uh, when yes. you when you do a mock-up board. I guess. Or like with. The, with a horsey, mm-hmm. you'd go two two spaces north, one space west. Right, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, we could do that. Mm-hmm. Would we long enough? Sure. I bet you I, think we would live long enough. Wow. Why? Why not? Why not? Thirty, forty years from now, we're still playing the same game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> we could make Kasparov ashamed of himself. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, did you know that a week and a half or so ago, Atlanta had their computer system hacked with ransomware? I did not. The entire city. Wow. And everybody went to work with ink and paper. Every every department until they <laughs> unransomed their computers. And the mayor was asked whether it was a sustainable model until they got computer systems back. And she answered, it worked for many years, and for some of our younger employees, it will be a nice exercise in good penmanship. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Will you be you be happy? A lot of our students aren't taught penmanship. Mm-hmm. You be happy. I'll go be ba- happy. What? You be happy. Go back to the pad. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And pencils. I got pencils. Uh, now, Steve, our mm-hmm. our listener out there who keeps me up to snuff on things that I get wrong. Um, we were talking about money and salaries and conversions mm-hmm. and how little money right. people were paid in the military. Right. And he sent a note 
that in 1930, his father earned $21 a month in service, and he sent half of it home to sustain mother, father, and brother. How about that? My dad said... Yeah, my dad said, especially after World War Two, or you think even during the 30s and 40s, uh, especially for a poor family, the military was the tickets out, and a lot of them stayed in and became mm-hmm. a career. It was the best way that, because a lot of them, it was, for yeah. them, it was three square meals. You know, they couldn't. That's correct. You know, I remember my brother, my Colorado brother, talking when he went into the Army how some of the the other soldiers who were in uh, boot camp with him had talked about, and these these were folks maybe from Appalachia and areas that were very poor, saying this was the most money they ever had and they never had such good food. This is army they're talking about. So, wow. And I read a horrifying statistic today Mm -hmm. that the city of and this is, he, it was number two, the city of Richmond, one out of nine people in Richmond, Virginia, is evicted. Oh. I mean, that just is heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. Well, right now, I don't know if you've been following the news, everybody, we, well, I live here in Orange County, we have a major crisis on our here with the Homeless Society. Yes. And yes. we're trying to figure out what to do. Um, it's just a heartbreaking thing to think about. Mm-hmm. People living on the streets, you know. What do yeah. you do to help? And, and it, it's just, it's so big. Yeah. The best thing to do is one person at a time. Uh, it's true. I came across something on Amazon this week which just made my heart feel so good. I don't know how or why I came across a listing for Mylar blankets, you know, the silvery yeah. stuff that reflects and, and contains. And they're they're pretty sizable. They're four or five feet long and a couple of feet wide, several feet wide. So it's enough to snuggle down if you're caught in your car in a snowstorm or something like that. And there are reviews. I always read the reviews. And one of the five-star reviews was from a woman who said, these are just great. I make up little packages for the homeless. And I put in socks and a candy bar and maybe, you know, some some substantial food and one of these because it gets so cold at night. She makes up little packages. And then when she drives by an area that has some homeless people, she takes them out of her car and she gives them to them. And I thought, lady, you don't want to give five stars i give you five stars i mean what a remarkable thing to do yeah and it's so simple i don't think she spent more than four dollars on a packet that could be a life-saving thing for a homeless person in the cold snap great great wow that that was just so cool to read yeah just by second nature i have for you Mm mm-hmm well, 714-545-2071. I'm going to be here for probably 15 minutes or so longer. And boy, would I like to hear from you. For Walden, I have presidential nicknames. Uh, I know I gave you a couple. Yeah, we had John Tyler, his accidency. Mm-hmm. 
I want you to tell me who his fraudulency was. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I think I think he gave this one to us. Um What's for Behag, right? Yes. Yes. But I don't remember why. Because I he, looked that be, up because too. he ran third in the White House and it was it was mm-hmm. con- it was the Congress decided to make him better. Cause he, Got he, it. It, okay. was, it was a three way race to the White House. And he okay. Third. Okay. Was it a committee? Because he was also known as old eight to seven. Which suggests to me huh. it was a vote that went eight to seven. Must have been. Yeah, that's pro- I think that's yeah. probably it. right. I think that's probably. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's how they sp- maybe how, how the vote turned out to be. I don't know, but. Uh huh. Interesting. Well, that's and boy, you're really bright for remembering that one. How about the human iceberg? <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Some of these were brutal. Let's see. This, if that means you ha- you must be have a you must have ice in your vein or a cold cold heart, yeah, he, huh? He was not not a very warm person, uh, I guess. Huh. I depend on you to tell me why they were all. Gosh, I I Huh. I don't know. Benjamin Harrison. What did Benjamin Harrison do or not do? Well, his wife was the one that sort of had the Christmas tree in the White House, so I don't know, you know? And of course, he, he was the grandson of William Harrison, the, the one who, you know, with the mm-hmm. general who died because he gave the longest inaugural address and caught cold. Right. Um, but that's what I know about Benjamin. Hmm. Okay. All right. How about, let's see, Big Chief? Hmm. Would that be Grover Cleveland? Would be William Taft. He was the Big Chief. <laughs> William Taft weighed over 300 pounds. Right, right. So they called him the Big Chief. Now, that's about the only one that I, I know. The Sphinx of the Potomac. The what of the Potomac? What are they calling it again? Sphinx, like the the uh, big statue that uh-huh. sits in front of the pyramids. Well, well, what I'm thinking of is the guy who loved the skinny dip, John Quincy Adams, but that's probably not him. It was Calvin Coolidge, Silent Cow. Silent Cow. Well, you know what you, you know what Cow Silent Cow did in the White House that you would approve of. He wore no shoes. That's right. He didn't like shoes. He didn't I like remember shoes. Remember, you told me that. <laughs> Yes, I can do that. Let's see. Um, how about the Apostle of Democracy? Hmm. Would that be Richard Nixon? That would be Thomas at the Apostle of Democracy, Richard Nixon. Hello. Oh, Walden. Well, no, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. I was thinking of you know him going traveling to South America, traveling this one. He did a lot of foreign travel. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Diplom- yeah, not diplomacy, but democracy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, how about Uncle Cornpone? <laughs> this one I liked. Yeah, 
Abraham Lincoln. No. Give you one more. Corn pone. Mm. Very southern. Uh, what, uh, Andrew Johnson. Lyndon Baines Johnson. Oh. I had never heard that. Did not hear that. Let's see. The schoolmaster. You should be able to get this one. Well, I I think Lyndon Johnson was also a schoolmaster. He was a school teacher, yes. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Woodrow Wilson. Oh, that makes sense because he was course president of uh, uh, what was a college in New Jersey, Princeton. Prince- Princeton. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very good. Very good. Let me see. I'm sure I've got How about Young Hickory of Granite Hills? Well, Old Hickory was Andrew Jackson. I think Young mm-hmm. was James Polk. No. Hmm. One more. I can't figure out why they gave it to him. Mm. Must have been a good reason or they wouldn't have given yeah, it to him. Yeah. Zachary Taylor? Franklin Pierce. Why would they do that? I don't know. Remember, of course, he lost the son going to the White House on the train. His wife never came downstairs. Um, Yes. One of those four presidents in a row that just not much happened during during that time. Yeah. Sharp Knife. Who was known as the Sharp Knife? Teddy Roosevelt. No. Mm. Andrew Jackson. Okay. Some of these are so interesting. And, and it's just, I didn't take the time to look of up Of course, why. You know, Andrew I Jackson didn't... fought a duel. Can you oh, yeah. oh and Andrew Jackson. No, that was not. Who was the one who had the, um, maybe it was Andrew Jackson, his, his wife who had not completed yes. a divorce. Yes. He had more than a hundred duels. Can you imagine no. surviving more than a hundred duels? No. I, I just, ah, I don't know that he killed anybody. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know that he killed anybody. But somebody had to have gotten hurt in a hundred duels. I know he was hurt a couple of times, but not obviously fatally. Hmm. He Napoleon was, of, hmm? He, he, he was what? I was thinking one, I think during the first inaugural celebration, his supporters sort of tore up the White House. They were sort of the, he was sort of the president of the people mm-hmm. in the celebration. Was he the one, no, I don't want to say it out loud, And but one of the presidents had a huge block of cheddar cheese delivered for the inauguration oh, party. Oh, I don't know, but I, I don't know. Who that yes, was? Yes, and I'll have to because it's okay. in my notes somewhere. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was given a huge block of cheese as an inauguration gift. So you think somebody got him crackers? Somebody must have gotten crackers, but it was so <laughs> huge, and he knew that there were people who were hungry. He opened the White House to people to come in and help themselves to this enormous block of cheese. Wow. That might have been Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'll have to Sounds. go back and, and take mm-hmm. a, a peek at that. Old Buck. Uh, I would guess Andrew Jackson again. 
James Buchanan, huh. old Buck Buchanan. That makes sense to me. He yeah. was the bachelor president, and they also called him Ten Cent Jimmy. Was he cheap? Don't know. But it's my, you know, back in those days, was it the, was it the Ten Cent cigar or the nickel cigar? I I don't know. The nickel cigar. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, now here's something that will shake you up. I thought we were doing reasonably well on population control. Mm-hmm. Not. <laughs> I just I love these little tidbits. I don't know if anybody else does. 353,000 people are born every day. 155,000 wow. die every day. I was listening to a little bit of Bob Bro show today, and he pointed tail uh-huh. to the Texas ring. And he went through the history of our immigration issues. Uh-huh. And we were having illegal immigration issues up in 1954 that they had up to a million illegal aliens in, in the United States. It was an issue back oh, in sure. the I never thought yeah. about that. I never thought that illegal immigration was such a major issue back in those days yeah. in, into the 50s. It, it has been forevermore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not anything new. No. Uh, and we are creating such problems with so many things. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Walden, save me. Save me. Uh, well, I'm oh, playing, I'm, you're, me. you're planning to run for the White House in two years anyway. Oh, no, no, no. You're my president, and I'll be your vice president. Okay, okay. Um, so what's going to be our first thing we're going to do? Are we going to offer cheese? Won't be good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we better do better than that in today's economy. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. I wish I could remember the city that was one, number one in terms of evictions, whichever it was. Oh, it's up north somewhere, one of the northern cities. It was 11% for Virginia. Um for Richmond, it was 11% eviction rate, and the other one, I think, was 13%. Wow. I, I just I can't imagine 13% of the people being thrown out of their homes. No. And they're living on the streets. I, I It's just, and these are people who do not want to be living on the streets. No, If they no. can still have a car, if yes. they've managed to, to keep their car, yeah. uh, that's where they're living. I mean, how much stuff can you fit in a car? Uh, Archie, it just... It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's just heartbreaking. Uh, and what to do about it. I mean, people can't afford to pay someone else's rent. I know. And the rents are going up and up. It's well, awful. It's, it's awful. I looked up the average rent in my county. Yeah. Now that, in, that includes some really poor districts as well as well-to-do districts. Mm-hmm. And it's between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars a month for a two-bedroom apartment. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Well, Michael Beal and I were kicking around. He thinks rent will start becoming an issue in New York by the seventies. You know that that's when it really, especially in Manhattan, it really took off, and and it probably is the same thing about mm-hmm. California. That you know. The average Mr. and Mrs. America yeah. uh, could live 30, 40, 50s, 60s in a lot of places, but some, some of these areas are just taken off off the charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you, 
out in California are in such dire straits. I think your areas in places like Los Angeles and San Francisco, San Francisco is, I couldn't believe the prices out in San Francisco. It's almost it. People paying three and, and $4,000 a month for an apartment. Yeah. That's a heck of a monthly mortgage payment. Can you imagine what kind of income you have to earn? I know. I know. I, I, I just... It's out of my league. Yeah. I, I just cannot <laughs> believe this. Well, my dear, it's midnight. It is. Yeah, and I've yeah. got one more thing to tell you, that Elvis Presley's family tree went, it's pretty distant, but pretty cool. Family tree includes Jimmy Carter and Abraham Lincoln. Just Gosh. Can you imagine? Gosh. You know, I guess if we all go back far enough, we're all rebated. That's true. But still, yeah. it's, it's pretty neat to think that uh, Elvis and the good old Abe were a little connected there somehow. Yes, yes, yes. That was nice and Jimmy uh, Carter. So, okay, well, it is time. All right, Already. My dear. Well, have a wonderful tomorrow. Thank you. And everybody have a wonderful tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. It's so much fun knowing that everybody's out there. Thank you. Send me an email. What's in my refrigerator? I got something new today. Uh, the whipped cream. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Oh, I told you that off the air. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> told you that off the and, air. And a Florida, put, a Florida writer at hotmail.com at Patricia's email. Yes. Carrie and Jeff got carrots. Carrots. Play up on that one. Carrots, everybody. Carrots, and, yes. Good night, everybody. Thank you for being with us. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. All right, there we go. The songbird of the South. All right. We're going to be playing a Ray Bream interview with K. St. Germain next. That will be our offering. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless this wonderful country we live in. Bless the people who serve in the military. Help the needy, the poor, and the homeless. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here we go. Hi everybody, I'm Wong Hughes, and I have a gentleman on the line who's been around the business for a long time. Patrick Curtis, welcome to our show. Well, thank you, Walter. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, what talk about Gone with the Wind? When, <laughs> when did it become such a big deal? Was there, like, one of the anniversary, like the 50th anniversary or the 30th oh, anniversary that they found you? When did it be sure it became a, a big part of, you know? Uh, well, of my life. Actually, uh, the first Josh time I was even really aware of it, I, I knew box. I had been there, but I'd never seen it until, until I think they had Patrick a re-release Kirk, in 1951. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey, Jr. You know what the news is in a minute. You're going to hear the rest of the story. The future of this country rests with our children, 50,000 of whom will attempt to take their own lives this year. 5,000 will succeed. These are not just numbers. These are our children. 
It's time to prevent this ongoing tragedy. And prevention means being aware, being available, being there. Prevention means listening. Are you? Don't close the door on our future. A public service message from the American Medical Association. Dietitians say that we can now snack all we like. If we snack on something nourishing. Well, you and I discovered a while ago that there's a snack for children and adults which is delicious and so nutritious that it contains all that you need of essential vitamins and minerals plus calcium plus roughage. Total. Total. The breakfast cereal more nourishing than any. But as a snack, even a bedtime snack, you satisfy your epistat and still travel light. Total. The breakfast cereal or between-time cereal for grown-ups and or for anybody who wants to grow up strong. Now... The rest of the story. Americans of the early 1800s were mad about almanacs. Some favorites, the Country Almanac, the Longworth Pocket Almanac, the New Englander, the U.S. Calendar, the Counting House Almanac. Almanacs often bore the names of their publishers, like Smith and Foreman's Almanac, and McCulloch's, and Stevens's, and Robinson's, and Levitt's, and Munsell's, and Webster's, and Banneker's Almanacs. Some 1,500 different almanacs published simultaneously in the northeastern United States alone. Our forefathers loved almanacs. But this is the rest of the story. Robert B. Thomas was 10 years old when the Declaration of Independence was signed. As a young man, he was a schoolmaster. At 26, he decided to publish an almanac. 23 years later, that same almanac was being published by that same Bob Thomas. Now... It was the summer of 1815. In November, as always, the almanac for the following year would be distributed, the text of which had just gone to the printer. Bob was happy to be done with this year's work. All the while he was racing against deadline, he'd been coming down with the flu. Can't afford to be sick, he told himself, and he drove himself, and he managed to stay fork at end down until the last word on the last page had been written and the completed volume had been sent to the print shop. And then... Bob went home and went to bed. Next day, the printer visited Bob's home. Bob was still very ill. The printer said he hated to bring this up, Bob feeling so miserable and all, but there was a problem with the almanac. In next year's weather predictions, the month of July was missing. And Bob heaved an exasperated sigh. He instructed the printer to fill in the blank space. With what, the printer asked. With anything, the ailing publisher responded. The printer nodded and left. But I don't believe Bob Thomas had figured on his printer's sense of humor. You see, the weather the printer spontaneously predicted in the blank space under the heading July 1816, snow. And it seems quite a few copies of the almanac were run off before Bob got well and discovered what had happened to next summer. Annoyed, he demanded the ludicrous forecast of snow in July be replaced with something plausible. And it was. The new prediction, a storm not far distant. That's how Bob's readers read it. But you know a good number of those 1816 almanacs with the original humorous prediction were distributed, and an equal number of Bob's readers perusing next summer's weather were much amused by the anticipated snow in July. There's something I really ought to mention at this point. Of all the hundreds upon hundreds of almanacs published back then, only one has survived, and that one is Bob's almanac. 
which has been published each year since 1792 and which the whole nation recognizes today as the Old Farmer's Almanac. Folks have taken that publication quite seriously, especially since 1816, the year of the tongue-in-cheek weather forecast. And this is why. That year, several times, and over a period of days, it really did snow in July. And now, you know the rest of the story. I'll never forget my best friend Lanny's wedding. It was right before the ceremony, and I walked into her bathroom without knocking because, like I said, she was my best friend. And there she was in her gorgeous white lace dress, leaning over the sink with a straw up her nose. I says, hey, what are you doing? She jumps and says, shut the door, shut the door. Then I see the white powder, and I froze. She says, hey, it's cool. <laughs> then she leans over the sink, and I says, Lainey, move it off or I'll blow it off. She says, you do, and I'll kill you. Then she started to cry, and I started to cry, and we held each other real tight. Then I blew the coke off the sink and bolted out of there. I sent her a silver flower bowl, but she never wrote to thank me. I felt bad, so after about three months, I broke down and called her. I thought maybe we could bury the hatchet because, like I said, she was my best friend, but it was too late. They already buried Laney. If you think you can't live without drugs, don't worry. Pretty soon you may not have to. The Partnership for a Drug-Free America. KABC, Talk Radio Meredith Wilson, I'm speaking of the one and only Kay St. Germain. Hi, Kay, how are you? Well, I'm just fine, thank you, Ray. How about you? Not bad, not bad. <laughs> uh, we were at the uh, Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters Conclave uh, earlier in the day, and all the big band leaders were there. Not all, yes. but a, a great many of them. Billy May and Les Brown. And of course, there were some singers there. Art Lund was there, and... Uh, the Flamingo Man, Herb Jeffries was mm -hmm. there. Ray Anthony. Ray Anthony. Great to have those Wasn't those that people exciting? <laughs> talk, talking about some of the great old times. I'll bet you have a lot of stories about uh, your days in front of a band. How did you get with Anson Weeks? Oh, Ray. It almost sounds like I, I must be making this up. It was really, actually... Uh, a coming up like a Cinderella story. I had come down from Portland, Oregon, uh, just for a vacation when I was still a, just a teenager. Mm -hmm. 
And I had been idolizing Anson Weeks for a long time because he came up on those remotes. You remember those days sure. when they'd be bringing the music of the Anson Weeks Orchestra? Let's go dancing with Anson. <laughs> and my prize, if I would do my studying, was to be able to stay up and listen to Anson Weeks at 10 o'clock. Consequently, he was my idol. And I was a... Um, hopeful little singer there in Portland. You know, any any amateur contest, I was always there. And so I was given a vacation to go to San Francisco, and all I wanted to do was see my idol, Anson Weeks at the Mark Hopkins. And so one night, I put on a hat during, it was raining, and I put on a rain hat over my hair and went up to introduce myself to Anson Weeks. Imagine what the maitre d' thought, this little fat kid coming up and saying that she would like to meet Anson Weeks. Well, he tried to get rid of me, but just then they were on a break and Anson came walking through the lobby in full tails. He wore tails. And I just went right up to him and said, Mr. Weeks, I want to meet you and told him that I was a singer. Well, he told me later he got such a kick out of the nerve of this kid that he asked me if I were a good singer. And I said, I'm the best you've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, well, do you think you're better than Dorothy the Moor, who had been one of his singers? And I said, oh, yes, she's beautiful, but she can't sing. (laughs) Anyway, to make the story as short as possible, I impressed him with, I think, with my nerve more than anything. And he told me later, he said, I got to let this kid say that she sang with my band. So he invited me to come to rehearsal the next day. And there was Bob Crosby, his now, boy Bob singer. Now, Bob Crosby sang. <laughs> yes. Also, Tony Martin sang with that band. Right. <laughs> Bob was with him at this time. Anyway, I sang the song, and they hired me on the spot to be with the band. Isn't that something? And I didn't finish school till later. I just went right with them right then and there. My and, parents and, came and, down and, and let me do it. And you went right to the top of the mark, huh? Yes. <laughs> wow. No, in those days, you know, Ray, it wasn't top of the mark. It wasn't. That was built later. Oh, that I didn't know that. bar at the top of the mark. Oh, I didn't know that. The band was playing in what they called Peacourt. Peacock Court, <laughs> which was before that top of the yeah. mark was built. This uh, was in the uh, late 30s. Mm-hmm. So uh, you were singing with the Anson Weeks band, what, in the 30s? Uh-huh. The late 30s. All right, then you uh, did, uh, the, what, the Camel Caravan? Well, now, that was after I left Anson. Right. Uh, after I left Anson, every girl singer's ambition in those days mm-hmm. was to leave a band, was to go what they called, be on a coast-to-coast radio show, yeah. which is like the Bob Hope Show, the Jack Benny Show, the uh, Eddie Cantor Show, uh, Francis Langford, that, that day. Sure. How, did, how did you get onto the Eddie Cantor Show? Well... Um, after I left the band, I came out here to California. to try- First, I went to Chicago and did all the shows I could there and then came out to conquer here. And I got that, we'll, we'll call you, don't call us. Sure. Anyway, I finally got on the um, um, uh, Signal Oil Carnival with Meredith Wilson on NBC. You were with Meredith about, what, four years? Uh, yes, I became his main singer. But first, I started with him on that... Signal Oil Carnival that starred, for the older people that might be listening, will remember a woman named Vera Vague. And she was a comedy star. I remember Vera uh-huh. Vague, sure. And um, I was supposed to be her foil where she'd make fun of me, and, and I was a young girl, and she'd make fun of me and say, uh, oh, yes, Case, her voice is so divine. <laughs> a little Andy divine, you know, that yeah, sort of nonsense. Sure, sure. 
And that's where Jack Carson came on and was the MC, and that's how I met Jack. And you married Jack Carson. Yes, but that's how Jack and I met, is while I was on the uh, uh, Signal Oil Carnival. With uh, First, the orchestra was Meredith, and then Meredith went on to some bigger things, to do concerts, and we got J uh, uh, Gordon Jenkins. He became the music conductor of NBC and became the orchestra on the Signal Oil Carnival, and that's where Eddie Cantor heard me ah. and asked me to go on the Camel Caravan. What was it like being married to what I consider really one of the great comedians, Jack Carson? Yes, I love Jack Carson. Yes. What was it like being married to him? It was a wonderful experience, Ray. <clears throat> uh, contrary to what might anyone might think, having ever seen Jack, he seemed like to be such a big oaf and uh, open and uh, so honest. I mean, so, um, you know, like a big fool and all that, playing, playing those comedy parts. Jack was a very, very sensitive and a very shy man. Really? Mm -hmm. And it was really quite charming. And, of course, you know, I'm sure, that later on he did very deep roles rather than just comedy. I didn't know that. Yes, he did. <clears throat> Excuse me. I guess every comedian wants to do uh, deep theatrical roles, and those that are in deep uh, theatrical roles want to do uh, comedy. Why is that? Well, <laughs> of course, everyone, you know, it's common knowledge that the best really serious actors sometimes are the comics. Because I think... Um, to do a really great comedic job, one has to be very, very, uh, has to be able to do it straight, mm -hmm. to be funny. Mm -hmm. And later, you know, Jack did some roles like um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Paul Newman and Elizabeth Taylor, which was a very serious role. He was Paul Newman's brother, Gooper. And then, of course, he did the um, one that he was nominated for an award, uh, Judy uh, Garland's Star is Born, where he was the um, um, publicist. So he did some very serious roles, Mildred Pierce with mm. Joan Crawford, and... Uh, I missed those, but I, I certainly... You're too young, right? <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I remember... Unless you see them redone. Uh, I remember Jack Carson as the comedian, though. And well, I remember the radio show, the Jack Carson show. Oh, yes. He had wonderful, wonderful comedy shows for Campbell's Soup. Mm -hmm. Good, you know. And Del Charbot used to be the announcer. Yes, and we saw him today, That's didn't right. we? Yes. <laughs> he came up from Palm Springs to yeah. be there today. Isn't with... he great? Oh, and wonderful. he still has the greatest voice in radio. Just like it used to be. Mrs. Del Charbot. Oh, he's just great. Well, we'll uh, continue this in a minute. If you want to talk with Kay St. Germain, we'll start taking calls momentarily. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word TALK. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then TALK. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. Welcome to the restaurant that puts the thrills in Beverly Hills. Bob Morris invites you to feast on hickory smoked beef and pork ribs, chicken, and duck so crisp it stands at attention. Great steaks, live Maine lobster, and the world-famous green grocery salad bar with everything from fresh avocado to hearts of palm, plus the biggest piece of cake in L.A., freshly squeezed juices and over 400 brands of R.J.'s frankly fabulous back bar. Open every day, 11.30 a.m. till closing. Sensational Sunday Champagne Brunch, 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Los Angeles Magazine quotes 
Bob believes give them what they want. The American overabundance theory. A great place and a great time they'll never forget. Get it all at Southern California's proudly American restaurant. RJ's The Rib Joint. 252 North Beverly Drive in the heart of Beverly Hills. For reservations, dial 213 area code 274-RIBS. That's 274-RIBS. If you or a loved one has cataracts, now's the time to act. Wouldn't it be great to enjoy the new year with improved eyesight? Make a New Year's resolution today to make 1988 the best year yet. So don't delay. Call Dr. Kenneth Gordon, a renowned cataract surgeon who is trusted by thousands of Southern Californians. Dr. Gordon has been in practice for many years at 9735 Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills and is a founder of the Beverly Hills Eye Institute. He uses state-of-the-art equipment and offers the best of care to all patients. He knows how important personalized service is to senior citizens and handles each patient with the utmost care. Dr. Gordon accepts Medicare assignments, so give yourself the best gift of all, better eyesight, one of life's most precious gifts. Place your trust in an experienced surgeon that has helped so many people with cataract problems. Make this year one to remember. Call Dr. Kenneth Gordon at 272-3100. 272-3100. Everyone has a bad habit they'd like to break. Next week, we'll meet the expert who'll help you do just that. Hello there, I'm Michael Jackson. Hopefully our daily four-hour get-together is a good habit to enjoy and to feed that habit in the week ahead. We'll offer up interesting topics and fascinating conversation to inform and entertain. From a Soviet scientist who will fill us in on just what they know to an hour dedicated to dealing with impossible teenagers. Spend some time with us in the week ahead. I'm Michael Jackson, back at it live Monday, right here on KABC. Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright Cause I only That's a little dated. <laughs> it's not Stan Kenton in the background, but uh, that was what, about 1936 or so? I think, 37. 1937. <laughs> K. St. Germain with Anne's and Weeks. And you introduced this on record, didn't you? Yes, on Brunswick. Oh, my You gosh. know, I think that was the first one after the cylinder. <laughs> the first round record. <laughs> so, so uh, what was it like working with uh, Bob Crosby? Oh, that was thrilling. I mean, you know, he was just, did you ever see a dream walking? I was all over the place. And so romantic, you know. And, of course, Bing was so famous and popular at that time. And I suppose Bob wouldn't mind my saying he used to be hate to be referred to as Bing's little brother, but he couldn't avoid it <laughs> without changing his name. But, of course, as we all know, he became a great star in his own right and still has a big band Bob playing. Bob Crosby and his Bobcats. Uh, how long after he left Anson Weeks did it uh, take him to form his own band? Well, here's the story on that. Um, shortly after I joined the band, mm -hmm. Bob had been with them for some time. Mm -hmm. um, he had an offer to go with the Dorsey Brothers. So he did. Mm. And we got a kid named Ben Gage, who was mentioned today at the luncheon, That's as you right. know, who later married Esther Williams. And he was an, an announcer, yes, too. Yes, he became yeah. an announcer later. Mm -hmm. But this, he was still in Northwestern University. I see. And uh, people that are listening from Chicago, of mm -hmm. course, remember the Aragon and Trianon ballrooms. Of course. Well, Anson was slated to play the uh, Aragon. And during the rehearsal, Ben Gage walked up to me, and we just lost Bob. That was our first date without Bob. He had gone to the Dorseys. And this darling, blonde, 
God, you know, walked up to me and said that he'd give anything to sing with the band. And I said to Anson, let's hope this guy can sing because the girls are going to faint. He was so <laughs> cute. Six foot six. <laughs> so he sang and Anson liked him very much. And so he hired him on the spot for $30 a week. <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder if anybody remembers Anson Weeks. Oh, I hope so. I think a lot of people do. He was extremely... Let's find out. Oh, now, wouldn't that be if, nice? If you want to talk with Kay St. Germain, now's your chance to get in while we have some open lines, and here's how. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then, talk. Kay, uh, how important is a lyric to a song? Well, I think it's all important. It's just all important. Did you happen to see Andy Rooney a couple of weeks ago when he uh, took uh, the, the, the new song, an album by Michael Jackson, Bad, and he put the lyric... No. Or, or, <laughs> what was supposed to be watch. a lyric on the blackboard. <laughs> it's bad, 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 bad. <laughs> well, I think that the lyrics are very, very important. I mean, that's what it bothers me about the music today. As you said, it's two or three words. And you have to just rely on the beat, I guess. But I just have to admit, I don't understand it or like it very well. I'm not, I don't, I don't like understand. it at all. You see, I don't understand it either. I really don't. I suppose they say, well, there's nothing to understand. You just like it or you don't. To me, it's just, it just doesn't have anything. Now, when I hear the music that we're talking mm -hmm. about, it makes me uh, feel great. You know, Whatever happened to a, a song that you can hum? Now, can anybody... <laughs> Um, some of the stuff that I hear coming out of the, the radio speakers from this rock station. Uh, can you hum it? I can't. I mean, it's got a great beat, I suppose, but uh, I can't hum any of that. Well, no. And, um, um, well, let's see. What was I going to say? Of course, the, the, rock, the, the rock people don't like me very much because I, I knock the rock. In fact, I have a, there's a rock group that dedicated a number to me. It's called Mean Mr. Brain. <laughs> I was going to say maybe called Get Lost. <laughs> well, it's about the same, yes. Uh, my guest is Kay St. Germain, and we're talking about band vocalists. Uh, one thing I want to get to here in just a minute is the Society of Singers. Oh, yes, and that's we'll, a very important we'll, thing. We'll get into that in just a minute. So if you remember Kay, if you remember Anson Weeks, and you remember uh, Kay when she was doing the Eddie Cantor show and singing with the Gordon Jenkins? They have to be kind of uh, elderly Meredith to remember Wilson. all this. Well, <laughs> we're all a little elderly now. <laughs> uh, then give us a call. Kay St. Germain is our guest. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. Well, I may be sorry for telling you this, because if you do what I did, you'll sleep right through my entire show. You see, I went down to sit and sleep. They have the largest selection and lowest prices in L.A. And picked up a brand new Simmons mattress. Their prices are hundreds of dollars lower than anyone. And with 50,000 square feet of showroom, you can buy it today and sleep on it tonight. And it's not just mattresses. Look, sit and sleep has the lowest prices on sofa beds, day beds, and futons. And since I've made sit and sleep an honorary member of the Silver Radio Society, every KBC listener, 60 or older, will receive an additional discount. Now, obviously, you're not asleep. And since sit and sleep guarantees you'll love your new bed and backs that promise with a 30-day sleep trial, you just can't go wrong. Do what I did. 
Head to Sit and Sleep in Culver City, facing Overland between Venice and Washington, or call in area code 213-870-1374. You tell them Ray Brain sent you. Are you a mature adult who has dreamed of traveling or living abroad? How would you like to visit London, Mexico, Yugoslavia, Hong Kong, the Swiss Alps, and more for less money than it can cost to live at home? It's possible with Grand Circle Travel. For as little as $38.75 a day, you can live in these countries from 2 to 26 weeks. See places tourists never see from your home away from home. It includes round-trip airfare on major airlines, first-class deluxe accommodations with kitchens, social activities, special single departures, escorted tours, transfers, and much more. Grand Circle also offers discounted senior packages on the most popular cruises throughout the world. As a member of the Ray Bream Silver Radio Society, Grand Circle Travel is offering listeners free membership in their Let's Talk Travel Club, including their free booklet, 101 Tips for Mature Travelers. Call 800-327-3904. 800-327-3904. Norms really went after the world traveler when they came up with their super breakfast specials from only $1.29. Norms? Norms Restaurant? Sure. I summer at the beach, and I count on Norms. Huntington Beach, Long Beach, Santa Monica. And Norms has their super breakfast specials. Monday through Friday from 4 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. What about winter? There's no Norms in Aspen. Oh, too cold. I winter in Orange in Costa Mesa, where I know I can get into Norms for a super breakfast special, and there's no snow. That's right. Norms is in Anaheim and Santa Ana, too. And then there's springtime in San Gabriel. And just like Norms in Huntington Park and Lakewood and Torrance, they have super breakfast specials from $1.29. Don't you miss Norms when you go shopping in London and Paris? I shop on Rodeo. And there's a Norms on Pico and one on La Cienega. With super breakfast specials from 4 to 11.30 a.m. I enjoy the ponies at Hollywood Park and eat at Norms in Inglewood. There's a Norms in Van Nuys. What do you do in Van Nuys? I don't know. What would you do in Van Nuys? In Inglewood, Norms is on Century and Hawthorne. KABC. Talk Radio 790. In Los Angeles, the number is 520, followed by TALK, T-A-L-K. All TALK Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word TALK. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then TALK. Uh, Kay St. Germain is my guest. Kay, when you were with uh, the Eddie Cantor show... Uh, was uh, the Mad Russian on with... Oh, the, yes. I How do you do? How do you do? And do you remember what he did with his ears? No, what did he do oh. with his ears? Well, you see, we did that a personal appearance I told you about yeah. in... Of course, we always had the studio audiences. When he was about to go on, he would fold in his ears. He had a way of being able to take hold of his ears and, and fold, fold them, them in. inside of his ears. In other words, the outside of his ears folded down inside... And then we went out on the stage and faced Eddie and would say, How do you do? The ears would fly out. <laughs> and that's why you always Who had this tremendous the laugh. What was his it? name was Bert Gordon. Bert Gordon, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, he was funny. Mm -hmm. And you know who else was on was somebody named Fields, who was, um, oh, what was he called? Where no matter what you'd ask him, if you'd say, It's a rainy, if you like the rain, he'd say, Oh, you don't like it when the sun shines, huh? <laughs> and you know, you say, well, I love sun. He says, oh, you don't want the crops. You want the crops to dry up. <laughs> I've forgotten what they called him. But he, he was completely the opposite. And um, let's see. Um, yes, you know who the announcer was on the Eddie Cantor show? 
Jimmy Wallington. Bert Parks. Bert Parks. Well, Jimmy yes. Wallington did it later. Or before, one or the Whatever. other, before yeah. my time. Yeah. Anyway, Bert Parks was the announcer, and he also sang. Really? And we did doubles with the Walter Schumann singers oh. in the background. How about that? And Cookie Fairchild. Cookie Fairchild. Was the orchestra. Right, right. And I remember. Mrs. I was... Mrs. Fairchild used to call this program. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, she, what I love she to was hear known, from her. She was known as the documentation lady on this program. She's, she's gone now. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, But uh, nice. I remember when they were both alive. I'll be darned. Yeah. We used to rehearse at uh, Cookie, uh, at uh, Vic Knight's house. Vic right. Knight was the producer. I remember Vic Knight. Yeah. And Vic is gone. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say we remained mm -hmm. very close friends till he left us. He had his own ago. record company for a while. Yes. Key he Records. Did. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's right. All right. Uh, oh, look who, look who is on the line. Hello there, Lena. Oh. <laughs> so our one and only Lena. This is Josie. <laughs> hi. Lena Romai. Oh, hi, sweetie. How are you? Oh, my God. I'm so busy. You won't believe I'm so miserable. Oh, yes. They said at the luncheon today that... Oh, <clears throat> I've been so sick all week. I can't stand it. I hate this. I'm That's all right. You sound awful. <laughs> we, we, we gave our condolences today at the Pacific Pioneer Luncheon. Oh, sweetheart, I haven't had a cold like this in years, it seems to me. It's going around. Oh, I must have got... I've been, I've been in the middle and caught it. Well, has this been stopping you from doing your races at the... Fortunately, thank God, the horsies are put away to sleep. <laughs> well, we should tell our audience what we're talking about here. Tell them what you do. My little babies are sleeping until I get back in April. I know, but tell them who your babies are, what you, so that the audience can hear this. Ponies at Hollywood Park. Well, well, tell them what you do. I'm the lady announcer. The <laughs> she, she gives the race results. In Spanish. <laughs> no, not in Spanish. In English. Yeah, I'm on KNX every day. But anyway, Kay, you sound wonderful. Are you having fun with my darling? Oh, absolutely. Isn't it's he the sweetest, most wonderful host that anybody could have at the stole tonight? In spades. Pacific Broadcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're, we're going to uh, have Al Lewis at our Nostalgia Night uh, this time. Uh-huh. And uh, he's a legendary figure. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, tell our audience who Al Lewis is, uh, Lena. Oh, he's wonderful. He started in 1935 with Bob Hope and Fred Allen and he, and he, he wrote he, he wrote the jokes he wrote all the jokes and all the and he, he did five years of our Miss Boots with Eve Arden mm. and he also uh, co-directed the, the exactly, show exactly mm -hmm. exactly oh he's absolutely marvelous and he got the Diamond Circle Award last year that's right. For Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. We really have a great group, don't we? You would have loved it today. All the big band leaders. Les Brown was there. Ray Anthony was there. Billy May was there. I am absolutely beside myself. I am so disappointed. I was so busy. I had 101 fever all day. Aww. Art Lund um, all I had was told some great stories. Baby cat to keep me. Oh, my. Oh. Now, listen, you, you take care of yourself, Lena, and doctor up, okay? I love you both, and Kay, you sound wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I'll see you real soon. And they don't know how pretty you really are. You <laughs> oh, listen, I, that's just the way we rehearsed it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that's listening in, she's so dear. Oh, bless your heart. Thank, Thank you, Lena. Thank you, Lena. Ray, take care, honey. I'll do it. Thank you, Mo. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> what a darling little woman isn't she oh. something and she can sure still sing can't she I, ray I, oh yeah i've got to tell you something i once in a while would call her at the track and i would put on my 
different voices. And once I was uh, the gangster, <laughs> Mo. That's why she calls me Mo. Oh, is that it? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know she calls you Mo. <laughs> yeah. Me and the boys want to get the results in the third. <laughs> she said, I can't do that. Well, me and the boys have ways of making you talk, you know. And then, <laughs> then once I was the Chinese, hello, waist track, waity. Uh, you have, uh, and, and, and I put her on. She was looking for the results. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with K. St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. Hello, Donna. You're on with K. St. Germain. Oh. Oh. Uh, Hello there. <laughs> Hi. Um, well, well, I hope that Lena gets better soon. Well, I do, too, now. This is Donna speaking to me? Yeah. That's right. And from where are you, Donna? She's in Los Angeles. Oh, right here in town. Right. Well, well Kay, first, I, I just wanted to say to, to Mr. Breen that uh, I just love his music nights and the time he had Gogi Grant on until mm-hmm. the next morning to go out to call and order tickets, and we went. I took a friend, and it was the most marvelous evening I've spent for a long, long time. She sings as good, if not better, than she ever has. Yes. she was. Ab- her voice was yeah. beautiful. She looked beautiful. It was it's nice to see someone who is... Singing in Westwood. Yeah, it's nice to see a singer who hasn't really done anything professional for, uh, say, a couple of decades, and all of a sudden uh, is back doing it again and better than ever. Well, I must tell you, Donna, that I'm going to be seeing Gogi on Monday because she is on the board of the Society of Singers, which we're going to be talking uh-huh. about in a while. Uh-huh. And I was talking to her at our last thing we got together, and she was telling me how much she had missed her singing and how thrilled she was to be doing that night, that those two nights, you know, one of which you saw. Uh-huh. So I'll be, ten- I'll be telling Gogi what you said. In fact, she may be listening in here tonight because we all sort of support one another when we're on. But I, if she didn't, I'll certainly tell her what you said, and I know yeah, it'll make it her was, very happy. It was a fabulous, wonderful, wonderful evening. And the, the woman I took with me, by the way, was a dancer, and she used to dance at uh, the various ballrooms, and, and uh, uh, Anson Weeks played at a couple of those. That She was quite a, a marvelous, you know, mm-hmm. ballroom dancer. They used to have those evenings where they, <laughs> and so she was very thrilled uh, with the singer. I wish, Kay, that you would, would uh, maybe... Uh, do what Goey is doing. I'm working on that, Donna. Thank you for the encouragement. I um, <clears throat> I had to take a few months off with family uh, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunate uh, circumstances this last six months to a year. But now I'm I'm ready to do it, and I'm get, trying to drum up, you know, do the drum roll, get the nerve up to do it <laughs> because I did do the Vine Street Bar and Grill here in town. Oh, did you? Yes, and enjoyed it so much, and so. Uh, very shortly, I maybe will be wanting you to um, come and see me, too. <laughs> I certainly hope that I, I could get on your mailing list. And well. That'd be impossible to do tonight, but anyway. You've been doing some theatrical work, too. Yes. Yes, I have. Um, I don't know how many people have heard of David Craig, but he is um, a wonderful teacher here in Los Angeles and in New York. He's married to Nancy Walker. Mm. Well, I, I, I know Nancy Walker's name. Yes. I don't know his. Well, he trains um, 
singers to, to do songs more like they would for musical comedy in the stage. Really? And I've been studying with him for several years, and I've become his demo singer, which is very, very much of an honor for me, and it's taught me to become an actress. How about that? Donna, thank you very much. My guest, Kay St. Germain. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC, Talk Radio 790. All Talk Radio 79 numbers and in the word talk, T-A-L-K. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. And in Orange County, the 714 area, 750. The 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520 and then talk. To let the friendly breeze come right inside And pretend that it's the breeze that's filling the sail That's moving the ship that's bringing my honey back to me When was that? When were that you one? Doing? Oh, that was after I only have eyes for you. Mm -hmm. That was maybe about 1938. Wow. Uh, when you were working with uh, the Anson Weeks Band, uh, were you aware how popular he was? I mean, uh, from what I understand, uh, the the folks around San Francisco, and then when he would go out <sighs> on the road, because they got to know him because of the dance remotes. Uh, they they love to dance to this band. From what I understand, and I've heard from other bands and mm -hmm. that I've known throughout the years, that all bands conceded that they felt that Anson Weeks' rhythm for dancing mm -hmm. was number one. Now, not, we're not talking about for listening around the mm -hmm. front, you know, mm -hmm. when they did later with Benny Goodman and Stan Kenton and everything, but just for dancing. Would you call him a society band? No. Anson was what you call a dance orchestra. He was not like mm -hmm. one of those society bands mm -hmm. that played everything mm -hmm. in the same sort of tempo, right, what right. they call the businessman's mm -hmm. uh, bounce, you know. Right. No, no. Anson was highly specialized in what they called afterbeat, which is like, mm, da da, da da. The you know, beat. it was just a backbeat, just mm -hmm. a fabulous dancing beat. And, um, Everyone just admitted that it was the best dance orchestra in the whole world. And when you said, but then I knew he was popular, all one had to do is just see the crowds. Remember Dave, I told you he yeah. was with the, right. with the Mark uh, Hopkins for mm -hmm. eight years and then went on this tour with, that's mm -hmm. when I was with him. Mm -hmm. And they tell me the records have never been even, anyone's come near it for the people that came to see him and the one-nighters, because they've been hearing them on the air for eight years. Let's go to Jacksonville, Florida. We have Leroy on the phone. Good morning. Good morning, sir. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Hello there. Hello. I'd like to tell you about Anson in later years. Okay. He owned a restaurant in Sacramento, you know. Mm-hmm. While he was owning that restaurant, he played in a motel near Hamilton Air Force Base in Wren County. Yep. And I talked him into getting popular again. On the weekends, he'd play at this motel, and my wife and I would go, and I talked him into to getting back in the popular vein. He got a job at the, the St. Francis Hotel and was popular for years. Yes, he was at the Sacramento Inn in uh, Sacramento. I went up there and sang with him several times. Uh -huh. He owned his own restaurant in Sacramento, too. But he played Sacramento Inn also. Uh huh. Anyway, I talked him into getting popular again. I sure, sure did. Well, good for you. <laughs> he, he was very popular at the St. Francis Hotel. Stayed there for several years. Mm -hmm. They called it the St. Francis Corner, didn't they? Yeah, and he, he made more records while he was there. Right, with his son on bass. His son, Jack Weeks, was on bass. Remember that? No, I didn't know about that. Uh-huh. We, we were friends, but not that. I didn't, when it was at St. Francis, I didn't talk to him very much. It was a very big place, you know. Uh-huh. The motel, I could talk to him. 
<laughs> right near the Hampton Air Force Base where I used to talk to him. I'll be darned. Talked to him at the motel in Sacramento where he's playing there. Uh-huh. He had his own restaurant in Sacramento. Now, you know, I didn't know about that. Yes, he did. He owned his own. He paved his own restaurant. No, I knew about the Sacramento Inn, but not the restaurant. Marin County. Hmm. You know about that either, yes, sir? Well, I know he lived in San Jose for quite a while. No, but he was, he was while he was in Sacramento in the motel, he went to this little motel right near the Hampton Air Force Base and played on the weekends. Oh, uh, Leroy, did you live in Sacramento? Yes, indeed. I lived in Sacramento and Marin County also. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Well, very good, and thanks for the call. But anyway, his popularity was real last for quite a few years while he was at St. Francis. You bet. All right, take thanks care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hey, let me say three about something else real quick. Yeah. Uh, all they talk about the, the debt that we have, and Americans have such a big debt. Never talk about the assets. We have more assets than anything in the world. Yeah, well, let's uh, save that for Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was neat. Uh, all right, Leroy. <laughs> Th thank you. Um... The uh, bands uh, in, in, I guess you call Anson Weeks originally a, a, a regional band, right? Now, what do you mean by that? Well, he was popular mainly in the San Francisco Bay Area originally. Yes, he, you know, what was sort of interesting about him is that he had formed this band in Sacramento with all kind of local mm -hmm. fellas from Sacramento, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they gradually worked themselves into that job at the Mark Hopkins. And uh, stayed there that eight years. But I guess then that way, I guess you would call them regional. Yeah, uh, th that happened throughout the country. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember uh, in New York, uh, there was a regional band, Bob Chester. Oh, yeah. Very, very well known in, in the East, but not known much on the West well, Coast. Well, would you say that Lester Lannon is like that now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Only he's a society band, I guess you'd yeah, call him. He, now, he's uh, what I call a society yeah, band. Yeah, sure. But anyway, um, you then did tour with him, and you uh, made uh, some appearances at the, what, Waldorf Astoria? Mm hmm When we left um, the Mark to go on his first tour, that's when all those records were broken. Because, as I say, people had been hearing him for eight years, and they couldn't wait to go and hear him. Then we were en route to the Waldorf Astoria, the Starlight Roof. Imagine, oh, what a thrill for a kid like me <laughs> to get to go there. And uh, when we were there in those days... They used to have an act that came on in the evening, a, a featured act. And ours were called the um, Velo Signolanda Dancers. Do you remember that sure dance team? Sure. You used to and have a, dance studios. A, a story I love to tell is that I bought a real expensive dress for me to open at the Waldorf. A velvet dress with little white ermine straps with three little ermine tails on <laughs> each shoulder. And I was blowing those, you know, like, oh boy, was I thrilled with those little three ermine tails. When Velos and Yolanda came on, their violinist said to the ladies in the audience, you will notice Miss Yolanda's gown is worth $4,000. Well, in the late 30s, that was a lot of money. And the reason for that is that the entire skirt was ermine tails. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> All of a sudden, my little three ermine tails look like nothing. <laughs> Let's go to Milwaukee. We have Tom on the line. Hello, Tom. You're on with K. St. Germain. Hello, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. This is, this is quite a thrill for me. I'm, I, I'm not really old enough to, to remember from my own memory the big band era, but I've become a big fan of it and have several hundred albums from that uh, era and so forth. Unfortunately, of the three Anson Weeks uh, 
albums I have all were cut uh, or all are from shows prior to when Kay joined the band and I'm real disappointed that I don't have anything uh, with, with her on it with any of the albums with her on it really well I wish you had some too <laughs> but I'm glad you liked Anson Weeks he was just wonderful I'm going to be looking through the, uh, the local stores and of course from Milwaukee if you want to get something really good you have to go down to Chicago so I'll probably be going down there one of these days also but I was really uh, I'm looking through my Brian Rust uh, dance band discography book and uh, like many bands from that era I find that there were uh, plenty of fellows who played with the band who went on to have their own orchestras and so forth mm -hmm. from Bob Crosby I see the name of Griff Williams and even Xavier Cougat Yes. Well, you know, Xavier Cougat was with the orchestra, with Anson, before I joined them. Yep. And they tell me that he had all his cartoons on the edges of all the arrangements. Of the <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was a cartoonist, if you remember. Quite an artist, yes, I do. Yes. That's sure. Very, very distinctive <laughs> drawings, if I remember that. And right. You know, well, you do have a good memory of these. Well, and, and I know that some of these fellows played, uh, of course, in the Milwaukee area because they, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they toured regularly and so forth. But uh, this, uh, I was also interested when you mentioned Jack Carson, uh, since he was from the Milwaukee. Oh, absolutely. I was just about to tell you that. He was very proud of his hometown, and he and Dennis Morgan yes. were very honored there. I'm sure you know about that. Oh, yes, they're both in our local Hall of Fame. Yes, well, I have all kinds of pictures of them when they went there to be honored for that. Two guys from Milwaukee. Uh-huh, right. Their movie, sure, sure. Well, this has been a real treat, believe me. I, I, I really appreciate it. It's, it's been fun, and I like the little excerpts that they've been playing of some of your songs. I'm <laughs> to play them longer. <laughs> Sounds pretty high, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's terrific. It's, uh, well, you know, not to be corny, but it's music that, in my mind, will live forever. It's terrific. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad the young people like it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Good night. And let's say hello to... Well, now we're not going to say hello to anybody. We're going to take a break. We'll say hello to our sponsor, and then we'll say hello to Joan. So stay with us, my guest, Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. You've heard me talk about Second Careers, the nonprofit organization that helped place nearly 400 business retirees in jobs this past year. There's a real need for the service. Many retirees now realize that when they planned their retirement finances, they didn't count on the staggering increases in our cost of living. So now, it's drastically cut expenses or get a job. Then there are persons for whom retirement is an unhealthy state of lethargy. Many of these people sense the need to recharge their lives through productive work, but they must find work. Well, happily, there are many progressive Los Angeles employers who call second careers when they need experienced office workers or managers. Not out of some goodwill gesture, but because they want experience and mature judgment. Now, if you have a job for a skilled retiree, or if you're an experienced applicant, call Second Careers. Area code 213-380-3166. Your toothbrush has a tough job in front of it, cleaning out gaps and crevices. Tiny places where food can hide and decay. Only a quality brush can do the job right. An Oral-B toothbrush on sale at Thrifty and Thrifty Junior for just $1.29. Soft-bristled Oral-B brushes come in a variety of styles and sizes for the dental needs of your entire family. Professionally designed for professional results, get Oral-B today. 
Does your skin tell time? Can you read the passing years with each new crease and wrinkle? Well, fight back with Nivea, the rich revitalizing moisturizer that replenishes and restores your skin's natural beauty. At Thrifty and Thrifty Junior, get Nivea in 6-ounce cream, 12-ounce lotion, or 12-ounce extra-enriched lotion. Your choice, just $2.99. Get Nivea and stop the clock on your skin. I'm Dr. Alan Sellner, and today my weekend athlete show, we're going to look at all the latest trends, the newest medical breakthroughs in nutrition, health, medicine, and sports, to give you the information that you need to enjoy the active lifestyle right here in Southern California. So stay tuned later today on KBC Radio from 1 to 3. That's Dr. Alan Sellner for the weekend athlete and those of you who have an active lifestyle. Coming up later today between 1 and 3, right here on AM 790, KABC. Dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then... Talk. I always keep my windows open wide. I like to let the friendly breeze come right inside. And pretend that it's the breeze that's filling the sail, that's moving the ship, that's bringing my honey back to me. Let the wind keep blowing. Vintage K. St. Germain. Oh, <laughs> high, isn't it? <laughs> when you hear that now, you say, that's me? <laughs> you bet. And I think I told you, you know, we're going to have the big band reunion. March seventh, and I am going to sing that song. Are you with Pat Longo's big band? And Milt Bernhardt <laughs> is uh, the man who's putting it all together. Yes, the great trombonist. I love his trombone. And he was with Stan Kenton for years. Oh yes. And now he's the president of the Big Band Academy. That's right. And for those who uh, don't know, if uh, perhaps the the most famous uh, recording that Frank has ever done is "I've Got You Under My Skin." Ah. And it's Milt Bernhardt who does the trombone solo with Now, Moss who do you Reynolds. mean by Frank? Sinatra. Oh, oh, Frank really? Sinatra. You know, I've got you under my skin. Oh, yes. And with Nelson Ruddle. And Milt Bernhardt does that trombone solo. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's news. Yeah. That's great. One of these days, we're going to have Milt Bernhardt on this program. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, so he's arranging the whole bet, and you're going to be singing, huh? Yes. He called the other day and said that they had had an idea that rather than just have a dais, mm -hmm. which they do mm -hmm. with the bands, mm -hmm. that he thought they'd have a big band, actually, and they're going to let people dance afterward, just That's like good. the old days. And that he thought it would be nice to open mm -hmm. with the band attitude of when we had Vincent Lopez, Paul mm -hmm. Whiteman, and the ones where they called them orchestras that had violins. Sure. Vincent Lopez used to do the grill room of the, uh, um, in New York, what was it? Roosevelt? The Taft. The Taft oh, Hotel. The Taft. Hotel Taft. Yes. Uh-huh. Did a lot of dance remotes with him. Well, anyway, so he wanted to know if I'd like to sing um, The Breeze. The reason we can't do I Only Have Eyes for You is because Pat doesn't want to put violins in the band. So we'll do the one they just heard, and I'm going to try to do it in that key. Wish me luck. <laughs> because we're going to try and get that original arrangement. I don't think your voice is going to go up that high. It is. You'd be really? surprised. I have a very low speaking voice, mm -hmm. but I can sing on top of it. Yes, is mm -hmm. that right? I think. <laughs> I'm going to be there. In, in fact, well, uh, you'll was... be able to see then. Yeah. Uh, the Society of Singers, Ginny Mancini is, of course, the driving force along with uh, Gilda, Gilda Macon. Macon. Yeah. Uh, why don't you explain to our listeners what this thing is all about? It's very, very exciting. Um, many of the 
listeners know who Ella Mae Morse was, mm-hmm. for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, when when there began to be adver- advertisements for sending away for Ella's cow cow mail order mail order things, it came to light that Ella, I mean Ella Mae Morse, was not getting anything from that. At that point, yes. she was working at Sears. She was working at Sears, trying to keep herself together, and getting nothing from those records. Because she was considered a band singer for Freddie Slack. Right. And there's never been any protection or any union or any organization that is for actors. You know, there's actors' unions, there's every kind of union, and there has never been anything for singers. Bob and and Ray Everly, they both died almost in poverty. Penniless. Penniless. And and they didn't get the proper medical care, anything. Until finally just people in the business would maybe move them into a hotel room. Mm -hmm. So a group of singers, Jenny at the head of it, and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and Gilda Macon Mm -hmm. began to think this was a terrible thing and got singers together. And now we have this tremendous organization called the Society of Singers. Jenny is our president. Mm -hmm. Gilda is the spearhead. And incidentally, I might like to tell the listeners that uh, Gilda Macon was with the Skylarks for many, many years and is a singer with Carol Burnett for 11 years and Dinah Shore and Woody Herman and with the Dorseys. And she was with Sonny and Cher and did solo numbers with them Mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. And now she's an agent. But anyway... Um, we have a board of directors. I have some of the material here in front of me. That we have, we have Kitty Callan. You remember Kitty Callan? Sure. Her, um, she her promised Jeffries. to come on the show. She lives in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And she says, one of these days, we're going to do a show. You bet. And Fran Warren is in the New York yeah, office. Right. And K-Star, we have, uh, let's see, I have it right here. Um, the, just a, a roster you can't believe. Everybody, the New York chapter is here. And in here, we have... Um, Tony Martin is our first vice president, right. and um, um, B. Wayne is the treasurer, mm-hmm. and incidentally, Andre, her husband, is all well now. He was well. Yeah, he was Gogi at the Grant today. is the parliamentarian, mm-hmm. and we have uh, the board of directors are Patty Andrews, uh, Ray right. Charles. Uh, both, um, so what happens with Jack the Society Jones. of Singers? How, how are you going to raise money? What, what's going on? Here's the thing. <clears throat> the Society of Singers does... Um, a lot of people are just giving money to it. I wish I could, we're at liberty to tell you who, but the big singers have given us $5,000, $10,000 toward you, this. You, where put, we have, well, you put on benefits. We put on benefits and money raisers like we did the right, other night. Right. I told you John Hendricks mm-hmm. did a show mm-hmm. for us. And then we have this tremendous amount of money that's being built up now to just help anybody who needs it give financial aid to those who have burdens of medical and other expenses placed on them in times of crisis. And any member who has derived his or her primary income as a professional singer for at least five years is eligible for this help. I think it's great. Just great. And let's take a call from Joan. Hello, Joan. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Well, hello, Ray, and hello, Kay. Hello, Joan. I, uh, couple of things. First of all, I wanted to say that Lena Ramai was absolutely correct, that you are absolutely lovely. Oh, how nice of you. Thank you. We saw you rather recently, uh, within the last, uh, about a year ago, where you were singing and you were emceeing and you were backed up by the part of Elwood Carl Society Orchestra called Elves Angels. Oh, yes. Well, that was a delightful thing. I just enjoyed that so much. Well, we all enjoyed you. And <laughs> a lot of fun uh, talking with you and, uh, and, you know, in the back of the band and hearing all the stories before you went on as well as the ones that you were 
were telling on the stage. Oh, yes. It was just terrific. It Isn't that a great idea to entertain the... Uh, they bring in uh, busloads of uh, retired people and give them a show at this uh, breakfast thing called the uh, Grand People's Company. That's where you're... This saw me, wasn't it? Right. Well, they're not doing that anymore, unfortunately. I'm so sorry to hear that. I enjoyed that so much because it, uh, I love the older people because they're from the era <laughs> from which I sang, and they appreciated the, the days, as we called it, when they wore the black dress and the string of pearls and went dancing for about $10 a night <laughs> with dinner. <laughs> not only that, but you, you brought the past and the present together, and everybody just had a wonderful time. Well, thank you. I'm so glad you saw that and that you're recalling it to me because it was my pleasure, believe me. Well, and not only that, the band enjoyed you, too. <laughs> well, I always love the musicians. I guess they just uh, can't help feel it. There was a report, and when you started, it was just really exciting. Thank you. So, just had to let you know. Well, I'm so glad you did. Thank you, Joan. You're welcome. Right, Good night. Take care. Uh, the, um... Band leader we're talking about, Anson Weeks, he got into a very serious accident, didn't he? And mm -hmm. he lost the use of his right arm, was it? The, the left. The left arm. Um, I'll tell you how that happened. You know, we mm -hmm. did one-nighters and had our own bus. Mm -hmm. And one night, um, Anson always sat in that first seat. You know how it is, uh, ne mm -hmm. next to the driver on the mm -hmm. other side. And the driver had to swerve to avoid something, and it threw that door open. And the jar, <clears throat> Anson slid underneath that and underneath the bus, and it ran over his arm. Anson refused. They wanted to take that arm away from him, and he would not let them do it. And he fought that fight for 10 or 12 years, and he never did lose that arm. It became what you'd call a withered arm. But Anson had a, a board built that would... Like um, mm -hmm. underneath his hand where it a support. Fit, a support that fit over the keyboard, and he was able to play that bass as long as he was alive. Isn't he played bass on the piano. My guest, Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. Let's go to Norway, South Carolina, and James. Good morning, James. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Uh, good morning, Ray. Good morning. We really enjoy your show down here in South Carolina, and... Uh, I'd like to say to to Kay that it's uh, it's a real pleasure to be able to talk to someone that I've heard on record. <laughs> and uh, not too long ago, I bought uh, an album. Oh, I guess about four records in the album. Music of the 20s and 30s. I'm a record collector and have about 35,000 selections. Wow. And uh, there's quite a few records uh, in this album by Anson Weeks. And... Uh, Two of the songs were uh, Sweetie Pie. Oh, isn't that a cute one? <laughs> My whole day is spoiled, and I just absolutely <laughs> fell in love with you when I heard your voice because uh, you have one of the most beautiful voices that I've ever heard. Oh, the female band singers. <laughs> it's just a pleasure to talk to you. Well, I'm so thrilled that you like those. Are my two favorites, the ones you mentioned. Well, I uh, I make a lot of cassette tapes off my records, and uh, I don't know. It seems like uh, <laughs> those two selections are are on just about every tape that I make. And there, I have another one. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, Bob Crosby singing with Anson Week. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of the song. Did you know that she introduced to the record world 
I only have eyes for you? Uh, no, sir, I didn't know that. Uh, actually, I'd never heard of Kay before, I'm sorry to say, until I got uh, this album. But uh... Well, you'd have to be sort of a, an older person to have heard of me. <laughs> I think I'm the oldest girl singer still on my feet, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, uh, you... All right, James, we're out of time to have to go, but thanks for the call. All right. Thank All you right. so much, Thank James. Thank you. Bye-bye. My guest, Kay St. Germain. moving the ship that's bringing my honey back to me. KABC, Talk Radio 790. Drugs and alcohol hurt. Before I started drugs, I was very, very close to my family. As soon as I got heavy into drugs, I avoided them. I was ashamed. I fought with them all the time. I lied to them. I cheated them. I cheated my family so, so bad. It's more pain than people could even imagine feeling. You're just, you're sick. You're, you can't even look in a mirror at yourself without wanting to cry, without wanting to hit the mirror, throw something at the mirror. You know, it's just, it's, it's a feeling I never, ever want to feel again in my life. Get the pain out of your life. Call the Narconon program now. It's drug-free and pressure-free. We care more and cost less. And best of all, it works. Call 213-733-2200 now. There's no obligation, only help. 213-733-2200, the Narconon program. Make your life painless. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. News. I'm Mary Margaret Myers. Starting this morning, a cross-country march for the nation's poor and homeless begins in California. Organizer Mike Wilson says they're hoping to get to hit most of the major cities in the U.S. on the track east so they can get their point across. The statement is that we're walking across our nation to bring up the issue. Let's get some positive things happening for people in America that are on the streets and there are poor. Instead of just starting to cut back welfare, cut this, cut Medicare... The marchers are hoping to make it to Washington, D.C. by November 7th, the day before the presidential election. I'll have more after this. You're listening to the sound of a bygone era, the horse and buggy days, when people with epilepsy had little chance of a normal life. Today, we don't depend on the horse and buggy to get around, but many Americans still cling to outdated ideas about epilepsy. Ideas that haven't kept pace with progress. A progress report on epilepsy. Better ways of monitoring epilepsy medicines in individual patients have helped make drug therapy more effective and reduce the risk of side effects. Scientific advances like this are successfully challenging those horse and buggy ideas that used to limit what people with epilepsy could do with their lives. Some serious problems remain, but we are making progress. Epilepsy. Find out where we are today. Call the Epilepsy Foundation of America, 1-800-EFA-1000. Remember the number, 1-800-EFA-1000. Democratic presidential contenders debated in Des Moines, Iowa last night. The first such encounter to include Gary Hart since he re-entered the race the week before Christmas. Asked about his affair with Miami model Donna Rice, Hart tried to lay the issue to rest, saying he was a sinner, but that according to his religion, everybody sins. Hart tried to shift focus to the Reagan administration, calling it morally bankrupt and promising that Democrats would never lie, shred documents, or sell arms to terrorists, a not-so-subtle reference to the Iran-Contra scandal. 
Hart also said he can't understand how President Reagan can go to bed at night when there were more children who were hungry and without homes. Albert Gore criticized Bruce Babbitt's call for a national sales tax. Richard Gebhardt defended his vote in favor of a big corporate tax cut, saying he was trying to ward off recession. The debate was on Iowa Public Television, and Jesse Jackson offered his solution to the trade deficit. How many of you in this audience own it? On a VCR, raise your hand. <laughs> Hands down. How many of you own or know someone who owns an MX missile? Raise your hand. <laughs> Wonder why we're in debt? Because we're making what ain't nobody buying. If we make sense, we'll make money. <laughs> And Jackson drew the strongest applause of the evening when he chastised those who would do away with abortion, saying they were only concerned about babies before they are born with no commitment to the babies from birth to death. Still a lot of trade problems between the U.S. and Japan, but the visit of Japanese Prime Minister Takeshita has reportedly set up a comfortable groundwork for future dealings. President Reagan praised his guest yesterday for his pledge to ease the trade imbalance between his country and the U.S. The merchandise trade deficit wasn't as bad as expected for November. That apparently fueled optimism on Wall Street. Stock prices closed sharply higher Friday. Some investors predicting the Dow Jones will move back up toward the 2000 mark. If the White House has any of those golden foot-in-the-mouth awards left over, like the one given to James Watt, Mr. Reagan might want to send one to Jimmy the Greek. It seems the odds maker managed to anger just about everybody with his remarks Friday in an interview on WRC-TV in Washington. The CBS sports analyst said blacks make better athletes, and he's, here's why. I'm telling you that the black is the better athlete, and he practices to be the better athlete, and he's bred to be the better athlete because this goes back all the way to the Civil War, when during the slave trading, the big, the owner, the slave owner would 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 breed his big black to his big woman, so that he could have a a big a big, a big black kid. See, now I mean that's where it all started. Jimmy the Greek then went on to say that whites are not good athletes because he said they're lazy, that they don't work as hard as black teammates. This is ABC News. Some good, clean fun in San Francisco. A pair of artists were the center of attention in Union Square as they chipped away at a 6,000-pound bar of soap. What they ended up with was a six-foot-tall 49er, not the football kind, the gold-mining kind. The art educational project commissioned by Ivory Soap Company. If you don't live in San Francisco, you still might get a chance to see it. The sculpture is being sent on a cross-country tour after it's sprayed with preservative. Otherwise, a good rainfall, and you just see a touring bunch of bubbles. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Mary Margaret Myers. As a satisfied House of Imports customer, I can vouch for the extraordinary service accorded to each and every customer. In my opinion, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more dedicated group of technicians and service advisors anywhere else. So it comes as no surprise that the incomparable House of Imports Mercedes-Benz in Buena Park is recognized as a leader in customer service. House of Imports offers many incomparable financing plans, including one with an amazing 84 months to pay. That makes owning a Mercedes-Benz downright affordable. Of course, if you'd rather lease, there are several splendid leasing options available, including a 24-month walkaway lease that could put you into the car of your dreams today. So if you're as serious about service as I am and long to drive one of the finest automobiles in the world, visit the incomparable House of Imports Mercedes-Benz where the Santa Ana I-5 and Riverside 91 freeways meet in Buena Park. Or use the phone and dial Mercedes. That's 213 or 714 M-E-R-C-E-D-E-S. Mercedes. KABC.
Talk Radio 790. It's uh, the voice of Kay St. Germain with the Anson Weeks Orchestra, and you introduced that to the record world. Yes, I did. In fact, that was my very first record. Really? Mm -hmm, what yes. year was this? That was 1937. 1937. <laughs> I hate How to admit it. That? You see, it was the youngest rendition of a record, a four-year-old, to make a record. <laughs> Son of a gun. I just learned that mm -hmm. you were also a disc jockey. Well, yes. How did that come about, well, and when was that? Well, you know, I, you know, we mentioned that I married Jack yeah, Carson. Right. Um, that was right after, the, the, in the middle of World, World War II, and um, we just thought it was better if I retired. I had a baby by then, and um, so I just sort of retired, and then I had another baby, and I just started raising children, and... <laughs> I just didn't sing anymore uh, professionally, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. except to go with Jack to entertain the soldiers and things like right. that. And Did you go on USO tours? Yes. Really? Uh -huh. Not too much. I didn't leave the children, but I would go to, like, on weekends down to Indio where they were training for the African. And uh, Jack at that time was with Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And working with Dennis Morgan and Betty Davis and Ann Sheridan and Jane Wyman. And they would go with us mm -hmm. to entertain the troops on weekends. And uh, they would do their different things. And then Jack would say, last but not least, that grand old lady of stage, screen, and radio and the mother of my children. And then I'd sing. And the kids liked that because I'd do stuff that the Andrews sisters did. You know, all those songs like Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree and... The songs that were popular of that day. But what was your question now? The question was, you became a disc jockey. Oh, yes. And, and how did that happen? At the end, well, after I'd been retired for about almost 18 years, um, I ran into um, um, Dresser Dalstead. You know, you know him. Yes, he was an official of ABC. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he said, why don't you try being a disc jockey for us? And they called me Kay the DJ. And after the baseball games at night, I would come on and bring on records and just talk about them. And because I had known all the singers in the past, like mm -hmm. Frank Sinatra, Mel Torme, and everything, they all came on for me and would do like you're doing with me tonight. Mm -hmm. They would mm -hmm. phone in, and I would talk to them, and they would plug their new records. So I became a DJ. For how long? Well, about almost a year. Really? <laughs> Did you like it? Oh, I loved it. And from that, I began to get asked to sing here and there, mm -hmm. and that's how I started to get back in, and that's when I started doing those um, shows for the women's clubs that I told you about. How about that? And then from then, I, well, uh, something I want to say to the listening audience, because I'm so thrilled to hear, most of the people have called tonight have all been young people who love mm -hmm. that big band mm -hmm. music. When I first started doing this, about 15 years ago this was, and going out to the women's clubs, that was my audience, was the old folks who remembered mm -hmm. and were being brought back to those days where they went dancing mm -hmm. with their, as I say, string of pearls. And, the, and I would talk about that in my act. Remember when we used to dip and all that sort of thing? But I was really talking to an older audience, my own contemporaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Little by little, though, the women would maybe have their daughter with them or granddaughter who were so excited about this, and I found out there was a cult beginning, mostly then, just in colleges, 
of people wanting to know about the 30s and loving the 30s music. So I began to play in colleges and universities and sit afterward for hours, just sitting with my feet hanging off the stage <clears throat> and answering their questions just that we were talking tonight. And I said, you know, I think the big bands will be coming back. And I didn't know that I was telling the truth. <laughs> so I feel I was a forerunner to what is happening today. Well, if you want to talk with uh, K. St. Germain, here's how. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then talk. Now, we really don't have a stage here, so you can't uh, just let your... Uh, uh, you know, uh, legs hang over the stage and answer questions, <laughs> but we'll play like it's a stage, all right? Good. <laughs> so if you want to have some questions answered, then just call, and we'll be back in a moment to do just that. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. We've made J.H. Bigger an honorary member of the Ray Bream KBC Silver Radio Society. J.H. Bigger has an excellent reputation for carrying the world's finest lines of furniture and housewares. But now, as you probably guessed, J.H. Bigger will be offering a special discount for a magnificent savings to every Ray Bream KBC listener 60 or older. At J.H. Bigger, you can afford the very best for less. This week, J.H. Bigger is offering a store-wide sale on every mirror in stock, and they have beautiful mirrors in all shapes, sizes, and styles. Special price good at all J.H. Bigger locations in Pasadena, Woodland Hills, and Irvine. J.H. Bigger will deliver free to anywhere in Southern California. J.H. Bigger, Southern California's largest Drexel Heritage dealer. Now they're open Saturdays 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sundays noon till 5 p.m. Professional interior design also available. J.H. Bigger, a reflection of your good taste. Some places give you all you can eat. Sure, for close to nine bucks. At Norm's Restaurants, we're talking $2.49, only $2.49. That's marvelous. Well, that's just what Norm's calls it. Shrimply marvelous. 22, count them, 22 shrimply marvelous shrimp with cocktail sauce, of course, with french fries, with coleslaw, served any weekday lunchtime, 11 to 3. See, what it is, is about a half a pound of shrimp. Shrimply marvelous shrimp. Shrimply marvelous, that's right. Half a pound, deep fried, all hot and crispy. With french fries. And coleslaw. Hey, coleslaw, shrimp, not all that many calories. And only two forty-nine, but one whale of a lunch. Hey, wait a second. At any Norm's restaurants, at all Norm's restaurants. You said... But get in now, because it's only during January. You said... What did I say? A whale of a lunch? What, am I going to call it a shrimp of a lunch? In Los Angeles, Norms is on La Cienega, south of Melrose. In Westwood, on Pico, east of Sepulveda. And in Santa Monica, on Lincoln, at Colorado. Sports predictions, forecasts for the stock market. How helpful can astrology be when dealing with these issues? Hi, I'm Joyce Gilson, and today we have a special two-hour program since Gary Franklin's going to be on vacation, and I'll be with you from 3 to 5 talking about how the planets impact the Super Bowl, the stock market, and you. So join me, Joyce Gilson, today when we have two whole hours from 3 to 5 p.m. on KBC Talk Radio 790. In Los Angeles, the number is 520, followed by TALK, T-A-L-K. All TALK Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word TALK. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. 
And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then, K. St. Germain is my guest. And uh, K., uh, you, of course, sang with uh, Anson Weeks. How long were you with Anson Weeks? Three and a half years, mm. Ray. And uh, Ben Gage was with him. And um, um, he decided to leave and talked me into leaving, too. You know, you kind of get burned out just playing one-nighters and the mm. same thing over and over. And that's seven nights a week, usually. Mm-hmm. And as I say, I wanted to go into what they call big radio. And so I went to Chicago. And that was a big radio town. Big radio town. And I did seven, eight shows a week there until finally it was almost like it wasn't exactly big time, but it's all the farther I could go in what I did, which was sing with Lud Gluskin. And I, I had a show called Johnny and Dottie for the Murine Company where my face was all over the billboards, you know, with my eyelashes flapping. And oh, really? <laughs> you know, those real bedroomy looking eyes that they did in those days looking over your shoulder. <laughs> really risque. <laughs> yes, it was like a close-up um, uh, cheesecake. <laughs> and uh, so I thought I'd come out to California and just take Hollywood over uh-huh. by storm. And all I did was starve to death. <laughs> all anybody ever said is, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, let's take a call from Jack. Hello, Jack. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Hi. Well, Kay, I'm one of those from the 30s who love the big bands. And I remember, uh, I never thought I'd hear the phrase dancing with Anson again. It's- <laughs> well, you have now, haven't you? Well, I certainly have. I, uh, I'm from the next Chicago and Aragon, Trianon, Andrew Carson's two ballrooms. Oh, yes. Beautiful places. You sang with them there, did you not? You bet. Oh, that was, you know, they had all, he used to go there, regu- play there regularly because, oh, they had Del Courtney and Dick Jurgens and Lawrence Welk, Jack, all of them would kind of circulate come, uh, you know, like a uh, merry-go-round. Do you remember on Sunday afternoons, they had uh, afternoon dances, Absolutely. and it was it was out stopping. In other words, as we would finish, then Jan Garber was on the other side and would start right up with the same ending and start in the same tune. And there was continuous dancing from 3 o'clock until 12 o'clock at night on Sunday at the Aragon and Trinon. I not recall that, but I love Dick Jurgens uh, there. He played there more frequently than I've seen anybody. Wayne King used to be there. Yes. Uh, but Speaking of Dick Jurgens, Jack, yes? uh, can you tell me the name of his theme song? Sure can, but, uh, you know, when you hit a... Oh, boy, do I know it. Did you know that Dick Juergens made no bones about the fact that he simply copied Anson Weeks? He idolized him and just just patterned his band after Anson Weeks and made, you know, he didn't try to hide it. He'd say, I'm I'm doing a band as close as I can get to Anson because he loved the the, uh, rhythm of it. Here's that band again. Uh That's right. And they were great. They put on a show always. Eddie Howard of course, uh-huh. he made his own band. Uh, they were uh, they were a great band to watch, and uh, it, it's really a kick. But I wanted to ask you a question, uh, Kay. All right. Didn't you feel like, hey, look at all those guys on that day as today? Where are the women? Oh, you was there? B. Wayne was there. <laughs> you mean today? Today. Yes. Oh, well, today was specifically men band leaders and men. Oh, what did it say? Men vocalists. Yeah, it was just all male vocalists today, and now. Another time at the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, which this was today, they had all girl singers. 
what they called the canaries <laughs> on, the, on the bandstand. And that was just great. They had Doris Day. They had Martha uh, Tilton. Martha Tilton, mm-hmm. Kay Starr, yeah. uh, Rosemary Clooney, yeah. um, um, Tangerine, you know, yeah, uh, Helen O'Connell. Helen O'Connell. We had about 14 of all girl singers, and then Lena Ramai, whom you heard earlier in the show, is the one who put that together. And um, I was on the dais, of course, thank goodness, and now that we're going to do it again soon, because that was about seven years ago. So that's going to be next, Ray. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. You mentioned Vincent Lopez's band. Whose gal singer was, who made her start? A young gal was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, dear, I don't know. Do With you, Vincent Ray? Lopez? With Vincent Lopez. I have no idea, but Ray's mm. looking it up. <laughs> I'll tell you in just a second here. Hold on, mm. just a moment. I'll right. tell you. Sensational. Mm. She made a sensation immediately and went on to greater heights in the movies. Oh, do you know who that is? Betty Hutton. Absolutely. Oh, yes. of course. <laughs> yeah, she was uh, She was the cutest little doll. She couldn't have been more than 17, 18 years old when she, remember, played the Shaperie in Chicago back mm-hmm. around 1938, 39. With the, mm-hmm. uh, How long was he at the grill room of the Taft in New York, do you think? The, uh, that I have no idea. I'm he must have been there for decades. Uh, but, oh, he was popular there, but yeah. uh, I was privileged to hear him with his theme song, Nola, all the time. And, sure. Uh, that was beautiful. But I just wondered how you felt. Uh, but as long as they did t- make a tribute to the women, and for for you, Ray, my wife threw in a few words here. Said your greatest show she that she enjoyed was with when you had Jack Jones on. Oh. Uh, wasn't he good? Oh. You know, uh, <gasps> yeah, let's that, talk about that. Yes, uh, Jack. Thank you very much for the call. It was my, thank you, say Jack. Say hello to your wife for me. Uh, at the Society of Singers uh, conclave uh, not too long ago, uh, singers got up and, and just talked. But there was one singer that gave one number and one number only, and that was uh, with a rhythm accompaniment, and his name was Jack Jones. And oh. he sang the title song out of his new album, I Am a Singer. Oh. And wasn't that sensational? It was an absolute moment. There was nothing ever I've never heard exciting. anything quite as dynamic as that, ever. Well, you and I were talking about the mm-hmm. fact that I don't believe I've ever seen a standing ovation start eight bars before a number is over. And it was by his peers, yes, folks, too. Yes, all of us were singers yeah. in the audience. Yeah. And he sang this number, I'm a Singer. And he threw his heart into it so much that all of us were in tears. Now, now the album... stood up before he even got anywhere near the that's end. That's right. The <laughs> album that he sings that on is great, but his in-person rendition of this was something I've never, you know, it, it, I had chills... Well, I saw him for a while afterward, and we talked about it. And he said he was carried away himself. In other words, he finally realized that Mm -hmm. he was in a room filled with all the greatest singers Mm -hmm. of our day. I mean, Mel Torme was there, um, Andy Williams. I mean, you can't name anyone that wasn't there, girls and men of our day. Dudley Moore came that night, remember? Mm -hmm. And uh, it just got to him about that that we were singers and he represented us. Well, he was sensational. And it was really, I'm, even as I tell you now, I'm all <laughs> chilled, aren't you? Yes, yes. <laughs> all right, let's uh, say hello to Mario in Kensington, Connecticut. Good morning, Mario. Good morning, Ray and Kay. Hello. Hi, listen, I just <clears throat> I want to ask you some, just a short comment first. What I don't like about today's rock group, in the old days they had real names like Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller. Now they have, like, the 1910 Fruit Gum Company and Blood, Sweat, and Tears. <laughs> nobody uses names anymore. And uh, it wasn't true in those days in New Jersey. They said you had to play Frank Daly's Meadowbrook to make it. Could you make it without playing there? 
And where, where else were the places where you, where you could make it? Barely. I have to admit that that was one of the stops. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you really arrived if you played the Cafe Rouge of the old Hotel Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. which later became the Stadler. Right. And then what was the place in um, St. Louis or somewhere that was like that, too, like a Meadowlark or something? That was another one that was a must. And... Um, of course, the Aragon and Trianon got all the big bands, too. Every one of them. Oh, and then the uh, colleges in um, Wisconsin mm -hmm. used to have the money in those days to have all these big bands for their homecoming games mm -hmm. and things like that. In fact, they used to have what they called the Battle of the Bands, where you'd have Benny Goodman on one side and Anson Weeks on the other so that you'd have a jazz band to mm -hmm. do. And, then we'd, and they had a trick then where they would get together and tell each other what key they were in, and as one band finished, the other one would just join in in the same key, and then just one of them go off the stand, and the other was just continuing so that the kids could stay on the dance floor the whole night, and they could afford that in those days. Hey, can I ask one more question? Sure, go ahead. Okay, uh, what kind of a band would you call the, the Blue Baron band? What kind of a band? Was he a dance band or a swing band or what? He was a dance band. Dance band? Mm-hmm. And what was his, uh, did he have a slogan... Wasn't he, wasn't he the one known as the, the, the baton master? I think so. I'm yes. sure. I couldn't tell you, but when you said it, it, it struck a bell with yeah. me. Well, I, you know, in my area, we get, I'm listening to WRCQE. They play the big bands all the day, and uh, I just love that, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, the Blue Barons were wonderful. Yeah. That was an orchestra. Yeah, Blue Band. How about Larry Funk? Do you remember Larry Funk, Larkin? Never heard of him. <laughs> he was the band that played a thousand melodies. That's what, that was his... Uh, that was his slogan, the band that played a thousand melodies. I'm sorry to say I really don't know that band. How about one more? Do you remember a fellow by the name of Tito Gazar? Uh-huh. I think, didn't he start with Eddie Cantor? I don't know. All I know is the name. Yeah. Great talking to you. Oh, Thanks. so nice to talk to you. Thank you, Thanks Mario. for the call, Mario. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. My guest is Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. Let's go to Williston, North Dakota, and Harold. Good morning, Harold. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Oh, thank you. Hey, you're from my hometown. I was born in Minot. Dear, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to ask you. Your father was Paul. Yes. Sure. My goodness, did you know him? Or did your father or somebody know him? Do you know that? We grew up at Minot's, my hometown, too, where I was born. Oh, my goodness. Well, I left there when I was just a little kid. I mean, about three or something. But you go down to South America. Oh, yes, and we went to South America, and I was there until I went to school. International Harvester. Oh, for heaven's sakes! Now, how do you know about that? Well, because my dad was. They were old buddies. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, listen, isn't uh, Peggy Lee from there too? Sure, Peggy Lee is from uh, from far, well, Jamestown. Yes. Yeah. Well, isn't this a small world? Darling, <laughs> <laughs> we visited your father. We were out to the coast in 1937 when he was at Portland. Oh, my goodness. And so Dad had to go down and see Paul. Oh, my goodness. My father left us just a few years ago, but he lived until he was 85. Yeah, mm -hmm. a good age. But, hey, we grew up together. Oh, I can't get over it. That's something. <laughs> it must be almost morning there where you are, isn't it? Honey, it is. Well, it's two hours, you know. Two. Only two. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to talk with you. Tell me your name again. 
Huh? Harold. Harold. Sorenson, S-R-E-N-S-O-N. Oh. I'll be darned. My goodness, what an unexpected treat. <laughs> Harold, thank you very much for the call. Thank you. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye, Kay. Goodbye. Bye, darling. <laughs> Just never know who's listening, right? Oh, isn't that something? So, Knew my father. So, I didn't know that you grew up in North Dakota. I didn't. I was only there till I was about three. Oh. And then my father was with the International Harvester Company. He was sent to South America. Mm. And so I was over there until I was, um, you know, ready to go to school. And then Did you learn back. Spanish there? Yes, I spoke nothing but Spanish. Really? Mm-hmm. And Lena's so mad at me because... I don't speak Spanish with her, but that's because <laughs> I learned a, 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 the kind they spoke in the area there. And then when I took it in school, it was Castilian, and it even kept me from learning. I remembered a different Spanish than I, they If taught. I recall the Castilian Spanish, you got to do it with a lisp. Yeah. <laughs> was that what it was? <laughs> anyway, I'm not very good at Spanish. <laughs> very good. Uh, we'll be back in a moment with Kay St. Germain. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC, Talk Radio 790. All Talk Radio 79 numbers end in the word talk, T-A-L-K. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. And in Orange County, the 714 area, 750. The 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520 and then talk. Right to Houston, Texas, and Margie. Good morning, Margie. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Well, you keep me up all night. Good. <laughs> that Ray Breen. Yeah, well, you know, if I got to stay up, you got to stay up, right? Right. Well, you were off for a while here, and I just nearly went crazy all night. <laughs> well, we, we got back on again. Yeah. Well, now you got some people down here staying up again. Well, anyway, I, I was so glad to hear this lady, but I really, I, I hate to say I may be a little bit younger, but... No, don't, don't Everybody's say. younger. <laughs> you know, but that's my mother's fault, I guess. <laughs> I'll blame it on her. Well, anyway, I used to go, I, I'm in Houston now, but I went to school in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And when I was a, a kid up there, I used to go to the... Marlboro Theater and the Senate, and of course I heard the Aragon and the Trianon all on the radio and everything. I was too young to go to the dances, mm -hmm. but I did go to those theaters, and I wonder if you remember a band, uh, a man's name was Paul Ash. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, he came from way, way back. He used to do the pit orchestras in the theaters. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, but I was a kid, and I could get in for 10 cents. <laughs> Oh, isn't that just amazing? I can remember when we used to, I used to go to the before 1 o'clock for 35 cents, and they had a movie and a stage show. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and comedies, cartoons, and... Short subjects, they called it. And Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> and you remember Robert Benchley's shorts? Oh, yes, and I... Oh, yes, and I'd stay for three shows at least. Uh-huh. <laughs> I used to go and time it so that I could see the Robert Benchley show and all the rest of the show and then see Robert Benchley again before I left. Oh, yes, that was wonderful. Oh, and Warner Brothers used to make short subjects of the singers in those days. Yes. I doing a doing a 15-minute a act. 
Well, mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, all these things. Do you remember the Duncan sisters? Oh, good Lord, yes. <laughs> oh, I, see, I can remember way back, too. So uh, I was a little bitty kid when I saw the Duncan sisters, and I well, thought they were so pretty. <laughs> the same age as you are then, but I remember seeing all those. And we used to have, they had a thing at the Marlboro VA or some kind of a doodad that you'd keep your end of your ticket. And I won. And one time they called out the number on my ticket, and I got to go up on the stage. They had a big box, and the kids could reach in and get a prize. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't care a thing about the prize. All I wanted was to be on the stage. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> and they couldn't hardly get me off. And, of course, all the kids that I went to school with were out screaming at me. You know, but I would not leave the stage. And oh, that's funny. That gentleman ushered me off. <laughs> You, but in the old days, we used to, these days we call that getting the hook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't have the hook uh, ready in time to get some of them off today. <laughs> oh, yes. At this luncheon where we were today, all the band leaders were supposed to talk three minutes so that everyone would get a chance, and some of them talked 15 minutes. And we didn't have a hook, did we, Ray? No. Well, thank you very much for the call, Margie. Um, the King sisters were there. Oh, wasn't that fun? Yeah, Alvino Ray, of course, on the bandstand. And Louise. Yep. You know, Ray, I was very, very close to the King sisters. They were at, with Horace Height at the uh-huh. Drake Hotel when uh-huh. I was at the Aragon with really? Anson. And after I'd finished, I, if we finished a half an hour earlier than they did, I would rush down to the Drake and watch the King sisters and even Frank Duvall, uh-huh. who was with them. And then we He's would our all president. Go out, yes. President of the Pacific mm-hmm. Pioneer Broadcasters, mm-hmm. and then we'd all go out and eat afterward, together, with the King Sisters. And one time, uh, when I was in radio out here, mm-hmm. uh, Alice decided that she would like to go on her own. Alice King, she was mm-hmm. called the Queen of the Kings. She mm-hmm. did most of the solos, mm-hmm. and uh, so she came out and lived with me here in Hollywood for a whole really? year. But the girls got a big job and asked her to come back, so she did. <laughs> Do you remember their song, Nighty Night? Oh, yes. When I was uh, playing they records... They closed the night every night. Yeah, yeah. When I was uh, playing records for the G.I.s uh, over in Korea, that was the closing theme. Mm. And I think it was Yvonne who said, Good night. Mm-hmm. You know, the little blonde one. Yes, yes. But the, the G.I.s love that. She's married to Bill Burke now. Really? Mm-hmm. Has been for several years. That's another group I want to get on the show here some night. Oh, We're gonna do nice it. to have them. Well, there were four of them there today. Yep. yep. Albino was on the stage, and mm-hmm. Louise, oh, I started to tell you, I used to stay overnight with the girls, sometimes mm-hmm. down at the Drake, because <clears throat> it'd get too late to go home, even with my evening dress. Then I'd take a taxi home with my evening dress the next morning, but we used to sit in the room and say, I think Louise and Albino are in love. <laughs> and they renounced it today. It was 50 years ago that they were married. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> my guest, Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. If you or a loved one has cataracts, now's the time to act. Wouldn't it be great to enjoy the new year with improved eyesight? Make a New Year's resolution today to make 1988 the best year yet. So don't delay. Call Dr. Kenneth Gordon, a renowned cataract surgeon who is trusted by thousands of Southern Californians. Dr. Gordon has been in practice for many years at 9735 Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills and is a founder of the Beverly Hills Eye Institute. He uses state-of-the-art equipment and offers the best of care to all patients. He knows how important personalized service is to senior citizens and handles each patient with the utmost care. Dr. Gordon accepts Medicare assignments, so give yourself the best gift of all. 
better eyesight, one of life's most precious gifts. Place your trust in an experienced surgeon that has helped so many people with cataract problems. Make this year one to remember. Call Dr. Kenneth Gordon at 272-3100. 272-3100. Sorry. Excuse me. Hey, watch where you're going. I'm sorry, but ever since I got this mini TV, I don't have to miss AM Los Angeles. So every morning you turn this street into an obstacle course? Well, yeah, but this way I don't miss a second of Steve Edwards and Christina Ferrari. You know, I like those two. Yeah, plus the latest in fashion. You are wearing a nice suit. Why, thank you. The finest in food. Uh, let me prepare one of their recipes for you tonight. Uh, no, I'd rather join you for AM Los Angeles now. On the Southland's number one morning show. Weekdays at 9, only on Channel 7. Yeah, Ooh, uh, look out. Oh, I'm sorry. Uncommon. Extraordinary. Unconventional. Not according to form or custom. Unique. Without another of the same kind. Unparalleled. No comparison. Provocative. Breaking the mold. Controversial. One of a kind. All these words define just one thing. The Southland's favorite magazine show. I on L.A. And only on Channel 7, of course. Do you have high blood pressure, angina, chest pains, or any other heart-related problem? If so, regardless of your financial status, this message is for you. Here's the opportunity to have specialized attention from qualified, certified doctors who will offer you individual, non-surgical medical supervision, including laboratory tests, chest x-rays, exercise testing, medications, complete physicals, and electrocardiograms. Now, these services are free of charge if you qualify. This is all part of an extensive, major pharmaceutical company drug research program. A chance to receive highly expensive treatment when you willingly participate in this individual program. And if you qualify, there's absolutely no charge to you. Call Century Park Research Associates for information without cost or obligation. They're board-certified cardiologists and internists. Call area code 213-553-0502. Someone out there cares about you, so call 553-0502. The Los Angeles Police Department and Unified School District present Mr. T for the D.A.R.E. program. I like kids. Kids that think for themselves. I got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is drugs. They're all over the place, on the street, in your school. The good news is that nobody can make you try pot and pills. When somebody offer you some, think first, then say no. Dare to say no. Dare. D-A-R-E. The Drug Abuse Resistance Education Program. 790. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then... Tom. I guess Casey Germain for about uh, three and a half to four years, the uh, featured vocalist with the Anson Weeks band. She also uh, sang with Gordon Jenkins, lead singer for uh, Meredith Wilson. And David Rose. Uh, with David Rose, yes, too? Yes, and of really? course now he does Highway to Heaven. Yes, I had David on the show here a really? year or two ago. Yes. Well, do you remember when David was honored at the PPP mm-hmm. while I was right. up on the dais? Right, I know that. To tell about uh, his having been an arranger for me. Uh, the way I did that was so funny. He was the arranger for Garden Jenkins, believe it or not. I didn't know that. And when Garden couldn't make my arrangements, he said, Kay, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to turn you over to a young arranger I think is very good. And I didn't like it one bit. 
that he was shoving me off into some <laughs> unknown. And then I went out to David's house, and he was married to Judy Garland at mm-hmm, that time. Mm-hmm. And he showed me his trains. You know, he's very famous for his trains. That's right. And, of course, he made an arrangement for me that was so sensational. These, these, these are, these are, <laughs> I didn't want to have Gordon do them anymore. These are trains that you can sit on and ride on. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Magnificent. Yes. Rooms full of them. Mm-hmm. And he still has them, I understand. He lives on the same street that uh, Jack and I lived on, Long really? Ridge. Mm-hmm. Love David Rose and his music. Oh, he's just great. You know, he's the one that wrote The Stripper. I think mm-hmm. most people know mm-hmm. that. But uh, I like his other things. And Holiday for Strings. Oh, of course. But uh, I like some of his more esoteric things, such as 4.20 a.m. and Serenade to a Lemonade and things like that. (laughs) Oh, yes, I'd forgotten some of those. And you know, Gordon Jenkins, Gordon, that reminds me of Gordon, too. I was with Gordon at the time that he was writing Manhattan Towers. Really? What a work. Wasn't that a beautiful thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, of course... You were on the um, the Eddie Cantor show for a couple of years. Remember my telling you before the show how when we went to New York to do the uh, Camel Caravan, he also decided to come back to Broadway because Eddie Cantor, of course, had been a big Broadway star. And his fans missed him so that he decided to come to the Palace Theater, the real famous Palace Theater. <laughs> and <clears throat> he took a young dancer from here with him to appear on that show mm-hmm. named Ann Miller. Really? She was 14 years old. Oh, for heaven's sake. And she and I lived together, and I got to know... My mother was with me, and her mother was Mm -hmm. with her, because we were both, you know, Mm -hmm. just starting out teenagers. And it was quite an exciting thing to watch her captivate that audience. You knew she was going to be a star just like that. And then we did the Camel Caravan from there, too. Of course, Mm -hmm. she wasn't on that, but... That was an interesting, thrilling experience for a young kid for me to do at that time. I'm sure. Marianne, good morning. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Well, good morning, Ray. Good morning. Good morning, Kay. Hello there. Good morning. I'm a former girl vocalist. Yes. I met you years ago. I was with Jack Teagarden. Do you remember <gasps> Will Osborne? Oh, of course. Will and Sonny Dunham. Oh, sure. And, uh, uh, Charlie Ventura and Jerry Fielding. And uh, I've been in retirement, and just recently, uh, a few years back, we ventured into a little cafe uh, to hear Charlie Ventura. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got up and sang with him, and uh, they asked me to join a big band out here in Orange County, made up of a lot of uh, the old uh, musicians, great musicians. Uh-huh. And uh, I've been doing some concert work, and I'll tell you, I'm just having a ball. Isn't it wonderful to come? You just never really lose it once you no. get doing it again. <laughs> Young 68. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. It's just fabulous to hear you and to hear the stories because they bring back so many memories. You must oh, be Marianne good. Dunn. Yes. Ah. <laughs> Marianne Dunn. And uh, recently, um, uh, they uh, revised uh, uh, the Jack Tea Garden. I replaced Kitty Callan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's when she went to the James Band? Right. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, they just uh, uh, put out the records, oh, I guess about two years ago, the uh, collector's items, and I'm on four, uh, four tunes, and it just thrilled me. And I've had more calls because out at KLON in Long Beach, uh, Jay Roebuck on um, 
uh, he uh, interviewed. And I'll tell you, I've met and talked to people that I haven't heard from in years. Isn't that neat? And uh, speaking of Patty Andrews, <laughs> next time you see her, tell her Marianne Dunn, when I was with Will Osborne, we toured with the girls, uh, oh, I guess about six or seven weeks. Mm -hmm. And Patty is so great. Oh, uh, she's just singing better than ever. <clears throat> I may see her at the uh, board meeting for the Society of Singers Monday, and I'll certainly tell her, Mary. Listen, uh, are uh, any of the girl vocalists allowed to uh, uh, join in or uh, become a member? I would love to. Oh, yes. That's what it's for, is the Society of Singers. All you have to do is, uh, let's see, how about writing here, Ray, and you could see that I get it or something. I'd send you a... I, uh, might, I might have an address of the Society of Singers. Oh, I have it right here. What's oh, yeah, the matter with me? It. Yes, all right. Of course I do. Just a minute, I'll tell you where to write. Oh, wonderful. And please join us. It's, we have wonderful functions that you can come up and do. Here we go. Let's see the address here. Um, by gosh, here it is. Uh, 1741 mm -hmm. North Ivar, I-V-A-R mm -hmm. Avenue, Hollywood, California, mm -hmm. 90028. Oh, I'll be glad to... And address it to the Society of Singers. Okay. It's Suite 118. Suite 118. Mm-hmm. And just ask for a uh, blank that you'd like to become a member, and they'll send it to you pronto. Believe me, we want members. Well, you know, uh, uh, just recently I've uh, been doing some uh, concert work with uh, Tex Panicky. Oh, not, great. Not his band, but uh, he uh, joined the big band that I'd been singing with. And uh, Abe and Sam Most mm -hmm. and uh, Jack Sheldon. And I'm just, you know, it's just, uh, I listen to Ray Bream. I've listened to him for years. Careful now. <laughs> You're going to date yourself. And you're a sweetheart, I'll tell you. He's the big teddy bear, right? <laughs> yes. Well, listen, I know you have other calls, but I did want to join in and say hi to you. Oh, I'm so glad you did, and I'm so happy you're going to be a member. I'll be meeting you soon then. Wonderful. Great. And thank you, Marianne. Thank you now. All right, bye. Bye-bye. My guest, Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. <laughs> Toothbrush has a tough job in front of it, cleaning out gaps and crevices. Tiny places where food can hide and decay. Only a quality brush can do the job right. An Oral-B toothbrush, on sale at Thrifty and Thrifty Junior for just $1.29. Soft-bristled Oral-B brushes come in a variety of styles and sizes for the dental needs of your entire family. Professionally designed for professional results, get Oral-B today. Does your skin tell time? Can you read the passing years with each new crease and wrinkle? Well, fight back with Nivea, the rich, revitalizing moisturizer that replenishes and restores your skin's natural beauty. At Thrifty and Thrifty Junior, get Nivea in 6-ounce cream, 12-ounce lotion, or 12-ounce extra-enriched lotion. Your choice, just $2.99. Get Nivea and stop the clock on your skin. You know, I can afford these trips more than ever before. Because with FHB Senior Plan, except for the cost of Part B Medicare, I don't pay any monthly premiums, and I get better coverage than Medicare provided. Is that a good one, Grandpa? Yeah, and if a fish bites, give it a yank. 
Yep, I'm hooked on FHB Senior Plan, and you can be too. Grab a pencil, because in a minute I'll give you a toll-free number to call. You see, thanks to a special government contract, FHB Senior Plan takes the place of Medicare and also provides extra coverage, including hospitalization and surgery. And it doesn't cost a dime more. Besides that, prescriptions are just $3, and doctor visits are just $5. Here they go, they got one. Get on the line, too. Call toll-free. 1-800-453-4000. That's 1-800-453-4000. Enrollment is limited, so call now. FHP Senior Plan. Premium health care without the premiums. Medicare Parts A and B required, as is the use of FHP's participating providers. Oh, what a weekend here on KABC. This afternoon at 5, we've got trivia time for you. Our trivia radio game show where you can win cash and prizes if you've got the right answers or even the right questions. This is Bill Smith. The time for trivia will be 5 this afternoon. Stick around 5 until 7. We'll spin the wheel. The trivia categories will change. Will you take the money and run or spin the trivia wheel again? We'll see when you stay with us for trivia time at 5 on KABC. Dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then talk. You know, uh, today, or now yesterday, at the uh, uh, Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters Luncheon, where we're honoring the big band uh, singers, male singers, and the big band leaders, uh, I, I I didn't know that Van Alexander uh, did the arrangement for Ella Fitzgerald's Tisket a Tasket. Not only did he do the arrangement, Ray, he wrote the song. Oh, he wrote it too? He wrote it with Ella when she was 17 years old. They I wrote did, it together. I didn't know that. <laughs> and then subsequently he did all her arrangements for, for her albums and everything. He, isn't that exciting? Really? I still, I can't help it. I love every girl singer that we know, <laughs> but Ella is still my favorite. Uh, something else. Don't you think she's oh. just the best? Uh, you know, the interpreter, I, I listen to her music, and I just wonder where this this mind of hers, you know, oh. creates this improvisation, the interpretation of the just song. Just like an instrument. Uh, exactly. You know, when she, when she does... Uh, um, you go to my head. And hide the, uh, hide hide the moon. A or two, you know. Mm -hmm. What an interpretation. But mm. you notice a little earlier in the program when you asked me how important is a lyric? Yes. She is the rare combination. So many what you call instrumental singers mm -hmm. are not that aware of the lyric. They they forego the lyric in order to get the instrument sound, sure, which is... Sure. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Mm -hmm. But Ella, if you noticed, oh. can knock you just off your chair mm -hmm. with the feeling of a lyric... And then the next minute she can go into that other stuff, mm -hmm. but then come right back to the meaning of the lyric. She's just a genius. I love her songbooks. Cole mm -hmm. Porter, mm -hmm. the Rogers and Hart, the mm -hmm. John A. Mercer, something else. Mm -hmm. All right, let's take a call from Carl in Herkimer, New York. Good morning, Carl. Good morning. Right. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Get on your show. You Hello. Bream, I'm a fan of yours. Good. And I would like to talk with your guest, Kay St. Germain. Hello there. Here I am. Uh, I have a couple questions I would like to ask. Fine. Uh, I have a cousin that played in the big band era. Mm-hmm. And he played with Johnny Long. Yes, I remember Johnny Long. His name was... Shanty in old Shantytown. Uh-huh. Dick Perry. Uh-huh. 
And do you remember the three D's that sang with him? Nope. Do you, Ray? Three D's? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure if they were uh, uh, with him. I did some da uh, some band remotes with Johnny Long. Uh -huh. uh, they used to play at the Terrace Room of the Hotel New Yorker. Uh -huh. And uh, I did a couple of broadcasts. I'm not sure if the three D's were with him at that time. Uh -huh. It's not familiar to me. Later, he he went with Skitch Henderson with the uh -huh. show. And he played on the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. Skitch had that for many years. He was the lead trumpet. Mm-hmm. So Doc Severinsen came in. Mm-hmm. And he replaced him, and he moved to the second trumpet, you know. Uh-huh. But what a lot of people don't know, he was a child prodigy on the drums. Huh. Four years of age. And he played in New York and Miami and Chicago at four years of age on the drums. Huh. That's what a lot of people don't know. He was one of the best drummers around. Hmm. And I saw Gene Krupa, I saw Buddy Rich, and I saw them all. But this, this kid, if he had stuck to the drums, he would have been the greatest drummer on, on earth. Oh, well, it's nice that you have that memory. I thought maybe you would, uh, you know, re I would like to refresh your memory if you remember this. No, I sir don't. I wish I did, but I'd have to I be. I saw all the big bands. I saw, you know, Benny Goodman. Uh-huh. And I saw, you know, the best there is. Did you know that, uh, did you know that Johnny Long uh, was probably the only successful left-handed violinist? No, I didn't know that. Yep. They, he was there today, yeah. Les Brown, uh -huh. and also his, uh, what's the, the comedian? Uh, Butch Stone. Butch Stone was there today, too, at this luncheon we've been talking about. Uh -huh. well, I've been listening tonight, and uh, it really, you know, got me going. <laughs> we got to give them a call. Bless your heart. I'm so glad you I'm did. The company in the family that played in the big time, you know? Uh-huh, you bet. Well, I bet you're proud. And I'm very proud. Uh-huh. Carl, thank you very much. Thank you, Carl. The only thing I want to say to you is that I love all of the music, musicians that are playing and, and have been playing for years. And I hope they don't quit. Oh, great. I second the motion. Me <laughs> Thank too. Thank you, Carl. Uh, let's say hello to Gil in Mound, Minnesota. Good morning, Gil. Hi, Gil. Yes, I'm calling from the hometown of Patty, Maxine, and Laverne. Really? Oh. And knew them, knew them many years ago when they first started uh, doing some vocals at the uh, opening of supermarkets when they were teenagers. <laughs> For those who don't know, that's the Andrews sisters you're talking right. about. Right. <laughs> And I uh, was wondering, are you aware of uh, Will Osborne? I heard, uh, uh, what's her name, mention Will. And uh, his vocalist, Dick and Dorothy Rogers. You got me on that. I remember Will Osborne, but not those two. Now we have to look that up, Ray. Yeah. Did you play any of the big hotels in St. Paul or Minneapolis? Uh, I don't think so. I think we played a one-nighter there, not a hotel. Uh, well, that was our we the uh, Terrace Cafe of the Greater Hotel Lowry. Oh, they all had those beautiful rooms with the big bands in those days. But as I remember it, and, we did only one. I know we were in all but two states uh, during my time of traveling one-nighters. I missed only two states, but I know we didn't play a hotel or I would now, remember who were you it. asking about? Pardon? I was asking about Will, Will Osborne. Yeah. Uh, he instituted the 
trombones. Almost everybody had a saxophone or a clarinet or something. But you were asking about uh, some singers. Oh, his singers were a brother and sister team of Dick and Dorothy Rogers. Mm. I still have their... Uh, you got it. I have a half a dozen of their records, original 78s. I've been collecting for about 60 years. So I have a lot of uh, original recordings of uh, on 78s. Do you know his most famous composition? I didn't know this until I just looked it up. Will Osborne? Yep. Uh, please pardon us, we're in love. He does that. No, but this, this was a very famous big band number. By Will Osborne. He wrote it, and other bands played it. Uh, no, I don't remember. Pompton Turnpike. Huh, oh. I didn't know that either. <laughs> How about that? Well, I, I uh, spent some time in Chicago during the World's Fair, 33 and 34. That goes back a year or two, and went to the Aragon and the Trianon. And, uh, but I was surprised to hear somebody else remembered Larry Funk. He was one of our favorite bands in the Twin Cities. That's that one I didn't remember. <laughs> there were so many bands that were regional bands. I'm surprised he didn't change his name. <laughs> uh, and the fellow was right. His theme song was uh, Here Are a Thousand Melodies. Mm -hmm. That's about uh, ten lines stanza, and I uh, happened to be singing some of it a couple of days ago. I'll be what, Whatever happened to Larry Funk and his band of a thousand melodies. Hmm. But he was on... Um, uh, late night, you know, CBS's late night um, big band shows mm -hmm. back in the 30s. Sure. And so he wasn't uh, a local, he was uh, mm -hmm. Eastern. Mm -hmm. But I certainly enjoy talking to you. Do, uh, do you know of uh, Will Osborne then? He, uh, oh, yes, sure. I remember Will Osborne's I mean, band. Uh, as of now, the present. No, no. Do you? No. Uh, I had a chance to uh, go to college in California, and so I danced to him at the Palladium a few times. Mm -hmm. But then uh, World War II interrupted, and yep. lost track of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Gil, I want to thank you very much for the call, and uh, let's go now to Jesse. Hello, Jesse. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Certainly been enjoying the show. I have to admit that I am of the TV generation, so I didn't get a chance to hear all those marvelous radio broadcasts that you've been talking about. But I just want to give a word of encouragement to you both that there are people of the younger generation who do thoroughly enjoy the music of the 30s. Oh, that's such such good news when I heard that. And I wanted to ask you, Kay, I have a relation who lives in the Northwest where you, you've spent a lot of time, mm -hmm. and her name is Margie St. Germain, and I'm wondering if you're any relation to her. No, I, I, isn't, I, that's an unusual name, and um, I'm sorry to say I don't have any relations. In other words, I was an only child, and both my parents are gone, so I'm sure that there's not a possibility. <laughs> the only St. Germain that I know up in Oregon is all the time I was going to school there, there was the St. Germain Cleaners. And on Saturday night, when I was just praying that some boy would call me for a date, the f I'm waiting for the phone to ring like all kids do. <laughs> Somebody would say, where's my suit? And I was so mad. <laughs> Try to call the St. Germain cleaners at home. <laughs> 
Well, Kay, you're, you're I love a it. delightful <laughs> person. And I, can't, I have a visual image of you as a light young girl, and I just can't imagine you being as old as I've heard alluded to on this. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I just wish you were in my... Call again soon, Jesse. <laughs> Where are you? I'll be right there. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Jesse. Thank you so much. My, 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 my guest, Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. Salamanca, New York, and Dick. Good morning, Dick. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Hello, Ray. No, uh, Dick. Dick. Hello. Dick. Oh, that's you. You're Ray. <laughs> I'm Ray. Call me Ray. <laughs> I've certainly been enjoy enjoying the program and all the talk about your singing and the big bands and the singers and so forth. And uh, I've always been a fan of the big bands and the singers mm -hmm. since I was about 10 years old. I'm 59 now. Mm -hmm. uh, someone earlier uh, asked about Blue Baron and his slogan, and uh, no one uh, seemed to know what it was. The slogan that Blue Baron uh, used was music of yesterday and today. Mm. Oh. The Blue Baron way. That's, now that sounds right. Bless your heart. I'm so glad you answered that for the chap that called. Where did the uh, slogan Dancing with Anson come about? Do you know? I... I don't know where that started, but I've heard it many times. Yeah. And the programs that I often listen to today, even, uh, uh, you'll still hear that slogan, Dancing with Anson, and they play music of Anson Weeks and all those. I listen, uh, I don't know if you want me to mention the programs that I listen to. Well, I don't we know. We don't care. It's all right. Oh, okay. Well, I listen uh, on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings to a program from Toronto, called Fresh Air. Mm-hmm. It has Bill McNeil and uh, used to be Cy Strange until he died. Now they have Alan Miller. You must be close to the border. Uh, yeah, well, we're about 60 miles south of Buffalo. Uh-huh. I'm from Buffalo originally. Um, and also, I often listen to WGN Chicago. Oh, that was my station I used to sing at in Chicago. That really brings back memories. On Friday and Saturday nights, uh, they have a, a program by Mike Rapcheck called Great Music from Chicago. Mm -hmm. and he plays the singers and the big bands and so forth. Very good. Mm -hmm. Dick, we're out of time. Thanks for the call from Salamanca. Thank you, Dick. Thank you. All right, bye. My guest, Kay St. Germain. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC. Talk Radio 790. Here, let me put this in the trunk. You didn't forget anything, did you, Susan? No, Daddy. Where are we going, Daddy? Susan is being kidnapped by her own father. Of the thousands of children abducted each year, over 90% are taken not by strangers, but by loving parents, convinced they're doing the right thing. Will we be there soon, Daddy? We're almost there now. But when the loneliness and pressure of life on the run catches up with them, many parents want to find a way out. Now there is one. All it takes is a phone call to a special hotline. 1-800-AWAY-OUT. Concerned people are waiting to help. So if you're in this situation or know someone who is, please call. The call is confidential. You don't even have to give your name. Hello. I'd like to speak to someone about a problem. Who are you talking to, Daddy? If you're looking for a way out, call 1-800-AWAY-OUT. A message from the Advertising Council and Child Find of America. KABC Los Angeles. Talk Radio 790. The voice of Southern California. <laughs> 
ABC News. I'm Mary Margaret Myers. Cuba has decided to stick with its communist ally, North Korea, and boycott the Summer Olympics in Seoul. Havana says it might reconsider if a way is found for the Games to be co-hosted by North and South Korea. A record 160 nations have so far confirmed they'll attend the Games. A report by the International Commission of Jurists in Geneva says a team sent to South Korea last spring found evidence of systematic torture. More from ABC's Lisa Rowland. The report disputes official South Korean statements that the use of torture and other maltreatment is a very rare exception. On the contrary, at least as recently as last spring, the report says torture in South Korea is quite usual, and it's practiced with the silent toleration of high-ranking officials in the government. According to the report, political detainees come under harsher treatment than other detainees. Investigative methods include beatings, water torture, and electric prodding. The report says some progress in human rights has been made in the past few months. Lisa Rowland, ABC News, Geneva. I'll have more after this. If you're a smoker who would like not to be, this may interest you. There's now a completely safe, highly effective, and very pleasant way to quit. It's called Easy Quit, the extraordinary artificial cigarette you smoke to quit smoking. That's what I said. But Easy Quit has no nicotine or tobacco, and you never light it either. Inside is a pleasant-tasting menthol formula insert. It freshens your mouth while it conquers your craving for the real thing. So you're holding a cigarette and you're puffing on a cigarette, but you're not smoking. And it works. Gene Bockel of Johnstown, Pennsylvania, had this to say about Easy Quit. I gave up smoking after using Easy Quit almost immediately. It was a godsend. Why don't you join Gene and the thousands like her who finally quit the Easy Quit way? Money back if you're not satisfied. Easy Quit is yours for just $10 plus $2 postage and handling. To order, send a $12 check or money order to Easy Quit, Box 1902, Burbank, California, 91507. $12 to Easy Quit, Box 1902, Burbank, California, 91507. Gary Hart was not only back in the pack, but at its head when the Democrats gathered for a live debate on public television in Iowa last night. Even though Hart has no formal organization in that state, he is far ahead in the polls, and he garnered much of the attention during the debate. Not all of it was positive. While Hart's competitors didn't bring up the Donna Rice scandal, the debate moderator asked him about his remark that if elected, he would not be the first adulterer in the White House. Hart responded by saying he was a sinner and that according to his religion, so was everybody. He then went on to attack what he called the moral bankruptcy of the Reagan administration for its treatment of the poor. After the debate, Iowa State Senate Majority Leader Bob Arnold was asked how it went. It was good to see all the Democrats uh, basically uh, being kind to each other. Um, they took the gloves off on the issues and at the same time showed a lot of respect for each other as candidates and trained their tough shots at, at Reagan and Bush and Dole and the Republicans. Iowa Democrats hold their caucuses February 8th. The widow of the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is less than impressed by the nation's politicians, no matter what their political stripe. In 1988, black Americans are treated as non-entities and written off by the Republican Party and are taken for granted by the Democratic Party, even though we provided 30% of all the Democratic votes in the 1984 presidential election. Coretta Scott King gave her annual State of the Dream address in Atlanta, commemorating the 59th anniversary of her husband's birth. King's birthday is observed with a holiday Monday, and Mrs. King said it must be a day of nonviolent action, a day of getting involved in the struggle against poverty, racism, and violence. A march for the nation's poor and homeless people 
begins in California today. The group plans to wind its way through major U.S. cities before winding up in Washington, D.C. next November, one day before Election Day. In Rome Friday, Abu Nidal went on trial for the terrorist attack on Rome's airport in 1985 that left 16 people dead. American journalist Victor Simpson told the judge how he tried in vain to save his 11-year-old daughter from the Grenadian rifle attack. She was killed. Simpson suffered a bullet wound in the hand, and his son Michael was wounded in the abdomen. The little girl was one of four Americans killed. More than 70 people were wounded. This is ABC News. Monday starts National Pizza Week. And so pollsters asked some of the presidential candidates what kind of pizzas they like. Jesse Jackson said he goes for vegetarian style. Pat Robertson likes it with pepperoni and mushrooms. Albert Gore rents movies and orders pizza twice a month with his family. Gary Hart likes a deep dish pizza with sausage and mushrooms. Richard Gephardt likes extra cheese and pepperoni. Alexander Haig used to slip away from the Secret Service when he was in the Reagan cabinet and sneak out Sunday afternoons for pizza with everything. Michael Dukakis likes his Greek style. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Mary Margaret Myers. Here, let me put this in the trunk. You didn't forget anything, did you, Susan? No, Daddy. Where are we going, Daddy? Susan is being kidnapped by her own father. Of the thousands of children abducted each year, over 90% are taken not by strangers, but by loving parents, convinced they're doing the right thing. Will we be there soon, Daddy? We're almost there now. But when the loneliness and pressure of life on the run catches up with them, many parents want to find a way out. Now there is one. All it takes is a phone call to the special hotline. 1-800-A-WAY-OUT. Concerned people are waiting to help. So if you're in this situation or know someone who is, please call. The call is confidential. You don't even have to give your name. Hello. I'd like to speak to someone about a problem. Who are you talking to, Daddy? If you're looking for a way out, call 1-800-A-WAY-OUT. A message from the Advertising Council and Child Find of America. KABC, Talk Radio 790. This is Talk Radio. I am Ray Brain. We're talking about uh, the days of the big bands. And with us... Well, Kay St. Germain, who sang with the big bands, Anson Weeks to be exact, and it was Kay St. Germain who introduced a song, a beautiful song, to uh, the record industry. It was the first time on record, and the song was... Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. song and how old were you Kay when you sang that well that was just within the few first few months I was with the band so I was 16 you were 16 <laughs> it sounds like it too doesn't it yeah. so innocent oh my goodness it isn't quite the same as Garfunkel's record <laughs> or is it Simon I've forgotten but anyway slightly different yes great song I love that song though. yes you know um remember I told you that um oh what's his name with Ruby Keeler um uh, was married to uh, June Allison. We just talked about him. He introduced it in a movie. Powell. Oh, Dick Powell. Dick Powell introduced, sang that yeah. in a movie. And then in those days, you would make the recordings from the mm -hmm. movie mm -hmm. on records. So that's who really actually introduced it in film. Mm -hmm. And I did the but first recording. But you recording. did the first mm -hmm. recording of mm -hmm. I Only Have Eyes for You. Great song. Uh, 
my my son is a rock and roller, and uh, <laughs> I was playing it one day for one of the guys in the rock and roll band. He says, "Gee, that's a great new song." <laughs> <laughs> I ask him, do you like these standards? He says, what's a standard? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I wish do you I have, could. Do you have some favorite songs? Oh, yes. What are they? I'm crazy about almost anything by Rodgers and Hart. Oh. You know, all the great... Actually, I love all kinds of music how from about, our how, era. How about Cole Porter? Love them. Love them. And, of course, I've become very fond of Sondheim's music, oh, although it isn't yeah. our, what you and I call our music. Oh, well, it's still it. I love it. I but, love you see, it's because lyric is so important mm -hmm. to me, and he has such a story in every lyric. In fact, I have been fortunate enough to go from singing, although band singing and bands are still my favorite thing. I'm a girl singer at heart, no matter what my age is. But I've been fortunate enough to be invited and asked to work in some musicals. And one of them was uh, Stephen Sondheim's Follies which I did in the theater recently for mm. about four months. Really? Mm-hmm. And that was exciting. And I think I told you I played Miss Hannigan and Annie mm -hmm. and did that kind of singing. Did you like Annie? Yes. Miss, playing Miss Hannigan, the old drunk, was just a, <laughs> <laughs> just a delight. But I wanted to tell you, Ray, about how I feel about band singing. A few years ago, I had a chance to do a Broadway musical, to go to Broadway. Mm -hmm. And we tried out in Boston. It was very successful, and I got wonderful write-ups. I was very well-received in this part, something that Betty Garrett wasn't able to do, mm -hmm. and I took it over. But when we were in, Bo in uh, Boston, it was New Year's Eve, and Lester Lannon's orchestra from New York was brought down to do the, um, you know, New mm -hmm. Year's Eve thing. And I was asked, our whole cast was staying at that hotel, so we were there, and I was asked to get, somebody heard that I had been a big band singer, so they asked me to get up and sing, and I sang two or three numbers, and I went to bed crying that night, because it was touched me so much when I realized that that was the happiest I had been in months, was singing that two numbers with that orchestra. In other words, that this is where my heart is, and it still is. All right. <laughs> Now, you sang with Anson Weeks. If you'd had an opportunity, what band would you have liked to have also sang oh, with? Oh, well, that's easy. You see, I loved being with Anson Weeks. I was honored and loved mm -hmm. it. But he was a um, determined to keep everything on the beat. In other words, commercial, uh -huh. you uh -huh. might say, uh -huh. danceable. Right. I always wanted to be a jazz singer because I know you've heard of Art Tatum. Oh, yeah. Well, when I was a little girl... Art Tatum taught me how to sing jazz in Portland, Oregon. Art Tatum? Mm -hmm. Yes. Taught I you. sat on the piano bench with Art Tatum when I was about nine years old. And he said, Sing for me, child. I was taken to him. They thought I was a one, some musician thought I was a wonderful singer and took me to Art Tatum. Later, when I was with Anson Weeks in Chicago, Art Tatum was playing at the Three Deuces, which is a little jazz uh -huh. place, a late night place. And I came into that room and reminded him, I'm the little girl named Catherine, my name was then, not Kay. Mm -hmm. And he remembered the song, and I started to go into the Three Deuces with the King Sisters every night after work and sing with him. Now, isn't that a neat mm. memory? What big band would you have liked to have been what with? What big band? I think I would have liked to have been with Benny Goodman. So when Art Lund was talking about his Benny Goodman days, mm -hmm. I, I guess you were really uh, yes. interested in what that he had to say. Yes, that was my idol, Benny Goodman's orchestra. 
was the orchestra I would have liked to have been with because I wanted to have that jazz feeling. Mm -hmm. Although I would never give up having been with Anson. It was interesting what he had to say about uh, perfection in the Goodman Band mm -hmm. and how he let people go. <gasps> Wasn't that shocking? <laughs> I didn't know that. But for the benefit of the audience, what he was saying is that Benny Goodman was such a perfectionist that he would hire some great musician, let's say, to be in the saxophone section. And, and he, a few he, he weeks, talked about Stan Getz. Yes, Stan Getz specifically. <laughs> But for some reason, a few nights or weeks later, he would say, I'm sorry, I have to let you go. You don't fit into the section. It just wasn't the right sound for him. No matter how great they were in their own right, they had to blend mm -hmm. with this perfection sound that he needed. Or he used to let them just drop like flies. It's amazing. Something? Great story. Yeah. All right, let's take a call. We have Lou on the line from Rancho Mirage, California. Hello, Lou. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Hi, Lou. Hi. I, I, I knew you well. I used to go dancing at the Peacock Court every Friday and Saturday night of my life. <laughs> and I'm, I'm writing you this little melody. Do you remember that song? <gasps> well, that was, of course. Theme song. That was his theme song. Anson wrote that. That's right. I used to know Pete Filling. Henry Gilbert, Henry King, weren't they all with the band when you sang? Absolutely. That was just exactly when I joined. They were with the band. And do you remember that Tuck Me Into Sleep, Tuck Me Into Sleep, which Pete sang at the end with the uh, trio? Yes. At the uh, closing every night? Closing every, I was there. Uh-huh. I remember when Fritz was a Mater D. Yep. And remember the balloons and the monkeys? <gasps> yes, I was going to tell Ray about that. They the had, balloons and the monkeys? Yes, they had balloons. Well, you go ahead and tell them. Oh, you tell them. You remember. I'm listening. They had little monkeys uh, that they would drop down at a certain time in the evening, didn't they? And your damn near got killed uh, trying to get one of the monkeys. They dropped them for people to grab them off the dance balloons floor to take home real, with them. Real monkeys? Oh, not oh. real monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> stuffed. Stuffed. <laughs> no, stuffed monkeys. I don't want to take any monkey home. <laughs> Uh, most of the boys in the uh, band dead today. Pardon me? Is Griff still alive? Uh, no. I didn't think so. Pete filling? No, I, I remember when Pete died. And uh -huh. Gilbert's dead? Yep. Oh, it just shuddered to think how many are gone. Those were the days you could go da dinner dancing for three and a half. I know. You could go four of you together and have dinner and dance all evening at Pete Court, uh, right. Peacock Court for about $10. <laughs> Right. Well, he still had the greatest dance band that ever lived, and I've got all his records. That's right. That's what I was telling Ray before we started on the air tonight, that it was definitely the best dance music, and every orchestra leader will still say that today, that he had the best dance rhythm of anyone. Whatever happened to his son? Jack. Yeah. Well, all I know is that Anson had a band in San Francisco uh, called at the Palace, mm -hmm. called the Palace Corner, and Jack was on bass with him, marvelous bass player. But what has happened to him since, I don't know. I just assume he's just fine. And your competition at that time was Loughner and Harris at the same Francis with Merv Griffin on the vocal. I know. Merv Griffin was the vocalist. That was before Freddie Martin. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going back. I'm 75, so I'm going back a few years. Yeah. When you're talking about things that I, you know, remember hearing about the, yeah. the, those days, I didn't know the Loughner and Harris band, but I heard about them. Lou, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Right, thank bye -bye. you. Good luck. My guest, Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. Norm's really went after the world traveler when they came up with their super breakfast specials from only $1.29. Norm's? Norm's restaurant? Sure. 
I summer at the beach, and I count on Norm's. Huntington Beach, Long Beach, Santa Monica. And Norm's has their super breakfast specials. Monday through Friday from 4 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. What about winter? There's no Norm's in Aspen. Oh, too cold. I winter in Orange in Costa Mesa, where I know I can get into Norm's for a super breakfast special, and there's no snow. That's right. Norm's is in Anaheim and Santa Ana, too. And then there's springtime in San Gabriel. And just like Norm's in Huntington Park and Lakewood and Torrance, they have super breakfast specials from $1.29. Don't you miss Norm's when you go shopping in London and Paris? I shop on Rodeo. And there's a Norm's on Pico and one on La Cienega. With super breakfast specials from 4 to 11.30 a.m. I enjoy the ponies at Hollywood Park and eat at Norm's in Inglewood. There's a Norm's in Van Nuys. What do you do in Van Nuys? I don't know. What would you do in Van Nuys? In Lakewood, Norm's is on Lakewood Boulevard south of the 91 Freeway. Engineers, imagine sometime in the not-too-distant future, a U.S. Navy submarine patrols in silence under the bitter cold reaches of the North Pacific, doing its job and making state-of-the-art history that began with you. On Saturday, January 16th, Singer Libroscope is inviting engineers and software specialists to a career open house that figures to make history. For four hours, from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m., Singer Libroscope will be discussing the SSN-21 Seawolf submarine and their challenge to equip it with the most sophisticated combat system ever. Yes, they'll be looking for the team to build it. Engineers experienced in systems, circuit design, and packaging, as well as software design and configuration professionals. The Singer Libroscope Career Open House. To join the team, you've got to be there. 833 Sonora Avenue in Glendale. Details in last Sunday's Los Angeles Times Classifieds. Singer Libroscope is an equal opportunity employer, U.S. citizenship required. Everyone has a bad habit they'd like to break. Next week, we'll meet the expert who'll help you do just that. Hello there, I'm Michael Jackson. Hopefully our daily four-hour get-together is a good habit to enjoy and to feed that habit in the week ahead. We'll offer up interesting topics and fascinating conversation to inform and entertain. From a Soviet scientist who will fill us in on just what they know to an hour dedicated to dealing with impossible teenagers. Spend some time with us in the week ahead. I'm Michael Jackson, back at it live Monday, right here on KABC. 520, followed by Talk, T-A-L-K. All Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word Talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay Area, 679, and the San Fernando Valley, dial 990, and then... Let's go talk. to Paradise, California. We have Jim on the line. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Ray. I just have a question for you and one for the two of you. All right. Hello, Jim. Hi, Kay. I remember you well. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, the first question is for you, Ray. I know you're a Thornhill fan. Oh, Claude Thornhill. Oh, uh, oh. And I wonder if you remember back, oh, in the... About 1940 or 41, when he put out a record called Portrait of a Guinea Farm. No, that I'm not familiar with it. Thing. It was one of the progressive type things that mm. wasn't usual for him, but I have a record of it. But Autumn Nocturne, how about that one? Yeah, sure. I remember most of his stuff. And uh, I have one other question for either one of you. Uh, whatever happened to the Dinning Sisters? <gasps> Haven't heard that name in years. What about you, Ray? No. I have haven't. no idea what happened to them. Boy, they were good. I was playing an album today uh, of the four lads, and they did one album uh, back in the late 50s while Claude Thornhill was still alive with the Claude Thornhill backing, and it's so great. Yeah, that, that, oh. Oh, that, that, it, that was the, 
But, you know, his theme song, Snowfall... Yeah? When, and I did a couple of dance remotes with him from the Cafe Rouge of the Statler, the old Hotel Pennsylvania. And uh, when, when that theme would come on, and then that blast of the brass, you know... Uh-huh. Oh, I mean, it gives me shivers. Mm-hmm. I think he had the most beautiful theme song of any band leader. Well, beautiful. For my money, he was the best band that ever was. <laughs> You know, uh, all of his recordings uh, that he did for RCA Victor have been reissued in an LP form. Boy, maybe we'll get some. Two, two LPs put together. Hmm? Are they available on tape? I don't know, but uh, it's been redone, and uh, the quality has been enhanced, and it's really very, very good. Yeah, that, that should be great. Yep. Uh, one other thing. Uh, I remember that I knew Dick Powell when he was a master of ceremonies at the old Enright Theater in Pittsburgh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he had just come out of uh, uh, Arkansas. Huh. (laughs) I think his first major job. Uh. That was the Stanley Theaters, which was Warner's, and that's how he got to Hollywood. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you for... Listen, i got to ask you this question. Yeah. How are things in paradise? Real good, and uh, the QRM is real low, right? Oh, I see. you got a ham here. Oh, yeah, 57 years of it. Oh, my. Oh. Well, 73 to you. Yeah, yeah, 73, and thanks a lot. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. A little ham talk there. We'll right. be right back with K. St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. Hello, Bill. You're on with K. St. Germain. Good morning, uh, Catherine. Well, (laughs) (laughs) haven't been called that all day. (laughs) I'm worried about my suit. When will it be ready? Oh, (laughs) the St. Germain cleaners. (laughs) (laughs) You must be from where, Oregon, or are you just kidding me? I'm from Nebraska. Oh, my. Played my not in all places. (laughs) There was a guy named Carl that came on a few minutes ago from Herkimer. Uh-huh. And I wrote a song about Herkimer. It's called Mother's Day, but it's really about cannibalism in upstate New York. Oh, <laughs> how charming. Yeah. I love a light song. Yes, it is. My <laughs> is from Herkimer, and that's where I, I almost fainted that there was anybody left in that town. <laughs> Her name is uh, Patty Gray when she was there. It's Patty Kelly now. She's... We're about kind of semi-famous around here, so uh-huh. we'd like to invite you to uh, come to the Big Band Leaders Association that meets at the Variety Arts the first Thursday of every uh, month. Mm, I belong to the Variety Arts. Do you? Mm-hmm. The, you mean here in L.A.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do you do on Thursday nights? Well, Thursday at noon, they have a uh, luncheon, mm-hmm. and everybody just gets up and tells what they've been doing, and... They, a lot of guys now uh, play on ships and things like that, and they come they back and they tell about their trips, and Jake Hanna and some of them go to Europe. And, and, oh, I didn't know about that. I must come join you sometime. First Thursday. Mm-hmm. Well, great. I'll call Milt Larson. And I have a, a couple of pictures here. One, it says that you were the original singer with the Gene Goldcut band. Nope. Well, no, I I never heard of him. <laughs> he's a, he, uh, that's a little humor there because he's the guy that started all the big bands. Oh, really? Everybody that ever was anybody played with him. Oh, and uh, well, somehow I missed out on that. <laughs> yeah. I met him a few times. Ben Pollock used to have a place here called the Pickerib, and he'd go in there, but mm-hmm. 
He's been gone for a few years. And then I have another, I, I have a real picture here of the Van Alexander Band with uh, Hal Pelsinger and uh, Butch Stone and I think there's a high note trumpet player named uh, Horowitz that used to scream down the Atlantic, well, the Atlantic City Pier, uh, the Steel Pier. And I think the Andrews sisters sang with him a little bit. Hmm. Well, Bill, we have to leave you, but thanks for the call. Okay. Thanks right. so much. Bye-bye. My guest, Kay St. Germain. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC. Talk Radio 790. All Talk Radio 79 numbers and in the word talk, T-A-L-K. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. And in Orange County, the 714 area, 750. The 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520. And then talk. All right, let's take a call now from Ed. Good morning, Ed. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Yeah, this is Ed from Rancho Mirage. Hi, Kay. Hello there, Ed. Hi, Ray. How are you? Real well. I won't ask you how you are. You've probably been asked that about a thousand times this evening. <laughs> uh, you've known me over the past several years as a fast Eddie. We've had uh, questions and debates in regards to trilateral and a bunch of other goodies, but I'm really happy that you have Kay on your show. I wanted to also, I'm beginning to lose my voice, excuse me if you will, wanted to say hi to Lou. Uh, I'm over here at uh, Sunrise Country Club at uh, 1 Valencia on the 7th Fairway, and I'm sure he's one of my neighbors down here, but <laughs> I'm making this call by proxy, and uh, it's to Kay from uh, Ernie Rudy. Oh. He, uh, he was, uh, and I have to beg to differ with uh, one of your earlier callers that had mentioned that Gene Krupa was the world's greatest drummer. I think Ernie Rudy, uh, I know Ernie Rudy is the greatest drummer that there ever was. Uh, he was with Sammy Kay for 18 years, and then he spun off in the early 50s. I'm just pushing 40 myself, but uh, I have a great love for uh, early jazz. Mmm, good. Uh, Ernie was going to be my best man, uh, although my lady and I have decided not to be married. Uh, Ernie and I are still very close friends, and we're next-door neighbors. Uh, we share the golf balls and what have you, but, boy, he's had so many neat things to say about you, Kay. Well, that's uh, great. Thank him for me. Oh, my goodness. I'll be seeing him tomorrow. I really I really did want to wake him up this early in the morning and, and tell him that you were on the program, but I didn't think that would be too cool. Also, I golf with a fellow by the name of Avern Threlkeld. He was uh, one of the few real neat jazz clarinetists back in the uh, 30s, 40s. Uh, with uh, Duke Ellington. Mmm, couldn't be a better band. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. You know, he has sat down, we we sit for hours, and he explains, uh, uh, you know, what what the period was actually about. I mean, it was, there was a whole lot of glamour and a whole lot of fun, but it was a tough time out there, too. And, and I really, really have to congratulate you, and uh, I'm really impressed, you know, that you made it through that period. And <laughs> And here, and here I am, <laughs> still doing it any time I get the chance. I was just telling Ray that uh, with all the stage work I do, if some band asks me to uh, <clears throat> go sing with them somewhere, I'd just say, well, what time do we go? And I don't care whether they pay me or not. <laughs> well, listen, I'll let you people uh, 
get on with the show here. Ray, it's really a pleasure being on. All right. Thanks for the call, Ed. Thank you. God bless you. Take care. God bless you, Same too. Same to you. Bye. My guest is Kay St. Germain. She was uh, the featured vocalist with the Anson Weeks Band. And, of course, uh, that uh, logo, that slogan was Dancing with Anson, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's take another call. Uh, let's say hello to Chuck in Stratton, Colorado. Hello, Chuck. Good morning, Ray. This is a pleasant uh, change from the Persian Gulf and Lebanon and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we ought to do this a couple times a week. Okay, uh, I'm uh, I, to, to give you my time frame, I, well, my next birthday I'll be 67. Mm-hmm. I graduated at a high school in Cleveland. Our best baritone horn player and trombonist was Don Rupertsburg. He wound up with Charlie Barnett. Yes. Got burned out at that dance hall that burned down in Los Angeles, the name of which I can't think of. Uh, Palomar. Palomar, that's right. Mm-hmm. Old room at the Palomar, mm-hmm. he called it. Uh, how about Blue Baron? There's an oldie from back east. Yes, we've been talking to three or four people about him tonight. I turned the radio. I just come to work to relieve my wife. We have an all-night convenience store, and that's how I listen to Ray all the time. It's great entertainment. Let me in- just interrupt you long enough to tell you that one of my fondest memories of singing with Anson Weeks was we were at the Carter Hotel in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. And they had the most beautiful room, and people just stormed that place to hear us. It was so much fun being there. When the the Foundryman's Conventions were in Cleveland, we always had the vice presidential suite on the mezzanine, because it was a better suite than the presidential. I'll be darned. It was was all Archer Daniels Midland Company. Uh Uh-huh. Eddie Howard in Chicago, and Mm -hmm. a young salesman there, over at the, I think it was the Trianon, on the north side. Uh huh. And uh, when I was first married after World War II, we used to go to Helsing's Vaudeville Lounge on North Broadway and watch Mel Torme when he was breaking into the business. Oh my gosh, and I'd that forgotten that. Back, the Velvet Fog. Mm-hmm. He's just better than ever now. Yeah. And when I was a junior at USC, we had our junior senior prom out at the Beverly Hills Hotel with Glenn Miller live and all the, you know, all mm-hmm. cast of characters. Used to go to the Coconut Grove and have a turkey dinner and all the trimmings and a couple of drinks and dance to Freddie Martin and the Martin Men and have change left from a $10 bill. <laughs> and, li- and listen to Merv Griffin sing. Yeah, and then <laughs> over around on 8th Street to the 888 Club and listen to Nat King Cole play the piano uh, Oh, my gosh. Draft beer. 15 cents a go with Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole's trio used to be across uh, the street from NBC on Vine Street Right. when I first started. I worked for Fox and MGM as an extra because after Pearl Harbor, all the men disappeared, and those of us who were still on campus got to work in the flicks, and I played in a little get-up band with Tommy Walker, the old drum major of SC, who put on the, the Olympic opening and closing ceremonies in L.A. Hmm. And also uh, some of the music for the... Uh, the celebration of New York and the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tommy gee. Walker. He was our old drum major. Uh-huh. That goes back a few. <laughs> nice visiting with you. Uh, I have a question. Where is Stratton, Colorado? Stratton is a small farming community on Interstate 70, 32 miles west of the Kansas border. Ah, uh, I see where you are. We're Got it. We're 152 miles from Mile High Stadium where the Broncos are going to thrash my old Cleveland <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm going to give them fits. Everybody's got slingshots and they got uh, puppy chow and they're going to use slingshots <laughs> and pop them on the helmets with puppy chow. <laughs> we'll show those brownies. We're going to have a 48 degree day. 
The sun will be shining. Those great Canadian geese will be circling over Sloan Lake in the background, and we're going to love it. All right, Chuck, thanks for the call. Thank you, Chuck. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. My guest, Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. To Sun City, Arizona, and Ed. Good morning, Ed. You're on with Kay. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Good morning. Those fans. Good morning, Kay. I just wanted to tell you that one of the first dates that I had with my present wife was in 1939 when Anson Weeks and Frankie Trumbar played a battle dance at the Coliseum in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh. This year, in October, we celebrate our 47th anniversary. Congratulations. We're delighted, Ray, that you have this kind of a program. I've heard you many times. Please keep up the good work. Oh, uh, yeah, we, we corner some of these people. I, I, I struck the mother load there yesterday. I've got all kinds of phone numbers, and I promise to have uh, people such as Andy Russell. Mm-hmm. I got a commitment from Art Lund. So we have some nice people coming up. Very fine. Thank you very much, Ed. Talking to both of you. All right, take care. Thank you, Ed. Bye-bye. And let's say hello to uh, Frank. Good morning, Frank. Morning, Ray. Good morning, Kay. Well, good morning to you, Frank. Good to hear you. I just got off work, and I was driving home in my car, and I heard you, and I thought, oh, how delightful. <laughs> seen you since the big, no, uh, the singers' reunion in November. Yes. Carmelita, you always sit at our table at the big band reunion. Oh, Frank, for heaven's sakes, you're Frank Wayne. Yes. Oh, for goodness sake. Say my last name. I'm trying to keep Carmelita up. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said your name, huh? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is great. Ray, I'm glad you have uh, all these big band people on your show. It's the best thing you do out there the crazy on the other night. You know, Frank's a great singer himself. Yes, he is. Oh, darn right. Yeah, you should come out and sing with us sometime if you're not doing anything. Where? Where? Well, I work at... I'll be there. (laughs) I work at a place called Barbados in Woodland Hills. It's just off uh, the Ventura Freeway. You turn off one on Winnetka. Well, good. Listen, I'll give you a call at home and make arrangements for this. Uh, You know, I've been playing bass and singing with Gus Bavona for about the last 10 years. Yes, Gus was at the luncheon today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, You know, oh, I'm so glad to hear that because... you know, Gus's wife passed away last year. I know. Ruth, and, uh, gosh, I've been trying to tear him out of the house. <laughs> now, who did Ruth sing with? Uh, oh, she sang with Joe Venuti, and she sang with Charlie Barnett. That's right. And she sang that's with right. Jan Sabbath. And I think uh, this is where Gus met uh, Ruth, was with the Jan Sabbath band, and they got married. Wasn't that touching at her funeral? Rather than having sad music, they had her recordings from the I bands was, uh, right? playing. It was so sweet. Oh, you know, uh, Gus's son works at NBC. He's an mm-hmm. audio-video technician there, and he uh, fixed that tape. And he has his own recording studio in his home. Mm-hmm. And he uh, made that tape, and I thought, gee, how delightful. It, you know, yeah. much better than all this sad <laughs> organ music they usually Yes, and what I loved is that they had a beautiful big frame picture of her in her band singing a gown instead of some mm. sadness. It was just beautiful. Sounds great. Frank, thank you very much for the call. Thanks, My guest Frank. is Kay St. Germain. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC, Talk Radio 790.
If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word TALK. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then... Case uh, St. Germain is my guest. We were talking about the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters luncheon yesterday where they honored uh, the male big band singers and the big band leaders. And there's one thing I think we all agreed, uh, and he ought to market it, whatever it is. Ray Anthony has discovered the fountain of youth. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Doesn't he looks like Cary Grant? <laughs> he does. What did he they say? He looked more like Archie... Uh, <laughs> Leach than Cary Grant did. <laughs> he did. He's just, he just so young looking. Age. Gosh. And, you know, he he has this um, a great uh, big band library, uh, Aerospace Records, and uh, he take, gets the masters from the various uh, record companies that no longer, you know, want to do anything with them and redoes them. And he's got this great library of uh, big band albums. Mm-hmm. Right. Probably the biggest one available anywhere. Speaking of youth, though, Andy Russell was there today, too. Oh, yeah, wasn't and he? And one of the other band leaders got up and said, yeah. um, we have a, a news about Andy Russell. Yesterday, he got his first wrinkle. <laughs> but he does look about yes. 38 years old. Yeah. And he has to be, you know, way up there to have done what he did. Indeed. Besame Mucho was his big hit. And, and I was into my favorite haunt where they have rare records and uh, out-of-print records. Not one Andy Russell record oh, out at God. Music and Memories. And he said, we're trying to get hold of Andy Russell records. Everybody wants an Andy Russell record, and there aren't any available. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isn't it neat that they have a resurgence of popularity, uh, these guys? Got to get him on. I'm going to say, you know, put some pressure on the record companies and get them released. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's a big demand. Did he after. do Capital Records? Because um, one of the King sisters is married to Jim Conkling, who right. was the head of Capital, right. and maybe he could do something for him. Maybe after he's been. I don't the... think anybody can do anything with the current uh, executives at the record companies. They don't realize what they have in their archives. All they dwell on is the new records. Huh? Are the new records, the new acts, and they license it out to the Japanese and the Italians and the Germans and the Dutch and the English mm -hmm. to release the old stuff if they want it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in Holland a few years ago. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've been there many times because um, my husband's work was there. And they are nuts about big band music. Oh, yeah. Just crazy. And that's why they reissue these things mm -hmm. under license. But, uh, you know, as far as the companies domestically putting them up, they, they, they don't care. Mm -hmm. they, they have no appreciation for it. Because the executives are young guys mm -hmm. that come that came up in the rock era, and that's all they, they worry yeah. about is the contemporary stuff. Right. So it has to be just demanded of them before yes. they'll right. put in the supply. Right. 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 Well, we'll have that happen soon. <laughs> Let's go to Minneapolis and John. Good morning, John. You're on with K. St. Germain. Yes, sir. I, I, when I lived in Milwaukee, I, on Sunday, stayed there. All those uh, ball, famous bands that, that, that you mentioned in one year... You didn't mention was Jimmy Joyce. You ever hear of him? Oh, yes, Jimmy oh, Joyce. Sweet band. And then Alice Long, I usually, I liked her singing with Lawrence Well. Uh-huh. And then when I was stationed at Indio, California, Doris Day, she, uh, she entertained the servicemen out there when I was there. Oh, she has, I think she's just one of the best singers around, don't you? Oh, Ray? I love Doris. Oh, golly. Yeah. One more, oh, she one can more sing. International Harvester, I worked, worked with that outfit, and I knew the guy that ended up being the chairman of the board. Oh. 
chairman of the board of what? Uh, chairman of the board of all international harvester companies. <gasps> no kidding. Rockland, Illinois. What was his name? Uh, I, I can't recall him now. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. But anyway, it's another small world story, isn't it? Uh, all right, John. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Russ. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, Gray. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Hello, Russ. Hi, Kay. I don't recall you, unfortunately, for me. I recall the song, I Only Have Lies for You. Yeah. She introduced it on record. Yeah, I heard you play a bit of it before. Do you guys, both of you, realize what day this is? Tell us. January 17th? What no, is it? it's the 16th. 16th, I mean. 16th. January 16th. Yeah. 1938. Carnegie Hall. Oh, the 1938 Carnegie Hall Jazz Concert with Benny Goodman. Oh. Harry James. Gene Krupa. Go today. <laughs> Isn't that something? How neat of you to remember that. What a day sing, that was. Sing, sing, sing. Ooh, that would made real history, didn't it? Oh. Yeah, with the whole bunch, including uh, some of Ellington's people were there, and Count Basie and a few of his people were there. They had a jam session right in the middle of the yep. concert. Mm-hmm. And mm. uh, I happen to remember all this because uh, we have an American public radio station here. Mm-hmm. And they played it. And they I, did? Yeah. How about that? And uh, it was just marvelous hearing it. I... Uh, they played. They played. Sing, sing, sing. Oh yeah, they played the whole thing. Yeah. All the way oh. through. The uh, they got it off the original uh, recording that uh, Goodman himself had. Mm-hmm. He didn't find till around 1950. His daughter ran across him when she was looking through some old records of her dad. Mm-hmm. And this is better quality. Well, this was the. This is the one that were. They only. They made two. Uh, records, two masters. Mm-hmm. They issued it, and uh, he took one of them, and nobody nobody realized it. I think mm. you sort of stuck it in his stuff, you know. Yeah. The other one went to the Library of Congress, mm. and uh, he didn't even realize it until uh, he started playing them, and then he, he quit. He quit playing them and took them down to some place and had them uh, taped because he didn't want he didn't want to da- take a chance on damaging the. Uh, the old 78. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't released until 1950, which I thought was sort of interesting, and I'm sure Kay remembers it a lot better than I do, although I was well, about seven at the time. Well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm listening, but I don't remember that. But anyway, I was interested in hearing about it. Unless you happen to be in New York. No, see, I wasn't. I was mostly on the coast here. Because it was... Um, well, it was a big event, but it wasn't something, you know, we didn't have television uh-huh. so much. And I if I recall, it was the first time jazz had ever right. been played at Carnegie Hall. Right, right. Yeah. And unless, I don't think it was broadcast. No. Although it was sent over, it was recorded at CBS mm-hmm. at the studio in New York. Mm-hmm. They had one mic over, uh, overhead. I remember they had a big write-up on it in what they called Downbeat Magazine. Oh, yeah. Wow. I remember down. Legendary jazz concert. Yes, oh. sure it was. Can Made you history. Call uh, Dick Jurgens. I beg your pardon. Do you recall Dick Jurgens? Oh yes, we've been talking about him on the program Here's tonight. Here's that band again. Yeah. What what was the name of his theme song? Golly, now. 
<laughs> you don't remember? No, I don't. I've danced to him at the Aragon. Incidentally, the Aragon was on the north side. The Trianon was on the south side. That's right. And you remember who played there? Um, Kay Kaiser and Ginny Sims sang with him at the, at the Trianon. Remember that? No, that was, uh, I, I'm uh, a roughly raise, so I was a bit young, I think, when <laughs> Kaiser was playing. But I went, uh, I went in the er very early 50s, mm -hmm. and I went to the Aragon more than... The Trianon in the early 50s was, was getting pretty bad. Mm. The neighborhood was poor, and uh, the place was pretty shabby. The, Ar the Aragon was still... At least decent. Eddie Howard was there. Mm -hmm. Dick Jurgens was there, and uh, that's where we we went. In those days, you know, you still had to wear a suit coat or a sport jacket and a tie mm -hmm. and a shirt. You couldn't just come in in a grungy pair of jeans <laughs> and what have you. You had to look respectable. Like it's true. In the forties, I remember they were very strict about oh, that. Yeah. Everybody had to be very nicely dressed and act just right or they'd get thrown out. They had bouncers. <laughs> oh, yes, they sure did. No drinking. Mm -hmm, no drinking. Mm -mm. There was a bar, but it, was, uh, it wasn't connected with the dance floor. You had to go elsewhere to... Well, Ross, you've got to uh, think all weekend long now the name of Dick Jurgens' theme song. I'm going to leave you with that. It's going to bug you all week long. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank Call you very back much, when Russ. you find out. Tired, Dick to Russ Morgan. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Russ. In the Morgan Manor. Uh, yep. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. My guest, Kay St. Germain. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. Toothbrush has a tough job in front of it, cleaning out gaps and crevices. Tiny places where food can hide and decay. Only a quality brush can do the job right. An Oral-B toothbrush on sale at Thrifty and Thrifty Junior for just $1.29. Soft-bristled Oral-B brushes come in a variety of styles and sizes for the dental needs of your entire family. Professionally designed for professional results, get Oral-B today. Does your skin tell time? Can you read the passing years with each new crease and wrinkle? Well, fight back with Nivea, the rich, revitalizing moisturizer that replenishes and restores your skin's natural beauty. At Thrifty and Thrifty Junior, get Nivea in 6-ounce cream, 12-ounce lotion, or 12-ounce extra-enriched lotion. Your choice, just $2.99. Get Nivea and stop the clock on your skin. Thrifty. Hi, this is Norm Crosby, National Spokesman for the Eddie Cantor Charitable Foundation. ECCF supports numerous Los Angeles organizations that need financial and volunteer help in order to help others. From the Eddie Cantor Research Center at the Los Angeles Children's Hospital to the Eddie Cantor Senior Resource Center at Cedar sinai the efforts of ECCF assist people of all ages. The millions raised over the years by ECCF have helped to build medical research labs and clinics, helped to underwrite camps and training centers, and have sponsored countless community programs and activities. The Eddie Cantor Charitable Foundation is there to care. Demonstrate how much you care by joining ECCF or by sending your contribution to the Eddie Cantor Charitable Foundation, 9869 Santa Monica Boulevard, Beverly Hills, California, 90212. For more information, call 213-277-7866. Thanks for caring. I'm Dr. Alan Sellner. 
And today, my weekend athlete show, we're going to look at all the latest trends, the newest medical breakthroughs in nutrition, health, medicine, and sports to give you the information that you need to enjoy the active lifestyle right here in Southern California. So stay tuned later today on KBC Radio from 1 to 3. That's Dr. Alan Selner for the weekend athlete and those of you who have an active lifestyle. Coming up later today between 1 and 3 right here on AM 790 KABC. From Los Angeles, dial 520 followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then, talk. To Minneapolis and Charlie. Hello, Charlie. You're on with K. St. Germain. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, good morning to you. Beautiful voice, dear. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, my sister was a vocalist. was the Ray Noble. Really? Oh, I loved Ray Noble. The Dorothy Cordray. Oh, I didn't know her, but remember the very thought of you? Yes. Mm. And I think Larry Stewart was a male vocalist. Mm -hmm. But that was the Edgar Bergen program out of San Francisco Palace Hotel once a week. Mm. Then she went with Jan Garber for two years. Mm. All very familiar names. Lee Bennett was the male vocalist. And they traveled on the war bond tours. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I thought you might remember her. She uh, now lives in Las Vegas. And she married Paul Price, who was the, the writer for Baby Snooks and uh, publicity agent out of Las Vegas. Mm hmm And columnist, and he just passed away. Mm hmm uh, But Dorothy spent a lot... Of, we were from Pasadena originally. Mm hmm And she still lives out there, so I uh, thought maybe you might remember her because those are the beautiful days of the... Tell me your name again. Charlie Cordray. That name is familiar, but I don't really, to be honest, I don't remember, you know, real well or anything. Yeah, she was Dottie Price under Paul Price for a while singing with uh, some of the other bands, uh, Matty Melnick and... Haven't thought of Matty Melnick in a long time. And, uh... Wonderful new sound he had. Uh... Did you sing with more than one orchestra, or did you...? Not really. I sang with an orchestra called Jack Denny um, in Chicago, but it wasn't really very, very well known. Mm -hmm. Anson Weeks was my main orchestra, and then, of course, I sang with Gordon Jenkins. That's the one Dorothy sang with, too. Oh. Gordon Jenkins. Uh-huh, and uh, also Meredith Wilson for about three or four years. Yes. But that was what they called big radio. It wasn't a, a dance band. I see. My dad came out of Minneapolis and was the old uh, orchestra leader for the pits, for the uh, uh -huh. theater. That's a whole world that was so wonderful. Those pit bands were now what they'd call studio musicians today. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, gee, it's sure good to hear your voice and hear your singing. And uh, <laughs> Thank you. Dorothy's coming up to visit me now to see what snow looks like, so. <laughs> Do you have snow right now? Oh, yes. Oh, gosh, how nice. You know, I visited in Tucson, Arizona over Christmas, and they had a white Christmas. They sure did. Oh, they did. Uh, imagine in Tucson, people all came there for the heat and burn <laughs> with the snow all over the ground. It was the first time in 65 years they'd had snow. They should come up here for the winter, huh? Mm-mm. I love snow. Well, we've got uh, lots of cold weather up here, too. Mm-hmm. Stuff doesn't melt up here until spring. <laughs> you mean you get sewed in your underwear like we used to talk about? <laughs> Charlie, thank you very much. 
Bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, we have, uh, is that Adi? It's Adi, like Buddy. Yes. Good morning. Good morning, and congratulations on a fine show. Thank you. You're on with Case St. Germain. I have a question that's general. It's probably directed to both of you. Okay. Um, I'm from India, basically. I'm about 40 years old. And I like music that is that ranges from easy listening to classical. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found over the last uh, 20 years that I've spent in America is that uh, I can't stand the popular music. <laughs> I Neither can we. At <laughs> all. And uh, I've traveled all over the world. I've been to Japan and uh, the Far East. And I find that in countries which seem to have economies that are vital, uh, that have some energy in them, that countries where there is hope for the future and uh, there is energy. They like the old style of music that we used to like in this country and in, in all over the world 20 years ago. I mean, if you turn on or call a business in Japan and if they're busy and put you on hold, the music will be very likely classical. It won't be the, uh, uh, the sort of music that you hear here. And my instincts are that the music that a civilization listens to it tells a lot about its character and its uh, state of mind. Hmm, isn't that interesting? It, it really does. Uh, for example, if I go to Royce Hall at UCLA for a concert or to Ambassador College or the Music Center, I see a tremendously large fraction of the audience uh, being Oriental, Japanese, Vietnamese, Chinese. And it's quite clear that their economies and their culture are certainly doing as well or better than the mainstream culture in this country. Hmm. And it seems to me then that there is a lot to be said for the music that one listens to. And my basic question for Ray and for you um, is since you people are experts on the state of mind of the American population and of the music in this country, what really happened over the last 20 years to make us gravitate towards rock and the kind of music that tends to be something that, as Ray said earlier this evening, you just can't hum. I mean, it... I wish I had an answer for you. It, uh, it has always confounded me as to what happened. But Ray... <laughs> but it, it did happen, and uh, there's no denying it. And the thing that bothers me is when it did happen, uh, the the people who liked it and the people who make these uh, sounds That's right. uh, brought down a curtain. They did. They didn't want to think about the past. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the past to influence them in any way. It, it brought down the curtain of an era, and they started afresh on something new. And it seems they almost want to cut themselves off from yes. reality. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but one thing that seems confounding is that if one goes to a movie, let's say in Westwood or in the San Fernando Valley or any other part of Pasadena, etc., it's, it's odd that before the movie starts, they play classical music these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps it's to <clears throat> the audience from creating a ruckus on the audience. <laughs> I don't know, but, <laughs> but I think it, it's a welcome relief. I'll tell you that <laughs> it is. It would, I think it, you'd be doing a real service, Ray, uh, to your listeners. If if you could find out just why 
this this sort of thing. This I really I tremendous turn in music. I thing. I've talked with so many people and I don't think anybody can really answer it. It's it's really horrible stuff. And on a concluding remark, I might add that uh, I'm yeah. an engineer. But it's turning around. I I, I hope it's turning around. I really do because uh, I think that music is as much a part of one's makeup as as the diet is. Well, I think that's very interesting, and uh, gee, you probably are right. Thank you very much, Adi. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, go to Randolph, New Jersey, and Arthur. Good morning, Arthur. Hello. Hello. Yes. I'm uh, uh, Art Becker, and I remember the band area. I still go through all the big bands. I uh, did uh, see Glenn Miller twice before he, uh, his band was disbanded, and I've met uh, Tommy and Jimmy Dorsey and Harry James personally. Mm. Now, what I'd like to tell you is that at uh, the Carnegie Hall tonight, January 16th, mm -hmm. the New Jersey Sa Sa Jazz Society is performing a exact reproduction of the Glenn Miller, I mean, uh, Benny Goodman concert of 1938. Are they? Wow. And it's at, uh, uh, the fellow leading is Bob Wilder. W-I-L-D-E-R. Speed mm. man he was. And if anybody wants to uh, announce this, it's 212. No, we can't We can't give any phone numbers out. Okay. Uh, but uh, they're having that uh, tonight. I believe it's at 8 o'clock. I'm not sure. Yeah, I wish I was going to be in town. Yes. I'd, lo I'd love to see it. And I know this fellow is very good because I saw him in Waterloo. Uh last winter last summer hmm. last summer he played at waterloo with the the, the same score it's beautiful so, well uh, let me ask you do you miss the big bands i don't miss them because i still go see them <laughs> they're back ray <laughs> they're back aren't they we have we have a friend well if you listen to les brown he says we never left. <laughs> <laughs> right, so did Bob Crosby. Bob I, Crosby says that the old folks can't get in. The young kids are all queued up. <laughs> Arthur, I have to leave you. Thanks for the call. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. All right, we have Harry on the line. We don't have much time. Harry, good morning. Yeah, good morning. You're on with Kay St. Germain. Hello, Harry. Hi, Kay. Boy, it's been a long time since uh, a one-night stand in Fresno. <laughs> uh, boy, I can remember you yet singing Zing Went the Strings of My Heart. Oh, my God. Oh, Gabriel Blow. Yes. Yeah. From Anything Goes, my gosh, uh, the arranger took that right off the score with a... Um, when the Broadway show played in Boston and made that for me, when they all played little ocarinas behind me. <laughs> uh, boy, what a time. You were one of the most vivacious ladies I've ever seen. Oh, bless your heart. Thanks. Now, you know, I'm 74, so I can't. But boy, those were, I was a, I lived in a little town out of Fresno, up in the hills, mm -hmm. and uh, several of us came down for that one night stand. Oh, gosh, I remember that, that new, that tune. Thank you for reminding me of that Blow Gabriel Boyle. Harry, thank you very much. We're out of time. Kay, I can't tell you how much fun it's been. Oh, listen. You have such an abundant... line. <laughs> you have such an abundant personality. I love it. Oh, thank you. Well, you don't have such a bad one yourself. <laughs> uh, we, we've been threatening to do this for how long? A couple a of years now. A long time, yeah. and I'm so happy to be here. It's oh. just been a joy to speak I with your listeners. I love to talk about big bands. I know you do. And You're a real fan. 
man. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I, I got on just the tail end of them, but I, I was able to do dance remotes for a couple of years with the, the big bands. And, you know, when you stand on that bandstand in front of a big band, you never, ever forget it, right? Isn't that the truth? There's something magic about it. And I'm so glad that you are the head of the nostalgia thing because uh, you are such a valuable asset to us. We'll do it again sometime, Kay. Thank you very much Thank for being you. with us. Thank you so much, Ray. Kay St. Germain. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC. Talk Radio 790. Many people believe that so-called cleaner cars still account for 70, 80, or even 90% of smog in the L.A. Basin. Is that true? The fact is, not long ago, automobiles did account for 70 to 90 percent of air pollution around Los Angeles. It is still true with regard to carbon monoxide and nitrogen oxides, but chiefly due to California tailpipe standards and inspection and maintenance and anti-tampering programs, the motor vehicle contribution of hydrocarbons is nearer to 50 percent rather than 90 percent. Judith Ayers is the regional administrator for the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Further reductions now largely depend upon accumulating small reductions from thousands Judy of Norton minor sources, applying controls for the first time to relatively small manufacturing and storage activities, controls for painting and finishing shops, programs to reduce commute trips, and even changing the way we manufacture whole groups of household products. We also continue to need further controls on emissions from motor vehicles. This interview was produced by EPA's San Francisco Regional Office. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. From ABC News, I'm Bob Walker. Republican presidential hopefuls will be debating today. They'll be in Hanover, New Hampshire, the state that holds the first primary. And Vice President Bush says he's willing to answer questions about his role in the Iran-Contra affair. Enter. Hi, everybody. I'm Wong Hughes, and it's been a few years since we talked to this very nice lady. Judy Norton, welcome back to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You got a new project. You want to tell us all about it? What coming? What coming about for everybody to enjoy from your from your handy work? Um, right. I have a, a new film called Inclusion Criteria that I wrote and I'm also starring in. Um, it's a psychological thriller, a, a suspense thriller. Um, I play Tara Malone. She's a painter who is sort of an introvert, a loner. And um, she stumbles across a questionable, maybe, crime. And after that, she is pulled into a series of very um, odd and peculiar and, and frightening phenomenon. Um, things, things start moving and are missing and disappearing from her house and just odd things. And, and she is terrified that she is losing her mind, that she's literally going crazy. As, as her mother did, and if not that, then someone is intentionally manipulating and, you know, stalking her, and, and that's just as frightening. So it's, it's, that's, that's the story, and that's the question that, uh, that the audience has to see if they can figure out along the way. <laughs> so when it's going to be released, where should people see it? Give me some... Uh some of your release points that people can can enjoy your efforts. Thank you. Um, it's releasing April 13th, that's Friday the 13th, mm -hmm. how apropos, yep. at um, the Arena Cine Lounge Theater in Hollywood. 
Um, it'll be uh, have a very limited engagement there. Um, April 25th, um, it'll have its premiere in New York. Um, and also virtually at the same time, for people who aren't in one of those markets and aren't able to see it at the theater, um, it's going to be releasing on DVD and streaming through outlets like Amazon.com and BestBuy.com, Walmart.com. Um, so people will be able to order it and see it um, in that manner as well. So will it be streamed right on the 25th or after the New York uh, premiere? Um, in a lot of markets, it's going to be available virtually the same time we release. You know, I, I guess that's getting to be fairly common these wow. with distribution that it sort of they roll out a lot of it at the same time, and, and particularly with an independent film where we aren't able to hit every marketplace with the theater, um, with theatrical releases. Um, you know, I think they decided that this way it it really allows it to have the broadest audiences as soon as possible. And then perhaps that will, hopefully that will generate some additional layers of, of, um, of perhaps, you know, other, other cities for theatrical, perhaps um, it'll trigger some more foreign distribution and, um, and other layers. So, I don't know, the distribution is a mystery to me. <laughs> So, is there a way for people to keep track of their website, a Facebook page? How can keep people keep track of the progress of the film? Um, yeah, uh, both of those. I do have a, I have a website, judynorton.com. Um, not being the most technically savvy person, um, I don't update as often as I should. Mm -hmm. So the website is, is, you know, a little more sporadic on updates, but you can't and that way, any anytime something is updated, you will get it. You'll get an email sent. Um, I have a Facebook page. Um, it's under Judy Norton. You just have to look for the page with the small photo, the profile photo of me um, as Mary Ellen with a straw hat um, mm -hmm. from the early years. So you should recognize that for the Walton fans. And then um, I'm on Twitter at uh, the Judy Norton. Um, so any of those. Uh, particularly with the social media, I do a better job of um, kind of updating about, you know, where the film's going to be and other projects I have going on and, and when things release and, you know, people, uh, sometimes I have a, you know, when I have a few minutes, I'll hop on and try and interact with people who send me messages. And I, I, I mean, I always so appreciate hearing from people, even if I don't always have a chance to get back to them. I, I do try to read as many of the comments and questions as possible and and can. So if there's a theater owner listening to us or a, a chain out there, is there a distribution company that you contact to see if they can run the film in, in their theater? Um, we are working with Nandar Entertainment. Okay. Um, so that's on the various different uh, uh, posters and, and things like that. Uh, so... Um, they would be the, probably the person to contact because they're arranging and coordinating all, all of the layers of distribution at this point. So did you have the script in mind for, for a while, or did, was it fleshed out over a period of time? How did the, uh, the concept come about? Um, I originally, I had the concept, um, the kernel of an idea had been floating around for, for quite a long time. It was It was really a story, an article that, that I read came across that was 
really very disturbing to me, and I can't say exactly what it was because it would give away the film, mm -hmm. but um, when, I, when I sort of read this and heard about this, I went, oh, no, this, this can't be, this really, this can't be true. And I thought, wow, if it is, that is really scary. And, um, and so it just sort of sat there and percolated in my mind, and then I was talking with Josh Hodgins, who is our, our director and my, uh, one of my co-producers, and and I sort of mentioned it to him. I said, oh, I'm thinking about this, this suspense thriller. And he went, I love that idea. He said, if you ever do it, I'd love to be involved with it. So I kind of, a few months, I kind of floated around with it. And then he and I were together again. I said, you know, I think I'm going to do that. And so he sort of said, well, how about you star it, star in it, and I will direct it. Um, you know, and why don't you, you know, write that. And, and so I went, okay, I will. And so that was um, like January of 2016, okay. and then we shot it the fall, like November 2016, and then um, you know just this last year's been all wrapping up the, uh, you know, the, all the editing and the post production and getting it, getting it ready, and you know, getting it with the distributor and all of that, and you know, and so it's it's been a good solid couple of years in the making. Um, and so I, I'm just so excited to have it out there and for people to get to see it. And, and I'll be fascinated. The, the initial people who have seen screenings or previews of it, um, there's been some very, I've been so relieved that people have followed, you know, been able to follow the story and that they've, it hasn't been a dead giveaway. People have had ideas and, you know, they've sort of, there's, we tried to, you know, I tried to layer in a lot of, you know, sort of red herrings and, and misdirectors, and, but plausible, you know, that, that maybe would misdirect people into thinking that what was actually going on might be something different. And, and that's what I've heard back from people, you know. It's like, oh, I thought it was that person, but then, then I thought it was that person, and then I was sure she was going, really going crazy. And um, so that just, that just made me feel so good that, you know, the concept and what I was trying to do uh, people seem to be going on that journey that I created and following with it and and embracing it and and that's that's just so you know so exciting for me to hear. So when you were going to be decided to be on the screen itself, did that change how you decided to write the script? It did. Um, yeah, um, and. And also then knowing I was writing for myself, um, you know, I, I, there were definitely some things that I, that I made changes in that if, if I'd just been writing it for whatever casting was best determined. Um, and, you know, but I, 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 although my, you know, sort of how I viewed it as an actor came somewhat in, into play it really wasn't until I was finished and then um, getting ready to prepare to, to actually film it that I really dug in there as an actor and started doing the kind of homework and background and research that I do as an actor. And that's very different in, in many ways from what I do as a writer. So there were surprises in there for me, you know, and, and questions I had to ask that I hadn't asked as the writer. And I was like, oh, that's a good question. You know, I need to answer that. And, 
you know, I would have other actors, you know, talk to me as the writer and go, well, what did you mean with this? And did you think this? And what about this? And, you know, they really got me going at times. It's like, huh, you know, that's a good question. I think, you know, this is what I was thinking, but I like your idea. Maybe that's, you know, I think that's, that's a good direction to go. So, you know, that was so fun to really be able to explore it with the other actors and the director along the way. I would think in some way it'd be easier to write something that you're going to be in because you know your own personal strengths and weaknesses. In other cases, it might be very difficult because, you know, you're, you're trying to separate yourself from the writer, as, from the from the actor somewhat. Uh, I would think it's a dual complex in a way. It is, yeah, because although, you know, I know my strengths as an actor, I also didn't want to take the easy road, right. you know, say, okay, well, this, you know, this is the kind of character that I have played. There's certain types of characters I've played a lot, you know, really strong, independent women. And, mm-hmm. and although Tara has aspects of, of strength and independence, she's far more fragile and vulnerable than, than the characters I typically play. And, you know, so I wanted to give her characteristics that, would separate this role from, you know, everything else people have seen me do. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to, um, for the character to, to separate it and, um, you know, create a unique visual look for her as well. You know, I, I mean, if, if you've seen any of the trailer or the, or the posters, I have, um, you know, I, I have long hair in it, very long hair and curly. And, you know, so we there was wigs and extensions and various different things involved and, you know, the wardrobe was, was different than my personal style or the style of most characters. So I was, I was really looking to give myself a challenge as an actor and create a character that really worked for the story um, and would make it unique on, in, you know, in both arenas. So, you know, that, that was fun, but it definitely gave me some some acting challenges, and then I, you know, the actor in me was like, "Oh my goodness, now I need to rise to the occasion." And you know, I was so grateful to the other actors, and 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 Josh, my director, was fabulous, and you know, it was so great to have that supportive team around me that I just think you know helped me to bring out the best performance I could, you know, that I that I had. Did you and Josh have some ideas who were going to be in the cast, or? Did you have some open audition? How do you figure? How did you cast the rest of the parts? Um, we had, in some cases, there were there were people I had in mind when I was writing. Um, one or two characters, um, dear friends of mine who are wonderful actors, um, Jewel Caldwell, who I'd worked with up in Canada on a couple of projects and did a TV series with her up there, um, bluff, uh, cop drama, um, and Marlene Hammerling who I have known for a few years and have worked with on a couple of other projects. And I'm in a writer's group, and so there were some actors in that group that, you know, when I took the material in to do table reads as I was developing it, and, you know, I'd hand out roles. Okay, good, could you read this character and could you read this character? And, you know, there were some very interesting things that I learned about the characters and the potential for the characters there. And that was actually Raw Hannah who plays the the male lead, um, he's from the HBO series Oz, um, he, w- he was in the writer's group, and I had him read that character of John, um, and 
you know, not that I was specifically thinking of him, but I thought, oh, you know, he's he's a strong actor, and it'll be an interesting, you know, it'll be an interesting take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved what he did, and I went, wow, that's that's more than just interesting. I think that that's like <laughs> worth talking to the director about. Um, so there were there were you know two or three. There were a few different actors that we considered for the lead, and, and they met with the director and, and read for the director and. And, um, you know, ultimately it was Josh's decision, you know, but I just brought some people to the table that I thought were great. Lori Hendler was another one that um, I had had been in the writers group, although she was she wasn't there when I was developing this. But um, Lori Hendler from Give Me a Break. Um, And I just seen her do some very diverse work in that writers group because you can get handed anything. You know, you could be playing opposite gender. You could be playing you know, animals, you could be playing foreign people, things you'd never do, but it's sort of like, okay, this is who's in the room. Good. You know, read the crazy Italian lady. You know, it's like, oh yeah, right. You know, (laughs) but um, because of that, I'd seen Laurie read some different sorts of things than anything I'd seen her do before. And I went, wow, she is really good. So um, she was another one that um, I almost didn't approach because I thought, oh, you know, this is a small independent film and I don't know her well enough you know, to call in a favor, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, which is what a lot of this was with, with indie films that quite often is. Sure. Um, and the leader of, um, of the writer's group, you know, when I was talking with him about some ideas and, and I said, I'm really thinking, trying to think of who for this, you know, this doctor. And, he, and he's like, well, how about Lori? And I went, I would love to have Lori, but do you think he's absolutely, you know, call her. I did. She was so lovely. She said, of course, I'll meet with the director. Of course, I'll come in and read, you know, which she, you know, certainly her credentials would have certainly given her the right to go, you know what, I don't need to audition, you know. Mm-hmm. I think my week work speaks for itself, but she was so generous about that and, and recognizing that the director may not know her work in this fashion. And, and she was just fresh because, you know, I do do comedy. And I went, yeah, but that's not all you do. And I just thought she would really enjoy doing a role that was so different from what she usually gets to do. And and she did, and she so embraced it, and we had the best time filming. So that was just like a, a home run, you know. <laughs> did you wind up filming almost every scene that you put put down on paper? Or eventually, when you and Josh were working through the, the process of shooting, you decided, you decided, well, I think it should go in this direction. And you left some of the your hard work on the table. Um, well, I think that happened in the editing room with some things that we even shot. That then we went, you know what? That's just not working, and mm-hmm. you know we can let's just let's just cut here and cut here or whatever. Um, so we did that. Um, and as far as the filming, yeah, there was um, there were some changes that happened. Particularly, the most notable was really about three days into the filming, where I just had this like as a writer this light bulb moment where I went. Oh, I need to change the ending. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, not completely, but, you know, I just suddenly, I saw what was going on. I was watching these actors, you know, interact yeah. and working and working with them and feeling what they were bringing to the table in the scenes as we were filming. And I went, oh, I have this brilliant idea. I thought it was brilliant anyway. <laughs> so I took it to the director and I went, I have this, I have this crazy idea. And what do you think? And he said, I think that's really cool, you know. I, I, yeah. So, you know, on, and it didn't impact anything we'd shot so far. So we didn't have to go back and change anything, but it, in, 
you know, I, I just had to let the cast know so that scenes that we hadn't shot, that maybe, you know, they needed to know things about their character that were going to be different at the end than, um, than what they'd originally thought, because obviously that changes the nuances of your performance. Um, so, you know, everybody loved, you know, the new idea. And um, so that, that was probably the most radical of the, of the things I did. As you wore your producer's hat, what were some of the challenges? Um, not not having enough budget, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I think that's a typical thing, you know, that that happens again on independent films where you just have to make choices about what are the most where are the most important places to put your limited budget, yep. um, and trying to make sure that it went on the screen as much as possible. You know, I mean, of course, trying to take care of people, but, um, you know, just really, you know, there were, there were hard choices that had to be made about, you know, certain, certain aspects of the production. And, you know, and we tried, you know, I, I left most of that in, um, in the hands of, of Josh and his choices and his vision as a director and with Chris Bond, our cinematographer, who was fabulous, him and his whole crew were just amazing to work with, um, and then our line producer, who had to account for all, you know, all those nickels and dimes, you know, and and everything, and and um, and make it work, you know. So and tight schedule, yeah. you know. Again, budget dictates schedule, yep. you know. So we didn't, we couldn't shoot more days, and you know, we had to finish out certain locations by certain days, and you know, there were just, you know, there were just things like that, but. Um, did he shoot it here in in town, or did he go out? No, out we were actually in Yakima, Washington. Oh, okay. Which is, um, which is Josh's hometown. Okay. And um, and his a lot of his crew that he's worked with for years. You know, they've they kind of came up together. Mm-hmm. You know, just making little films and learning the whole process and doing you know all that sort of hands-on film school stuff that you yep. just learn by doing it and go, oh, that was a mess. Let me do this instead. <laughs> you know and and, you know, they're now, you know, seven, eight years, ten years into the process mm-hmm. and a just wonderfully well-oiled machine. You know, there's a shorthand there and it was just so calm and, you know, and just everything moved like clockwork because they just, they were so, it was so clear that they were a team and, you know, um, so. And accommodation would have been a lot easier because everybody had been in their, home, their hometown. So. Yeah, yeah. So everybody could go home at night, pretty yeah. much, except you know th- those of us who came into town. Right. Um, there were a few of us that you know some of the act, some of the actors, some of the actors were even local, mm-hmm. um, up there. You know, again that Josh knew, so he brought a number of really talented people to the table, um, and um, you know people wore multiple hats. You know, but nobody complained. Nobody. There were no egos. There were no. It was just. It was a, just a such a pleasure to work on and I was I was so honored that everybody you know gravitated to the the material and loved the material enough that they were willing to you know give it a hundred percent so what about distribution did you have that figured out fairly early in the game or did have that evolved over a period of time how are you gonna get it out there to the public um well uh we didn't have an exact plan but we knew that um I have worked with Nandar before, Nancy Christ, who heads up Nandar. Um, I had worked on a couple of other films of hers, and Josh has a long-standing relationship with with Nandar in terms of, you know, 
working with their projects mm-hmm. as, you know, sometimes a producer, sometimes a director. Um, so they've, Mandar has been building its whole distribution um, portion of their company. And in a lot of cases, I think because um, Nancy, as a producer, uh, you know, was frustrated by what she was experiencing with her independent films and the lack of integrity that sometimes she encountered in trying to get her films out there, you know, that companies went bankrupt or companies just said, oh, well, there was no profit. And, you know, (laughs) it's like, I'm sorry, we're still trying to pay off, you know, all our expenses. And, you know, I have no idea. Like I said, the, the distribution is, but I've heard these kinds of tales and stories and I have no, I don't have the personal experience of it, but, you know, she was saying she was having some of those experiences. And so I think she um, developed Nandar's distribution um, portion to start, you know, like taking control of the area for herself mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, if, if, if I don't trust the people that I have had and found to work with so far, then I need, you know, maybe I better learn to do this myself. And so she's been building that and you know, is very diligently, you know, working to represent the, you know, the, the projects that she has. So, um, you know, so she, she loved when we sent her the trailer, she was like, oh my gosh, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I love this, this looks amazing, and, you know, and, I, you know, and so she's been really in there pitching to, you know, to help, um, you know, the whole, the whole distribution thing. So, you know, it'll, it'll continue to evolve, but we just didn't want to wait any longer to start started out there. Did you approach Nancy fairly early in the process, or did you wait till you had some stuff in the can before you showed her something to see she would be interested in handling it for you? Well, she didn't see any of it while we were filming, I don't think, uh-huh. but um, I think the trailer was the first thing she she actually saw, but Josh was having conversations with her all along the way because we knew that she was going to be a piece of the puzzle. You know, we just yeah. didn't know how much of the puzzle she would um, be interested or willing to take on and, you know, what other um, opportunities would, you know, would come to the table. And so we were very happy to have her be coordinating that on our behalf because we trust her. So let's talk about the, uh, the, uh, the premiere on the 14th. Where, is, it, is it open to the public? Uh, how, how can people see it? Is it an invite only? How do you... On the, on the, was it the 13th? I'm sorry. Yeah, um, we're having a cast and crew screening actually um, this coming Saturday okay. that is, you know, is, is just kind of cast and right. crew right. Um, at Raleigh Studios. And then on the 13th at the Arena Cine Lounge, um, it's completely open to the public. Uh, people can, you know, will be able to buy tickets. They can, Right now they can go on Arena Cine Lounge's um, website and and purchase tickets through their website right now. Um or any, any time during the week of the 13th and the 19th of April, all through that week. Um, and then it's, um, I believe, uh, making its way up onto, you know, Fandango and, you know, various different other, um, you know, ticketing sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so people can just, they can go get those tickets right now. So, and in New York, again, the theater on the 25th is? It's the um, Fabian 8 Cinema okay. in... I think Patterson, New Jersey. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so people in you know in sort of the New York, New Jersey area. Um, it's initially a, a one night only. Um, Raw 
Hannah, our um, our lead, our leading actor, um, spent a lot of time in New York, and so he's like, I want to take the film to New York, and my friends are going to, you know, <laughs> are going, when are you going to bring that thing? He said, I'm taking that film to New York. So he's been helping to coordinate, um, you know, the whole kind of New York, New Jersey thing, but it is completely open to the public and um, also. So um, I've been I've been posting those on my um, Facebook and and um, and my Twitter and, and stuff, so um, people can get you know the specifics of that um, if they um, if they are going to be in that area and um, and want to catch that. And he's going to have some other celebrity guests um, in attendance at at that um, screening in, in New York. So, of the three years, what, what, done in 2016, what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? Um, that I don't want to be a producer. It's just, it's so much work. It's yeah. not... Uh, like I said, I, I don't understand distribution, and, and you know, I mean, even as a producer on this one, the only reason why I did it was because I had Josh and I had Aaron Bolts, who was you know our line producer, and yeah. that Nancy Chris came in, and you know, and they took care of all of the union stuff and the legal stuff, mm-hmm. the contracts, and the you know all the things that I don't know how to do, you know, and I just yeah. you know I just said okay. Um, so I was more of a creative producer, mm-hmm. you know, from the standpoint of bringing the, you know, writing the script and then helping to bring talent to the table and, and things like that. And, you know, Josh and I spent a lot of time talking about, you know, ideas and aspects of the film. And, you know, and I've been involved in some of the, you know, some of the post-production strategies and things like that. But most of the time I just kind of go, you know, um, I have an opinion, but I don't know that my opinion is the one that counts the most. You know, what do you advise those of you with more experience? Um, so um, I, I think this is probably about the only circumstances under which I would be willing to, you know, to produce because there's people that do it so much better than I do. So you see yourself writing more screenplays, though? Yeah, I mean, I have. I've been writing for, oh, gosh, you know, um, like 25 years, mm-hmm. 30 years, um, at, starting in, in theater, and then, um, which was great because, you know, with theater, of course, I, it's like I'd write something, it would, I've had about uh, probably 50, you know, plays produced, right. and um, and when you get something that you've written up in front of an audience, you know, you, you see it through rehearsals, and in a lot of cases, I was involved in directing them as well, a lot of those productions. So I could see in rehearsals what was working, what wasn't. I could do rewrites along the way. And then, you know, when it was up on, on its feet and, you know, the audience came to see it and I could see what the audience was reacting to or, you know, where it was maybe sort of dragging a bit or whatever, I could do rewrites. And so that was really my, you know, my training ground as a writer and a director was, you know, again, hands-on in front of an audience. Um, so then after, you know, many, you know, many years of writing for, for, um, for theater, I had an opportunity to start doing some writing for, for film and television. And um, I have two other films that have been produced, um, and they may both be out this year as well. Um, I'm waiting the producer's just trying to wrap up some music licensing and stuff like that before he can deliver them to the um, to the distributor. So, um, yeah, it could be a very very big year for me <laughs> um, in getting in getting um, you know my first three films 
that I wrote um, actually out there to the public. So for our friends out there, how should they keep track of you, Judy? Is it the best way probably to the Facebook page? What, what do you think? Probably, yeah. You know, I mean, check in with my with my um, website, judynorton.com. Um, Facebook, I do post more frequently. Um, and the and the and the Twitter, I try to. My Facebook um, is linked to my Twitter, so if I remember to post on Facebook, it'll automatically post onto onto Twitter. So I'm not on Pinterest or you know some of the other newer um, platforms. Yeah. You know, I, I find it so time consuming just to deal <laughs> with these. <laughs> I don't know how people do it. I am so impressed with people that are like you know really really making it happen all the time. It's really amazing how they do it. I I, I don't yeah. I don't get it. I don't. I think it's a different generation. It might be up with it. <laughs> and and, and I, I guess we're so busy working on the creative side of the product, we don't think about the marketing. It's almost like a, a to- totally different animal to, to get out there and. What people know, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. It's, yeah, and you, and you know, you can't you can't be great at everything, or you're or you're good at nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you if you try and you know if you if you spread yourself too thin, I just think that yeah. So I mean, and I'm I'm usually have you know I have two or three other projects I'm writing that are kind of that I'm developing right now, and you know, so it's just I just I, I would not get any of the actual future work done, done. Yeah. you know, if, if I didn't make myself, you know, give, make myself sit down and get it done. Sure. Well, Judy, I wish you all the best for the film project and, and the other two that comes out, hopefully this year, and we'll have you back on to help promote those. So thank you for doing thank this for me. so much. I appreciate it. Terrific. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Turn it back to the automation system here on Yesterday USA. Good morning, everybody. JAWS Professional Apple Software Update Dialog List View I Alt F4 Alt Tab Skype Trademark 33 Wall Alt Page Down Wall Tab Replayer Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.1 <laughs> 